calm down. Get a hold of yourself. Calm down. Now get back to your seat. I'll take care of this. Calm down. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. Doctor, you're one on the phone. Everything's going to be all right. Sister, why are you not handle this? Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, April 27th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a unique and special show today, not just because of the outstanding content that we're going to get into from just about every corner of the news sphere today, but I, for those that don't watch this show as, as you know, regularly, I I lately have been a little bit less engaged with the day-to-day daily wrap-up. We're still, you know, but as you guys know, we're doing the pirate stream, do the writing of the articles. And on top of that, those that are on our Discord have known that I've been just dealing with some family stuff in general and it's and you know, life. And I have it's been hard for me to get these shows as frequently as I want to get them out. And you guys know when I tend to have those gaps, I just have to dump a lot of content because I can't I need to get it off my mind and make sure everybody sees it. So on that note, I decided to do something different today because it's, it's difficult for me to do multiple shows because of all the work that goes into setting it up and the images and all the different stuff. And it ends up being a big gap in between. I'd like to do them can, you know, very quickly. So what I'm going to try to do today, I posted one article page on the, on the website, and this is the first video. I'm going to do more than one video. I don't know how many I'll be able to get done. We'll see if I fizzle out, but I intend to keep going until I get all this content out. At least I, that's my plan. So we're going to start today with a major COVID focus, because I really do think there's a lot of really important stuff to continue to focus on, as well as some new discussions that I want to include, and that it, it has to do with a lot. One of the main points we're going to get into in this first video is the community spike vax versus the, the Moderna, Pfizer, BioNTech labeling and what that means. Even if you want to pretend they're not different, even though I've proven that they are, they're legally distinct, as even they said. So we're going to get into this important dynamic between the two. And I have, a, I have, you know, as I tend to do for you guys, I had multiple calls today with Walgreens, CVS, and all of them seem to suggest that they've never had it and don't have it. And, well, I'll, I'll save some really some of the, one of these people say something very, very, very interesting about what they think personally, their opinion, how this is going to go down and what these labels even mean, which is pretty much nothing. All of that being said, the important conversation is they believe they're legally distinct. So if they are, they're telling you they're approved. They're telling you you're getting an approved version when they just told me they'd never even have had it. And you know this because we've been talking about this from the beginning. It's the very same reason why the entire military conversation and the the uh, Thomas Massey pointing this out in regard to the DOD being sued because they put a mandate out under the guise that it was approved and then continue to give them the emergency authorized version. Now, whether they want to go, but it's the same thing, it doesn't matter. That's not true. But even though, or even if that was the case, it still is a legal distinction and they are still breaking the law. It's, it's pretty incredible. Now, back to what I was saying, what I'm going to do today is focus on that. Main, that's one of the main points. I have a couple of good ones today on the, on the COVID discussion part, but I'm going to finish this show 
in however long it takes. I'm not necessarily rushing, but I don't want it to be very long. I'm going to then reinitiate a new video, not share anything else, and just put that video on this same website page. So the same title, which I tried to just kind of include a lot of things, doesn't even get close to encapsulating all I'm going to talk about today. And that is, I'm going to post those videos in succession with you know some categories so you can see what's in the videos. All of it will be part of the main daily wrap-up of the 27th of April today. But multiple videos. So if that made sense, I hope it did. We're going to get into it. And I will I will make sure I, I share a few things on Discord and elsewhere for people that are confused. And for my mods, make sure you let people know more will be coming out today. When I end this version of the video, I, hopefully as soon as I can get done, I'll be going live with another video. And then hopefully one after that, all of them on that same page. So let's get started today with something very, very an, an important point that I think in, is important to include with all the stuff we're going to talk about today, not just because I am very concerned about, you know, what's really going on with these things and what they know and what they don't know and what they are hiding and, and you know, ingredients and all sorts of different things. This is also an important point to reinitiate, to reestablish over and over to show you that not only is it possible, two things are possible in this thing I'll show you next. One is that they are unaware, which is alarming and, and, you know, shows you what the kind of control over information, even with people involved with, let's say the red cross, who we're going to talk about, or it shows you that they are willfully ignoring a very serious truth. And this is something you've already seen. We've talked about this many times and many of you have taken up the charge and try and Hey, red cross, why aren't you doing anything about this? Hey, why haven't you responded? Why are you still labeling or are stating that you do not label vax versus unvax blood, despite the peer reviewed science, multiple versions that show that yes, it very clearly goes into your blood very quickly within hours and continues to circulate your blood, at least according to this peer reviewed study on PubMed national library of medicine, NIH for 28 days after COVID vaccination fills in the podcast. It literally reads, Spike, SARS-CoV-2 spike mRNA vaccine sequences circulate in blood up to 28 days after COVID-19 vaccination. That is a peer-reviewed study from January 7th, 2023. And yet, as you guys have known that are following this, I continue to point this out to the Red Cross, going all the way back to the first time. And this, is, this isn't the first time, but this is when I made a big point to stick it in front of them and make a statement about it. As on September 13th, 2022, they still state, and this is still the state of policy on their website, that they do not label blood as containing vax or unvax blood. Why? Because they say it does not enter the bloodstream and therefore poses no risk. Which, by the way, is not an easy, that, that's not even a fair therefore. Just because it doesn't enter the bloodstream does not mean therefore it's safe. But that's another point, because we know it's not safe. The bottom line is they state that, and I follow up and say, well, wait a minute. Here's another peer-reviewed study that finds that you're wrong. Maybe you just haven't seen this yet, so I'll put it in front of you. How is it that we can know this, and yet you're still standing by that statement? Are you, you're putting people in danger. You are accountable for this action or lack thereof. Crickets, still, to this point. They've never, not that I expected them to respond, but at the very least, I expected them to go, oh, whoa, whew, well, we could be legally in trouble here, so let's quickly at least remove that. But no. They still stand by this. As I said, it is wildly irresponsible for the Red Cross to not address this peer-reviewed science. That is actually only one of many studies that show your stance is not just wrong, but poorly informed and dangerous. We see you. Do the right thing. Now, yes, accountability is not something that I'm going to dismiss as with people like this. But step one is just do the right thing so you stop hurting people, and then we'll discuss accountability. Because this is crazy. It's still happening, though. So please continue to put this out there. I mean, I'm almost every day now coming back to this and unretweeting and retweeting again because it puts it right back in the top of your feed. 
which I've said before, I used to make fun of people that retweeted their own tweets until I realized the, 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 uh, utility of it it really does it's a way to kind of circumvent suppression and and you know i'll i'll respond to people and sometimes it won't even show up in my feed on either side of it until i retweet it myself <laughs> any case the point is this isn't this is still happening to this day now here's an interesting overlap to this that i wanted to share just these are just some opening points that i wanted to get into before we start with a a really important conversation about the origin or rather specifically a company that worked with the original vaccines in canada with Moderna and what these companies are. And it really does clearly show you that this is a DOD overlap and that this is about nanotechnology and really that was just repurposed in the idea of vaccinations. But this is about, this is uh, the account is Sue's. Can't really see what that says there, but Sue's is the account. Protect your blood at all costs. Montana House Bill 645, which you should look into. There's a lot of this going around. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's stuff in, I think, Montana talking about keeping microchips out of your body and everyone's laughing at how dumb they are. And it's like, hey, well, I think you guys are just not aware of where the world is going. But either way, Montana does seem to have their head. It's at least some of them in the right place when it comes to this discussion. If past bans, those who received the injection and those with long COVID from donating blood, checking off yet another conspiracy fact. New bill. But so the interesting part of it, though, and this is why I include this down here, is this is getting conflated, even from an honest perspective, as I would argue, from a lot of people pointing this out, with the idea of just having COVID-19. Now, there is a real conversation to be had there. If we're, if, that's if we're just talking about the spike protein. Because, yes, if and of course, on top of that, assuming that COVID-19 isn't what happened, it even really is there. But let's just take that at face value for the sake of conversation. The point would be that the spike protein itself, whether having it from naturally or from the injection, is dangerous and does, in fact, we, as we pointed out, Dr. Luigi Warren, who was the discoverer of this point, he said on the record, and it was even vindicated when they uncensored him on Twitter, that yes, it does shed from your body. And now that we know that it continues to populate, right, it continues to synthesize, as many peer-reviewed studies have found, then there's no longer the idea that it's not enough to make a problem. It continues to make it, so it continues to shed. So the problem is that that is something that is constantly happening. That's problematic on either direction. And that's an issue that we should address when it comes to any conversation of blood doning. But the injection itself has a lot other things, the mRNA and plenty of other conversations we could have about what might be in there or what's going on and what it does to your body. That it's very different than just the spike protein conversation. And by the way, that's what I appreciate about it. She said, yes, I've done my research. Here's the bill that you can read for yourself. So good for her. Right. That, that's that's the kind of person you should follow today, because whether or not you agree with their findings, you can look at it for yourself. Right. People that shout at you for asking for links are people that you should not follow, whether or not they think they're doing the right thing. Now, on a couple of other points, and please keep these things in your mind as we go forward, because this is very relevant to both, again, the idea of the concerns about what's really going on in there and the fact that it's being willfully ignored by the people that are supposed to be doing, you know, the right thing and keeping you safe and keeping things medically sound doesn't seem to be happening. But from a little bit of a foreign policy overlap, which I'll be getting into later today, I thought this was really interesting. WHO says high risk of biological hazard, apparently all of a sudden, after the Sudan laboratory was seized. Well, isn't this interesting? Because what's the point here is that what we're talking about is this back and forth. I mean, I'm not going to get into it deep today because it's gonna. It, it, we've talked about this before. And I recommend you read this an outstanding article from Robert Inlikesh pointing out that the U.S. government, along with the U.K. and Israel, are heavily involved in the you know, civil war in quotes, which is another regime change effort, in my opinion, using proxy forces to control the situation. Normalization with Israel, resources, all sorts of different things, geopolitical controls, strategic areas. The bottom line is the media, the corporate media says nothing. 
We don't even tell you that because that it reveals the point, I would argue. What I find very interesting is that all of a sudden when, you know, the the labs fall into the hands they may not like, well, suddenly now they're a hazard. Well, wait a minute. Why weren't they a hazard before? <laughs> oh, because we were the good guys doing the same bad things, but good guys doing them makes it okay. Oh, okay. Got it. This is just absurd. And the point is that really it's the same conversation we've had about Ukraine. And if you didn't see this as of April 12th, and of course they could be lying about this, Russian defense ministry have said they found 240 dangerous disease pathogens in four different Ukrainian labs. This is not the first time. And we, in fact, whether or not this is true, can prove, according to many U.S. people, that this is, in fact, the case. They just argue that those are not dangerous pathogens. They're research tools for safety. Okay, but it doesn't really matter when the individual gets to decide how that plays out. And when we're talking about a bunch of Ukrainian Nazis that are in control of this, that have been grown by the CIA and funded right now by this administration, well, probably just as dangerous, right? Either way, I think it's pretty entertaining to see how this is just, I mean, it's poor choice of word, really. It's, you know, in a macabre sort of way, but this this theater where they're literally opening lab. I mean, well, I'm going to jump ahead really quickly to one point that I think is important. Well, you know, I'm just going to mention it. The point is that right now, I'll, I'll get to it at the end. They are now talking about using, you know, not only these like, and Elon Musk is involved with these micro RNA laboratories that are popping up all around the world. They're not talking about doing this kind of printing fast version of mRNA that they can do on the fly. <laughs> and, it's, and this is being pumped around the world. And it's like, we, how do we not realize the overlap here, right? This is not the Russian government doing that. These are labs. And again, ignore this just for the sake of the point, for those that are going to dismiss anything Russia says, which you should question it, not dismiss it, that we can prove that they do have these things in Ukraine. There's been labs or discussions therein about what they're doing with safety materials. And the point is that this is a problem. It's not benign. These things are dual use and they always have been. We talked about this with Dr. Boyle right in the beginning, or rather uh, Spiro did. I never actually interviewed him personally, but he's, he's somebody you should look at look into. The founder of the Biowarfare Act and the reality that these things, in his opinion, were all bioweapons. It's not that hard to understand. It's the whole Department of War that turns into the Department of Defense game. If you don't know that, just look up the history of the terms. The Department of Defense was once called the Department of War. Now, why would they change that? Well, because they want you to perceive it differently. That's exactly how this works. Now, to start off with something on this old, this general same point here, like just the, the illusion of what's really going on and how this is being used. Like the, and from this thread, one of the big things that stand out to me in like the you know, surface or rather the 10,000-foot 10, elevation kind of overview is that this is just another example of how they take one idea that they want to achieve a certain agenda, you know, whatever the, the entities we're talking about, and they will apply it in any realm, field, discussion it, that it will work. So in this case, we're talking about the idea, and this is just hypothetical, of nanotechnology and, and the kind of military DOD direction that we've talked about long before this, even overlapping with like the brain machine interface and nanotechnology in that direction, and maybe just found an opening to use it for vaccination or either the guise of that to drive this into the point of that now, just a thought. But what we're going to get into is information you can prove. You come to your own conclusions about what this means. Destiny uh, Resendis, I reached out for an interview, actually. She, she put out this thread I find very fascinating. Please do your own research on this. I've done a bunch that I'll show you after I read what she said. She writes, do you really want to know who makes those Moderna COVID-19 vaccines? She posted this on March 15th. If you were among the millions that lined up for one, you should know some facts or be ignorant. Either way, this is getting posted. Back in the fall of 2021, Moderna 
hired and tasked a supposedly new pharmaceutical manufacturing company called National Resilience, or rather just Resilience in, in fast in shorthand, to make all of their COVID-19 vaccines. Resilience is rife with conflict of interest, especially with the intelligence community. Now, here is the example. Moderna taps National Resilience's new Canadian manufacturing site for COVID-19 vaccine production. This is 2021. And as you can see, they, they refer to them as National Resilience. And then just at some points, just Resilience. Now, she goes on to say, turns out that although that is correct, National Resilience wasn't its true name and wasn't truly new either, which is something that I've seen before. Actually, it's not, it's not, it's pretty, pretty common actually when they kind of want to hide the history of something. Well, they'll, they'll rename and reposition themselves and then act like it's been, you know, that it was established that point forward, right? And the people that want to keep that, that they, they, you know, will address just like this instead of addressing, well, it wasn't new. It's actually just changed its name and reestablished as something else. So it's the same people, same company, same funding. So that's sort of like changing the name of the moderate rebels. You know, all of a sudden, Hyatt Terrell Sham is the new thing and they're fighting for freedom. It's, well, no, wait a minute. Same group, same thing, same problem. Now it says, despite what Crunchbase or even, oh, and here you can look at these. And, you know, I'm going to go over some links so you can look it up for yourself, but this is easy to look up. The reality, and, and the important thing is you'll see that the same addresses, dates, you know, overlap where you can see the same people. So it's very clear these are the same groups. Their top contractor, you would think, is HHS, but nope, it's DOD. And this is an important point, as actually I forgot to include, to make sure you watch Taylor's outstanding interview with Sasha Latipova on this exact point about the DOD, which, by the way, shouldn't... My point about this was interesting is that it, our, Sasha's point wasn't just that the DOD was in charge. That was that was like because that, that's not a new point. That's been clear from the very beginning. Operation Warp Speed. Whitney and I did all sorts of work on the reality of the DOD overlap, Monsef Salawi and 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 DARPA and all of this. So it's very clear. Her point was more so that it's not just that they're in charge, but it's about a medical countermeasure, and they don't they're not hindered at all by the FDA or these different. It's all basically an illusion. Now that's the main point that I think is really fascinating. But make sure you check this out on this main point. The point is that this is, has always been a DOD operation, and I think that's not even up for debate. Now it says, despite what Crunchbase or even USA spending.gov initially claims, resilience wasn't founded in 2020. It was renamed. Also, it wasn't just worth $32.1 million, according to the government, uh, the US spending website and government contracts, but closer to $2.1 billion. Seems like quite an oversight, wouldn't you think? When you actually break this stuff down and realize that there's and, and this is the group I'm really going to show you in a minute. And notice the same address, the same everything. She goes on to say, now U.S. spending claims that resilience is actually named multiple entities. Nanotherapeutics, Nanosphere Inc., Ology Bioservices, and Government Resilient Services, which, entity having, which, which each entity having a valid background. Or, you know, to, to the outward perception. But it's weird that these things are kind of like, same name, Peter, Kahoy, PhD. Just remember these, you'll see them as I go through the links that I pulled up. And you'll see the overlaps. It's, it's pretty clear. So it's, it's interesting, the effort by those kind of pointing at this to not show any of the previous or even the real breadth of what it's involved in financially. Now it says they all overlap in funders. Or, I mean, you could argue overlap, or rather that it's just kind of the same entity with different arms, board members, and investments. 
all of them. Four of the five are listed contract officers are on the board of resilience today. <laughs> it says, which is expected, but CEOs for nanotherapeutics, Peter Corey was the, on the BM, BMGF board. Now it says also listed as investors is Google, Lux Capital, Magnetic Ventures. The COO for resilience was also a senior advisor for rival Pfizer. Nanotherapeutics resilience CEO of 17 years now runs uh, Alchem, Dr. Robert Malone's company. That's an interesting overlap. I'm very concerned about that stuff. Like somebody actually just put something in front of me today that I haven't got to look through. But, and I, you know, it, well, I shouldn't even mention since technically I haven't even looked to confirm that the post is actually accurate, but just assuming that's the case, that now we're seeing discussions about how mRNA, even from, from leading people like McCullough, are, are still, you know, that they are bad because of the way they were used, however, are still valuable for new purposes going forward. Now, I don't even know how you make that step with the current reality. Now, I'm not going to be one that's going to argue that you couldn't find, like any of these things. I've said that about vaccination from the very beginning, which is that, you know, in always the same point, if what we understand about vaccination is correct, and that's a huge point to make, because we have to understand today that there's, we have been aggressively misinformed about entire discussions our entire lives, like medicine or all sorts of things. So my point is, if what we understand about that is true, I would argue that you could do this with good intentions and make something that would help people. Again, assuming what we've been taught about that is even possible, but with negative intentions and what we see is literally everywhere, I don't know why you would trust any of these. So my point being with mRNA going forward, I don't, I mean, how are we ever going to trust that you won't just fall into the wrong hands again, or maybe it already is very concerning that that kind of arguments even coming up right now, but you know, maybe that's what they believe. I don't know, but I'm very concerned about that. And same thing with the overlap of the companies. It seems like they're all kind of positioning into the same work, which concerns the hell out of me. Now it says board members and investor overlap three times, even four times over in their funding rounds, the salt conference and the SOHN conference, also multiple members from the BMGF, FDA, CIA, Rockefeller university, Merrill Lynch, Pfizer, and multiple ties to Jeffrey Epstein. Now, you can go through and read all this stuff. All the links will be looking at it all. It's very easy to, to bring up. The point here is not that this is necessarily being hidden. It's just kind of being omitted. And I think it's very telling. I mean, the, one of the main things is the whole nanotechnology overlap. Now, is this the whole point is the lipid nanoparticle is not supposed to be the big. That's one of the, the revolutionary aspects that allowed this to work. But it's supposed to be about the mRNA, right? Isn't the whole point, the platform and the new revolutionary medicine technology? Well, then why does everything seem to be focused and centered around nanotechnology and smart dust and all these other things that kind of got repositioned into this right before this all started? Kind of concerning, isn't it? It kind of makes you feel like maybe that was just the vehicle and the point was something else. But it's saying nanosphere or resilience in 2015, 2017 had FDA violations, of course, and given multiple warnings. Now, maybe that's one of the reasons they tried to change their name and act like they were something new to trick you. Luckily for resilience, former FDA commissioner, commissioner of Scott Gottlieb, of course, sits on the board. So no worries, right? It's all good. That's how that works, right? Now it says also nanosphere and nanotherapeutics, aka resilience, has countless contracts with the government concerning biological warfare and gene-specific sensors that were wanted by the DOD. Now, we have to realize what this might mean. The idea that we're talking about a company that's been making all of these, at least for Canada and for Moderna, that we're talking about in a company that's been focused on the idea of bio-warfare. That's not defense. That's bio-warfare, as well as gene-specific sensors. Think about how that overlaps with what this is. This very well could be a massive experiment to achieve a certain end, and clearly at the expense of the people. 
Now you can see here, the last one says, to top it all off, Resilience was just picked in January 2023 to lead the Davos panel on cybersecurity. A biopharmaceutical company on cybersecurity? That doesn't make much sense, does it? Okay, so okay, sure. She says, go get that Moderna booster if you dare. I think it's a great threat. I mean, there's a lot of important stuff to unpack and go through. So here's the next step. Now, we showed you this where they were using, you know, national resilience. This is when the resilience has actually launched its change to the future of medicine. Just again, showing you that this is the same entities we're talking about. It says, first of a kind biopharmaceutical manufacturing technology company broadens access to novel therapies, vaccines. So remember, this is a huge shift from nanotechnology into the biopharmaceutical direction in 2020. National Resilience, Inc. Now, as we pointed out, you could see the overlaps, the same name, the same location, the same place, but it's called Resilience Government Services, Inc. Interesting. And you can see very clear nanotherapeutics which is kind of, you know, the point where these things overlap. Now it's saying they, uh, I think the main point here was just simply that and the website, you can look through here for more information. Now what's interesting to me, oh, and just to show you this, which is weird too, Resilience Government Services, Inc., which it shows here, their website is RES BioStage, which by the way, apparently no matter what I do, won't come up. There's no way back machine. It's just not there, which is odd because this seems to be a current site. Now, here is the same company, by the way, same location, same everything, except they show a different website. And it's, this is one of the points where we can show you, again, nanotherapeutics overlaps with the same point, different names. This isn't strange over. It really is. It's almost like this meant to be difficult to understand what this group is. Now, I had to use the Wayback Machine because that link also doesn't work today. It's kind of very interesting. Here's what it says, at least on the technology's overview from back in 2002 from nanotherapeutics.com. Nan and then, so this is Resilience, the same company. Nanotherapeutics' primary focus is to develop new inhalation, nasal, and injectable delivery systems to improve therapeutic outcomes. Now, the one point to make, as we'll show you in a second, is it's not necessarily that these things were just re... That it seems that some of these groups were working simultaneously, and, that, and they got overtaken by the larger entity. So to say that Nanotherapeutics is the same company today doesn't mean that when this was being done, it wasn't something different then, and you'll show how they get bought out or overtaken. My point in saying that is so from this angle, in 2002, this company was focusing on the therapeutic outcome, whereas other ones we just pointed at were focused on the nanotechnology directly. And that was one of these back here. I'm, it's, the point is, you can, I'll go through more in a second. I think that's this one here. But it's interesting that they kind of convert, converge. Now, you would argue that kind of makes sense, that you know at least what they're saying is the future, which is the nanotherapeutics and the nanotechnology. Now, but my concern is the, is, you know, back in 2002, inhalation, that's an odd point. That, you know, that's, that I think they've been working on the self-spreading, deployable ones for a long time. Now, we also have talked about this, and they did work on this for a long time. And then the, the, the myocarditis-inducing virus, and then literally works to aerosolize it in these caves. The, the science is, you can look it up right now. Because I think it's interesting that we have something being discussed like that and. We don't overlap it with the possibility that it was either used or accidentally got out. It's like, no, that's just not possible. Yeah, it very clearly is. But it says developed to improve delivery of traditional drugs as well as proteins and gene therapies that cannot be taken orally. Now, the only reason I'm pointing this stuff out is that I want us to be clear that this is the group that's working with these COVID-19 injections today under the new name. And that is a DOD direction. That's not HHS like she's pointing out. And you can see clearly, one, that this is what they're doing, but also that they very clearly differentiate between traditional drug, drugs and then proteins and gene therapies. 
because we know that's the reality. These are not normal vaccinations or injections. These are gene therapy products, which, by the way, legally makes everything different. That's why they just lied about that. It says inhaled delivery systems are of particular importance since there will be hundreds of new bioengineered drugs entering the marketplace in the next few years. Okay, apparently in 2002, they were going hundreds of new bioengineered drugs, which I'm sure there are, and I'm sure it's been growing, but it's an odd statement to make in 2002 when it seems to be exploding now. But it doesn't, so it's been planned at the very least, including recumbent proteins, growth factors, cytokines, monoclonal antibodies, and antibiotics. Now we're going to talk about the monoclonal part of this in a second, which is a new thing happening now from the same companies, which is concerning to me. Proteins share a common problem that they generally cannot be administered orally because of enzymatic breakdown and too large for transdermal delivery. Apparently not. (laughs) Not today. Sustained release inhalation delivery systems are of great interest in the new millennium since presently most of these protein based drugs require that they are given by constant infusion or frequent injection. Well, yeah, that's what they're doing today. A situation generally not preferable by either patients or physicians, except now. (laughs) I also should go back and say that the idea that the released, uh, it's, it, where did I point that point? Oh, too large for transdermal delivery. When I said not now, the point is at least they don't care about that, right? The point is that it's going through your skin and they're doing that and they're doing multiple things. So all the things they said back here that, you know, weren't fee, fi, uh, uh, viable and weren't enjoyable by the patients, they apparently are happening today. But it says using the lung as the preferred route of entry. That's odd, isn't it? Not to say that these are even the same thing. It's just overlaps with companies that we know are working on this today. But it's odd that the lung became this major focus today with the the, uh, ventilators and all that, which, by the way, turned out to be the very, very wrong thing to do, even though they're still doing it today and still people are being hurt by it. And this is the point that they're talking about these inhalation methods and saying, that well, the lung is the preferred route, route of entry. And it eliminates the need for administration by drugs, orally infusion or injecting methods. Maybe that was attempted. Delivering proprietary microparticle formulations for improved delivery of macromolecules that will allow for uh, the, uh, the deposition, deposition of the deep lung. And it says, delivering proprietary microparticle formulations that can provide for sustained release. Like All these things are, it's a 2002. This is concerning as hell, talking about the idea of microparticles and sustained release. I mean, all of this almost identically overlaps with what we know is happening, even though they lied about that happening then. But just hypothetical, right? The point is we don't know for sure, but here's the website, by the way. Apparently it's been under construction since like 2010. (laughs) It's no longer there. Maybe that's because they shifted into something new. Now, this is the new one. Also, by the way, weirdly and not accessible. I should make sure that wasn't just brought up somewhere else. Yeah, okay, so by the way, oh, that's what it was. So this is what they changed to, at least in one aspect, ology. But you can see, as I just showed you right there, that when you go to this, it now redirects you to resilience.com. Another example that these are all the same company. Right there. goes right to resilience.com, which is the new version. Remaking the way medicines are made. Is that what we all want? Driving innovation, biomanufacturing. Like, it's not even about whether it's better. This just is the direction now, and you don't get to choose. But nothing much in here I was going to look at, but this is just the website. But I want to show you what this says about this group, which is now just just saw is resilience, is the group currently working on this. And here's the main point in regard to what this shows you. Again, same place, same person. Here's their history, and this concerns me. Nanotherapeutics was a product of the Sid Martin Biotechnology Incubator of Alusha, Florida. It was established in the year 2000 
as Nanocoat Technologies by James Talton. The company changed its name to Nanotherapeutics in 2002. And there you go. Same thing. All this is the same company. In 2013, Nanotherapeutics was awarded an advanced development and manufacturing contract from the Department of Defense. The contract funded the building and outfitting of the advanced development and manufacturing facility. So the government, the literal, the military built this entity, the location in which they are now, or at least were at one point, but again, you'll see that they built a new one, building COVID-19 injections. At the end of 2014, Baxter sold its vaccine production technology based on Vero cell culture to nanotherapeutics. The sale included developed vaccines for H5N1, H1N1, and seasonal influenza. So why was the DOD working directly on making these things? Does it say, I mean, the Department of War isn't usually, well, it's something that's usually reserved for, you know, NIH, NIAID, CDC, but not, but no, no, the, the Department of Defense apparently is working on making the very things that became the outbreaks of the next days. That's what's interesting, isn't it? And as well as a number of investigational vaccine programs. Maybe that's what we're dealing with. He implemented a new business model as a dedicated biologics CDMO, which was in line with the growing needs of both the U.S. government and commercial enterprises, probably more so the former. He also led the rebranding effort in titling the company Ology Bioservices, which has now been rebranded again to Resilience. Why does that happen so many times? This is what usually you see, which is what you usually see in regard to some kind of intelligence overlap right? Some kind of cutout. Ology was awarded in contract in February 2020 from the U.S. government. So you can see this carried through to develop another, oh, and this is the point, the point I'm going to reference in a minute, to develop an advanced monoclonal antibody thera- therapy, excuse me, for COVID-19. So all the same groups we're talking about, at this point, Ology in 2021, making a monoclonal antibody for COVID-19. And then in 2021, they were acquired by National Resilience, Inc., now, again, the question is whether they just was a, a transition into a new front or it was bought by one of these. Either way, it's the same company, right? Still DOD contracts, still U.S. government built, still with the same government overlap. Now, it says Ology Bioservices has de- developed a business model that provides biologic CDMO services to the U.S. government and the commercial companies. Now, in late 2014, the company Ology opened its office in Frederick, Frederick Maryland. Really? Right. Frederick, Maryland. So this company who seems to have this weird overlap with everything that's happening, at least from one angle, just so happened to open its offices in Frederick, Frederick, Maryland. You know where, what else is in Frederick, Maryland? Do you remember? We have over 1,300 documented cancer victims right now, just in a one mile radius. I'll be quite honest with you. It's changed my life so radically. Sometimes I don't even know who I am. 1,300 people in a one-mile radius. What's causing so much sickness? It turns out all these victims have one thing in common. They live next to a military base called Fort Detrick. Right. Which is in Frederick, Maryland. Which was also, by the way, the the kind of hot spot, was the, the epicenter of what happened there just before COVID, which was the weird outbreak of, of some illness that caused ground glass opacity. Remember that? And they very quickly linked that with the weird COVID thing, but they failed to point out that that was also happening prior to that in the U.S. And then for that same reason, it seems they just shoved aside the, the focal point of what we knew. Remember the beginning, it was the ground glass opacity. That's how we know it's COVID. And all of a sudden it just got dropped. 
That makes no sense, does it? And that's probably because we can show whatever they're pointing at was happening prior to what happened in China in the United States. They blamed it on vaping, which is quickly shown not to be the case. There's a weird focus of both Gottlieb and Trump saying vaping was what they were talking about. There's a weird focus in all this and overlap. Maybe there was something used in those to spread. So who knows? But also we had the nursing homes just on the other side. They had multiple nursing homes, actually, that had outbreaks that caused exactly the same symptoms. A lot of people died. They just called it the cold, a very serious cold, ground glass opacity, all the same stuff, all right around Frederick, Maryland. By the way, Fort Detrick, which is responsible for numerous leaks in the past, even which is even the culprit tied up with the whole anthrax conversation. The person who supposedly killed himself that was blamed wasn't the guy responsible. This is where these things, this is how these things work. Just so happens. Now, in 2014 up to 2020, I wonder what they were doing there. To have a presence in close proximity to the U.S. government agencies with which it frequently contracts. Big surprise. In 2015, nanotherapeutics took over the anti-botulism program from Soma Corporation and opened a small facility in Berkeley, California, to continue the projects funded by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIH part of the National Institute of Health. So, you know, the Fauci overlap. In mid-2016, Nanotherapeutics moved to its new headquarters and manufacturing facility, which was a new advanced development and manufacturing facility in Alucha, Florida. I find that to be pretty damn revealing, especially the idea of working on these injections that just so happen to be later used in hyping other, you know, faux pandemics. But just the overlap with the fact that Fort Dietrich and all of this, I think what she really pointed out here is very important. And, not the, and really, just if you don't, the, the easiest point to pull out of this is why then are all of these groups, USA, uh, USA spending and government discussions, why are they all pretending like it's a new company that was just founded that has less funding than it actually does? Why is that? You can come to your own conclusions about it. Something tells me it's important. Now, here is Tom Inglesby pointing out, and he's the director for the, uh, which one is this? The Johns Hopkins Center for Health and Security. He says, important new admin initiative aimed at developing long-lasting monoclonal antibodies. Remember, that's what they were just talking about. right? So you can tie this back to groups that have originally worked on nanotech and all sorts of weird surreptitious things, I would argue, with the DOD and the government and the NIH long before this ever came around. And now they're being, they're stepping up to work on this new project with longer immunity and broader protection. You know, I just, I just, it concerns me about what's really being done behind all of this. If they have to lie about something so benign, what, you know, what, what is behind all of this? Now, I also want to just reiterate this point that I'm not going to go into deep, but just the same point of how far back we know this kind of work has been done. This is Charles Lieber. Remember this guy that was arrested for, working with China, right? Right when this started and once some people he was with were caught shuttling, you know, they had, I think it was uh, vials of blood in their sock they took from Beth Israel Hospital when trying to transfer to China. There's something going on here. Now, apparently this guy not only didn't get any real consequences, but it's now been released as far as I understand it. uh, With no time, basically, U.S. Attorney Massachusetts just reported on the 26th. Many of you pointed this out for me. Thank you. Former Harvard professor Charles Lieber sentenced to time served. That's it. Two days in prison. Now, I'm not arguing that the arguments they leveled at him necessarily necessitated huge prison time. People may disagree. I'm, I think it's bigger. To, I'm, I'm, what else is going on here? So the leading researcher 
on nanotechnology, and I'll show you what it's written down there, gets shuttled away right before all this starts. People like also like Carrie Mullis gets mysteriously dies. People like uh, Brandy Vaughn goes away. All these weird things happen. It's just kind of interesting. Right when this is all starting, the largest psychological operation I think anybody's ever seen. Kind of makes sense. Two days in prison. Two years of supervised release with six months of home confinement. $50,000 fine. So apparently he's... And, and by the way, as we just pointed out in a recent show, he's been working on scientific stuff in regard to COVID and nanotechnology and all sorts of things since the beginning of this, even when he was supposed to be arrested. How does that even possibly make sense? And he's still being tagged in all sorts of studies right now. So in case you don't want to know what he was working on, this is from 2011, virus-sized transistors. It's just amazing to me that this does not get more attention. Every time I read this, it kind of blows me away that it's at least possible that this could literally be what we're dealing with. I mean, this works for everybody. What all the people out there saying viruses don't exist? Well, there you go. It doesn't because these, are, these aren't real. This is a machine, essentially. At core, this is a nanobot, right? So let's read through this for you to understand what this is. Charles Lieber and his colleagues in 2011 used nanowires to create a transistor so small that it can be used to enter and probe cells without disrupting the intracellular machinery. That's what they're using with these injections. These nanoscale semiconductor switches could even be used to enable two-way communication with individual cells. Well, I guess we'll assume that's not part of this. Nanoscale device can actually communicate with the living organism. It says, but when his team coated the hairpin nanowire with a fatty lipid layer. So it's interesting that in 2011, they already discovered the lipid nanoparticle discovery that changed everything. And yet they act like it's a brand new discovery just before this was used for COVID-19. That's how the whole argument goes, right? They kept failing at COVID-19, or rather, excuse me, on coronavirus injections for SARS and MERS. They just kept failing. And the reason, this publicly stated, was that they couldn't get the mRNA delivered without increasing the lipid nanoparticle concentration, or rather the, you know, whatever the right word there is. And the problem was the more they increased that, the, the incre- higher the rapid increase of adverse events. So they just kept stopped. They stopped. And guess what they did today to make these work? They increased the lipid nanoparticle concentration. Yeah, if you're wondering right now how that's different today, it's not. Apparently, they did it, and it's still hurting people, and we can see that happening. So I guess they just went forward anyway. Failed, 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 and just failed on purpose, apparently. The point is, in 2011, they had already used the fatty lipid layer to achieve what they're doing with the injections right now. The device was easily pulled into the cell via membrane fusion, a process related to the one cells used to engulf viruses and bacteria. That's what they're doing. This innovation is important, Lieber explains, because it indicates that when a man-made structure is as small as a virus, think how tiny that is, it can behave the way biological structures do. So with that point, if we were to literally put this out, let's say you're working with Charles Lieber in this lab, and suddenly you test something and all of a sudden it gets it, you know, it's a virus sized transistor that when let loose behaves like a biological structure. So if hypothetically this got out somehow, or maybe that's what happened when people got caught, and they tried to cover it up. We wouldn't know the difference. And the point is, as I understand this, this would continue to get people sick. It would continue to like this is something that would continue to be. This could very well be what we're dealing with if you believe something is happening. But nobody wants to talk about this. And yet this weird overlap with Lieber, the nanotechnology, the same investigation, the same process. He says such devices might one day provide hybrid biological digital computation. Hey, enter the Great Reset or deep brain stimulation. Thanks, Elon Musk. It's all coming together. 
for Parkinson's and so on, the same arguments, you know, or technocratic control, you know, whatever you want to call it, or serve as an interface for the prosthetic that requires information processing. Yeah, we'll give them ability to walk again, right? Which brush over all the real privacy issues and how it'll be used in, in earnest. But it says when scaled down, the difference between digital living systems blurs so that you have an opportunity to do things that sound like science fiction, things that people have only dreamed about. 2011. And now he's, I mean, really, he never stopped. He's been working on research ever since. And here's just a quick, somebody just sent me this link, and I just want to point this out. Just searching for nanobots, just generally on interesting engineering. Here is 2023. New nanobots can find their way to inflame sites in the body. Now, I mean, ask yourself if we, how would we possibly know if this is already being used or not? They've had the smart dust conversation where they've had that ability since 2000, what was it? 2000, let me, let me look for this real quickly. Let's see, what was that called? Well, we had the clip where we, I think that's the one. There we go. Let me play just that one little part again since we're not rushing today. Those interfaces aren't going to go away. They're going to just become invisible. This is a symposium on nanotechnology and smart dust in 2011. We're still essentially the banging the rocks together stage for this sort of stuff. And you haven't really seen anything yet. So this is closer to the end of the vision. This is this powder-sized chip, um, and that's a salt crystal. So this is a small thing. It's something called the Mu chip from Hitachi. It's the smallest commercially available RFID system in the world and can be pulse-powered by radio waves. It doesn't require a battery. You can literally scatter this stuff like dust or embed it into a sheet of paper. And you know, 2011. Where the really interesting thing about this technology is? This was commercially released 10 years ago. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking I'm conflating that with the Libra discussion. Either way, this was, I think it was 2011, 13, 12, something like that. The point is that this was in the early 2000s that he's referencing when this was made and used. Imagine what's happening today. We're in 2023, guys, and we're all, and we are rapidly. We know how that works with the, you know, as as the electro, uh, the direction of technological advancement increases, the exponential arc it, it rapidly goes up, right? So they have the technology, they have more technology, they have more ability. It goes faster and faster, right? I mean, you can compare it to how long it took us to make something simple, and then once you have it, it goes faster and faster. 2011, 2005. So think about why this wouldn't be used right now. They make a hundred arguments about why if they were going to do something like this, well, they shouldn't even tell us because we wouldn't understand. It's the same thing about climate change, or transgender discussions, or any of these things. It gets presented as an absolute, you don't understand, we're all going to die, so we have to do it. And then people get tricked by that. If you think climate change is going to end the world in 30 seconds, well, you would rationalize some pretty crazy things, right? So... The inevitability of smart dust. So what is smart dust? Well, smart dust, of course, isn't a new concept. It's the originated with DARPA back in the 90s. And it's general purpose computing, sensors, wireless network, networking, all bundled up into millimeter scale sensor modes, drifting in the air currents, flex of computing power settling on your skin. So really, just I mean, as much as people will love to push back on anything like this as conspiracy theory, think about geoengineering. Stratosphere injections, right? Okay, so why is it so easy for people to go, fake news, oh, it's fake, you're a conspiracy theorist, when every single part of this has been technologically possible for a decade, right? 
even right now they're going brand new cloud seeding. It's like, okay, guys, they're about 50 years late. But the point is that all of this is possible. So why is it so harshly pushed back on? Probably because there's something to it. We need to realize that, like, think about how interesting it is that they're always willing to point out how some rogue villain in a cave somewhere might use a dirty bomb, right? Why don't we ask that about this kind of stuff? It's just as light. If someone has the ability to make a bomb that's a nuclear bomb in a cave is obviously a ridiculous name perception they spin on it but there are all sorts of villains they want to tell you are willing to do all sorts of crazy things just because they love to see people suffer Assad just likes to kill children right there's the narratives they spin so under that argument which is not really the valid point based on their argument though what about why wouldn't these people be executing this smart dust technology iran has very high technological abilities why wouldn't they be using this against all sorts of people why don't they ever bring that up you know why? Because they're the ones doing this right now. And maybe they are too. But the point is, you point, if you suddenly go, Iran's using smart dust to attack us, we're going to go, oh, that's a thing? Are you doing it? They don't even want us asking these questions today. Not until it's far too late, which is usually how this works. Ingested, monitoring you inside and out. And it's general purpose computing, sensors, wireless network, networking all bundled up into millimeter scale sensor modes, drifting in the air currents, flex of computing power settling on your skin, ingested, monitoring you inside and out. And if you don't think that's possible, this is the Michigan micromote. It's a cubic millimeter in size. And uh, in deference to the speaker before, yes, it runs an ARM processor. Um, As I understand it, the one things we're dealing with today are like 10 to 20 times smaller than what we're talking about here. And the one, I was the first one he said, one-tenth the size of a piece of paper. I mean, that You wouldn't be able to see that, right? The dust in the air. Now it's so small, I bet we, I mean, this, this is directly from the experts on this field. It's a tiny computer, and it features data pro, uh, processing, data storage, wireless comms. And it's probably... I think we get the point. I've played this many times. The bottom line is this can run on your own energy, as he'll explain. The fact that your motion can charge it, your heat, your energy. Like, this is like Matrix-level stuff. And the bottom line is this has been around since the mid-2000. I can only imagine what's being used today or what's in these injections or so on. These are not crazy questions to ask. So, on that note, and this, oh, finishing this little first segment before we get into something, oh, well, it's two more points to something really interesting you guys will find very fascinating and scary. Dr. Simon Godak points out that, and we, we already covered this, which is just embarrassing. This MSNBC reporter blames the flu for getting myocarditis. Now, it's not like that's impossible, but I would seriously, uh, it's, it's like blaming something that, you know, has a high, a 1% possibility while ignoring the endless amount of research that she's got for a booster, four shots. We talked about this before. And each one of those has been proven to increase pretty strongly your risk of myocarditis. And yet she just goes, the fluid in it, because that's what makes sense for my my viewers. And it's ridiculous. But as somebody points out down here, interesting I just talked about this, not sure what the purpose was. Maybe it could be a bioweapon against the population. Now, just think about this overlap here in the major point. The only reason I show the tweets because I wanted to give. Uh... Whoa. Ooh, sorry, guys. My computer just kind of freaked out there for a second. Let me know if you can hear me. Let me know if everything's still working. 
So the point, the reason I was going to say this, I showed this tweet is just to, you know, give Serpino a shout out here. I appreciate him for, you know, pointing this stuff out and making these connections in my mind. But so overlapping this with the idea of the virus size transistor, the conversation of the DOD direction and what they've been working on from the very beginning, the companies overlap with currently working on monoclonal and COVID injections, have a history of working on nanotechnology DOD directions, right? Pretty interesting. And then we can realize that this is something that could be happening. Right. The U.S. funded research on coronavirus induced myocarditis. How can you ignore something like that when we're literally watching at least what they tell us is coronavirus causing myocarditis? It's it's incredible to me. But it says FDA authorized new jail. Oh, this is the other title parts. And then I went forward to talk about this. This is the next part of it. Did the U.S. work on a myocarditis inducing virus? The answer is yes. And then work to aerosolize it. Yes. And I, I have all the facts directly from their own documentation. It's been pretty incredible. Now, again, here's the Sasha Latipov interview. I hope you will watch. Now, on that same vein of thought, I thought this was kind of interesting. And now, if this is shown to be correct, this is always hard with this, you know, foreign discussion. You know, here, here a, a China outlet is now claiming that President Erdogan from Turkey suffered a myocarditis infarction and has and had a heart attack. Here is a daily news platform saying that he also had a myocardial infarction, according to other media reports from, I think this is largely from a Turkish platform mainstream. Uh, but here's the interesting part about this. Now, one thing you should ask, okay, is it possible that somebody in this position, this high level, just as he seems to be challenging NATO and challenging and kind of pushing back on all sorts of large agendas, maybe something was used. Maybe that's po- we have to ask those questions. Something like this would make sense. But then we also have to realize, well, he also have, has had numerous shots. So maybe this is the first example of a high-level leader who has suffered because of these shots. You'd like to believe that somebody in that position might be in the know and would probably not take them. As we know, a lot of high-level people have been caught for taking saline and paying people to make sure they don't have to take it, but pretending they did, which clearly shows you something. But either way, either way this goes, that's important. Whether it was used against him because he's challenging the world direction or because he took the injections and he didn't know any better. Either way, it's pretty incredible that this is happening. Now, on the point of something I really wanted to focus on today, the community and overlap or the EUA conversation. We've, we saw, I, I focused on this a little bit in a previous show. Now, this is an exchange back and forth on Twitter. Elon Musk responded to this thread. We've already shown you the thread. I think it was right here. Today, the FDA amended its EUAs. And the point is, they just it's, it's a completely broken process. Now, I'm going to get into what we, the classically understood EUA process is. Now, the way I'm not briefly to try to explain it, it's, it's meant to be convoluted. There's the FDA and there's the HHS, right? You've got the Public Health Emergency 319, and then I believe it was 564 for the FDA. The point is they're both hinging on the idea that we're in an emergency. So the point is the HHS is to declare an emergency before the FDA can do that, but then they also have to then allow them to do so from the HHS, and then the FDA can initiate these emergency authorizations for products like the PCR test and the injections. Now, it would all only seem to make sense if the emergency ended, which allowed any of that to happen, that they would all stop, right? But no, apparently there's just this loophole where they can go, well, but we have to keep these things going for X, Y, and Z, so the HHS just allows it to continue, and the FDA just amends their EUAs. This is completely illegal. Well, that term is, I think this all is illegal, but they get to arbitrarily dictate these weird rules. So you could argue it's not technically illegal, but it's dishonest, in my opinion. This is broken. Because why are we allowing emergency use authorization anything when we don't have an emergency? Now, I want to actually, you know, I'm going to read this first, actually. I think this is important. 
this is something I referenced a long time ago, and you'll find numerous examples of this. This is from 2021. This was a, this is on again the National Library of Medicine NIH PubMed. Now this is this is written directly, and it says emergency use authorization, conditional marketing authorization, which is like the European version, and the precautionary principle of the time of COVID pandemics. Now it says, what do EUA and CMA really mean? Oh, and by the way, we're talking. This is the Department of Surgery, Medicine, Dentistry, and Morpho- Morphological Science and Interest in Transport. Uh, University of, of Medina, Italy, Department of Biomedical Sciences in Italy. These are, you know, experts, guys. These are high-level individuals with all the credentials. They're saying, what do EUA, what does EUA really mean? I'm just going to omit the CMA part of it to make this clear from my point in the conversation, but understand the Europe side of it as well. There is an interesting overlap there. I was just watching something about these injections being made in France, which people argue completely undermines the concept of, of approval that, are, that it couldn't be approved by the FDA if it was made somewhere else and not one of their FDA-approved locations. That's a different conversation. Well, it's similar and relevant, but I'm not going to focus on that today. What, do the e- what does the EUA really mean? The emergency use authorization does not represent approval of a drug or device in the full statutory meaning of the term. Now, this is despite them constantly just telling, ah, it's the same thing. Well, how can you even get away with saying that? If they were the same thing, then there wouldn't be two things. But it says, but instead, it authorizes a use of an unapproved product or an unapproved use of an approved product during a declared state of emergency. It's the only time that can happen. Authorities designed EUAs to quickly respond to public health threats, such as bioterrorism. That's how they get you, right? Oh, we're a threat. Like the, 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 the Patriot Act kind of conversation, right? Well, who are we really at threat from here? The bottom line is they're using this guise to argue Let's, let's, let's first look at it from an honest perspective, if that even existed. The argument would be that we're in a dangerous situation. It just happened all of a sudden, right? And we, we have something that we're not sure is super effective or safe. But what we can tell about what's happening in the world, whatever virus they say is happening, that we say we can prove is super dangerous, that we know it'll kill you, well, then it's worth taking this shot just in case because the benefits outweigh the risks. That's where that term comes from. At least the known benefits and the known risks. The whole point that is implicit in emergencies authorization is that we do not know the full benefits or the full risks. That's the main definition. They just lied about that so blatantly. Now it says an EUA term. Now, again, the reason they do that, though, is because they want this to seem normal because under the emergencies authorization, they have far less legal liability. They have far less. They can do any number of things that wouldn't be allowed if it was approved because they would get in trouble for it. But it says the EUA terminates. And this is my point they keep making. Once the state of emergency is over, which is generally the truth, or when a product or an unapproved use is approved through normal channels. Now, that's the second part of this. Now, yes, they keep telling you that, wait, the, the 564 part of the FDA gets to continue, even though the public health emergency ended. But what about the ideas I keep talking about from the FDA's perspective of approved alternatives or approved injections, right? That accounts for Paxlovid, Ivermectin, as well as they spike back some Moderna injections. The legal standing for the FDA is if there are approved versions, they can't give you the emergency use authorization one. Now, they're already starting. To, that's what we're going to get into right now, this kind of weird transition to something they're claiming is approved. But the, but the point is that's the way they've been doing this ever since they pretended they were giving people the approved version that they were breaking the law. They, but every part of this is unjust and broken, especially if you realize the DOD side of it, which suggests that all of this is theater. But it says a product can be considered for emergency use authorization if 
it is reasonable to believe that it may be effective to prevent, diagnose, or treat serious life-threatening diseases or conditions caused by one or more chemical, biological, radiologic, or nuclear agents. Reasonable belief, which that means they don't know. The may-be-effective standard for EUA requires a lower level of evidence than the effectiveness, in quotes, standard adopted by regulatory agencies for product approvals. The latter results from a benefit-risk analysis based on the totality of the scientific evidence available by virtue of which is reasonable to believe that the product may be effective for the specified purpose and that its benefits outweigh the inherent risks. The ultimate point, though, is that they don't know. As soon as enough data have been gathered to show the full benefit-risk balance, uh, benefit-risk analysis, let me just relax, I always do that. As soon as enough data have been gathered to show the drug's benefit-risk balance remains definitively positive, the company is expected to make a formal application. In this way, the medicine can be authorized for human use without reservations. But the point, which is which, what they did, even though even then we proved that it was broken and we're now proving that the original data they used to argue it was ever safe has been completely lied about and it actually proves that it's more dangerous, but it doesn't matter because this is all manipulation. The point is that that's supposed to remove the EUA when those happened. They didn't do that. But it says to overcome the widespread vaccine. The point is, who wrote this is clearly very pro these injections and real and was worried that the games they're playing are going to scare people away. It says to overcome the widespread vaccine hesitancy in the public interest during a new pandemic. It is ethically correct to strongly encourage. Oh, so he says, is it is it ethically correct to strongly encourage, oblige or recommend mass vaccinations in healthy people with unapproved vaccines or conditionally approved ones to prevent a disease with a mean lethality below 5%. Remember, it is now point. This one's important. Oh, let me see if I have this actually. I'm going to spell his name. There we go. I think that pops up. Yeah, this is the one, a different site, but the point is, oh wait, is this the right one? Shoot. Well, I don't want to try to find it. It's going to take forever. But but I, the point is the Ioannidis group, and this is one of them. I mean, it's the general same point. Mortality risk for non-elderly individuals overall, for non-elderly individuals, the point was that it's low. Very have very small risks of COVID death, even pandemic epicenters. The point was, if I could remember where to find that. Yeah, I, don't, I can't think about how to find it. I'm going to take me too long to find. But the point was that it's below the flu. It is on a, on a worldwide scale, 0.6 to 0.06 to 0.07 risk, under 50, under 60. And that is the, before in vaccine, injection. It's not dangerous. And this was written in 2021 when even then he's saying, even though, even if it was below 5%, it should still be not happening, but it's now less than the flu. He says, is this more ethical than waiting as a precaution for eventual full approval? Would this latter approach better guarantee the health of millions of human beings? I think we know the answer to that today. It's been proven. But the bottom line is that they've been playing a game with the, the illusion of EUA the entire time. They played on the ignorance of the average people. This is the truth. That's what always should have been happening. So the point is they come out and say, well, they have amended it. Just allow this to keep going, which nobody should be okay with. And we showed you that when it came out. Now, this is some, Elon Musk just responded, why? Here's what they said. Thanks for your question. It's probably worth clarifying that the monovalent vaccines are still approved. That hasn't changed. But they are no longer authorized for emergency use in the United States. 
Now, what's interesting is this is very confusing for most people, and it should be because this doesn't make much sense. The monovalent injections, which have never been given in the approved versions, and I'm going to prove that to you next, are sitting on a shelf somewhere while they're still giving an emergency youth authorization version of the bivalent. Now, ask yourself how it makes sense. If these things were approved, community and spikebacks, and they just rushed through getting new versions of the bivalent shots out, doesn't that either mean that they're acting like that's approved? When it, it, I mean, simply that they're acting like that's an approved thing when it's whichever way you spin this, it's not. It is a different version. It is a bivalent. It has different spike protein. It has different everything. And so they're just trying to pretend like, well, that one was approved, but we changed this and blah, blah, blah. Okay, then where does that leave this new thing you're giving people? You're clearly insinuating that it's approved. As Jessica Rose points out, they appear to be weaseling around the word approved as if it's interchangeable with EUA. Yes, absolutely. They want you to be confused about this because that makes this easier, in my opinion. They still didn't answer my question. Where she says, once the specific strains are selected for COVID-19 vaccines, the FDA expects manufacturers to make updated formulations of the vaccines for this fall. What's the selection going to be based on? Will safety studies be done? And the answer is no. And they've already made that clear. This person's pointing out that the DOD claimed the two are the same formulation, which is not true. I've proven this, and I'll show you my links on it. You can read. They're minor changes in the sense of, of course, assuming we know all the things that happened and interchangeable for purposes of completing the series as if they're licensed approved. They omitted legally distinct. They're not the same. One is dilute and one is not to dilute. The point is that they have they continue to remove the idea that they are the legally distinct conversation. Let me see if you had it in here. Yeah, right here. The products are legally distinct with certain differences that do not impact safety or effectiveness. Well, if they're different, they're different. First of all, with changes you just admitted, but either way, legally distinct means legally distinct. You can't pretend they're the same thing. You can't pretend, well, just use the other one. Didn't you just say that's illegal? That means they're legally different. So the idea that they're just jumping over that despite the statement is pretty concerning. Ed says, is community given in the U.S. at all? Community is the one approved, not the Pfizer biotech playing with words. Ted says it was available as labeled community to the DOD only, which, by the way, I don't think happened. Because that's where this one of these lawsuits comes into play. We have community now. It still wasn't the fully approved licensed product. I don't believe it's ever been given out. Same point here is that they're just pointing out this conversation. You can read how they're you know playing this game. Make sure I didn't miss this. Okay, good. I do have it right here. Let me grab this. Oh, I think I actually have it. Let me see if I can find the link already. But so this is the point to get into around the fact check from 2021. Pfizer's FDA-approved vaccine is available in the United States. Right? So they're still saying this to, to this day. But in 2021, they were going, no, no, liars. It's, it's been out and it's been given. Now, we're not even talking about the DOD here. We're talking about just the general public. Pfizer's FDA-approved coronavirus vaccine is not yet available in the United States, is the claim. This on social media, however, some say the FDA-approved vaccine is still not available for American adults. USA Today has debunked the notion that the Pfizer vaccine is not FDA approved. Well, that's, I mean, that's not even the claim you just made up here. Like, this is how they, they're so clumsy with these things. So if all you're debunking is that it wasn't approved, well, you're going to win because it is approved. And that was one of the games they played early. It's just never been given out. It's just approval on paper for legal processes, apparently. And it says, I can confirm that our vaccine has been granted FDA approval. But then this representative from Pfizer does go on to say, and that community is available. As far as I could tell, that is literally false. 
not just because that's the statement of the research, but from talking to locations, from their own documentation, and the DOD lawsuit. Now, this is, this is under the next point. It says FDA authorized Pfizer's COVID vaccine for emergency use in December. Eight months later, they fully approved it. So ignorant. Fully approved the shot for most Americans. There's just approval. That's it. There's no full approval. It's just approval. And the reason they started using full approval is to act like EUA was just part of the process. It's not. The author, that's my opinion anyway. The authorization changed, but the vaccine didn't. That's a lie. Comernity is simply the brand name for Pfizer's shot. Okay. Even if you want to pretend that. Legally distinct matters. But it's also not the same thing. It's easy to prove. Now, the main point to make first is how this is something that's not... If, if right now we know that the DOD pushed this in, with a mandate on people in the military, right? Then it got exposed that they weren't given... And the only reason they were arguing they were able to do it is because it was an approved injection. Then it turned out they weren't giving the approved because it was clear they weren't even giving that out yet. So it became a scandal. And now they're being sued because of it. And yet they're still trying to pretend that this is something that's already out there. This, this to me is a massive cover-up because they're, I think they're very aware that there's a problem. There's, they are, there is legal accountability coming their way. So he first talks about transmission, which is important because the point is they're also... Actually, I'll just play the beginning part of it. It's amazing to me how these are people that are supposedly in charge, which I think we start, need to start realizing they're not actually the ones in charge. But the point being that they have no idea what they're talking about. And that's a point that I make very often. These people love to pretend like they're in the know. And most of them probably think that they are because it's all about controlling their own hubris. They think they're so powerful and so in the know. And they're just being controlled very easily by lobbyist money and all sorts of propaganda. But this is about transmission and they don't even know this. He yields back. He seeks recognition. What purpose does the gentleman from Kentucky seek recognition? I, I, speak, I seek to speak on the amendment. The gentleman is recognized. They're just oh, and the point was to initiate this was about the idea of, of getting basically uh, what's the word they used discharging people in the military for they, they you know they were getting a dishonorable discharge because they didn't want to take the injection and these were people that had natural immunity. And, I mean, we know this was happening. And the point was, well, it doesn't even stop transmission. And yet you're telling people they have to stop this, even though they've got immunity. And they were then giving them a dishonorable discharge. People that work, you know, the same military that they told you you were a, a terrible person for not supporting. And then they fired them for not doing what they wanted. And I'm not talking left or right here. I'm talking about the government. There's a few things I want to correct in, in the story or examples that were just given. I think it's been dispelled that the vaccine prevents the spread of COVID. I mean, I don't know why we're still saying that. Right. I mean, the CDC director has apologized for being wrong about that. Uh, the NIH directors said that he was wrong about that. Deborah Literally everybody, Deborah Burks. Come and yield. I, I will yield. Did Dr. Fauci admit that he was wrong about that as well yet? I, what a dumb question. Why? Because if Fauci doesn't, it doesn't count? Like, think of what these are the kind of people that are in these supposed leadership positions. They trust the people they're told to trust. We see this everywhere today. We see it in high level pundits on the pretend independent slash corporate media. You know, you got these big name people that are like, they lied to us. No, you were stupid enough to trust what these people told you. That's how that's supposed to be framed because we were supposed to question them because they could just be wrong, right? 
But instead, you've been clearly shown that you were been going along with what the, the, the right thing to say and think is, whether you realized it or not. So all these people, did Fauci say so? What about the peer-reviewed science? What about the 11 million people that have been, I mean, what about the, like he just said, Burks, uh, 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 Walensky, right? The, the director of the CDC and the pre, I mean, these are people that at least have the clout to say these things. And he's just, what about Fauci? Is that silly? I, I believe they've all admitted that. No, no way. So, uh, see, I know you love that. So you ask if Fauci has, he says, yes, I believe they have. And by the way, Fauci has tacitly admitted, or not, uh, like, um, that's not the right word, um, you know, just downplaying it. The, the point is that Fauci has, and this guy goes, has he? And he goes, no, he goes, no, no, no way. So you don't know. He answers your question, and your response is to just shout that you, what you want to believe, these are supposedly leaders. Uh, they got the vaccine, and they got COVID. That yes, they've all got COVID. The president himself is contagious right now, even though he's had four shots of the vaccine, and that is why he's staying away from people. So I, I just take a little bit of issue that we are in a, a congressional markup, still perpetuating this falsehood that was propagated by the... Uh, so that was the point. I just wanted you to see the original part, but then it gets into the main point that I'm making here. March ...at all for this. And, and while I've still got time on the clock, I have to mention that the Secretary of Defense issued a statement on August 24th saying that the vaccines that were required and that would be administered would be the FDA-approved vaccines and not a single dose of FDA-approved vaccine, aka Comirnaty, in the case of Pfizer or Spikevax, in, in the case of Moderna. Not a single dose of that has been given to a single member of the military as the Secretary of Defense specified. And it was his only legal way to require the vaccine for members of military was that it was FDA approved and that the doses that they would receive would be the FDA approved, legally distinct from the other vaccines that they were got, that they were received, and also labeled as such, labeled appropriately. None of those vaccines have been given, yet members, tens of thousands of members of the military have been kicked out for not taking that vaccine. Gentleman, yield? I would, I would yield to the gentleman from North Carolina. Is the gentleman suggesting that the military engaged in a bait and switch and substituted a different vaccine than that which was approved? I, 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 <laughs> see, you see my point? What, what, do you, what is your clutching pearls moment here about? He just, that, obviously, he just said what he just said. That's a verifiable fact. This guy who doesn't know is going, are you suggesting that they might? Yes, man, I just said it. Did you not hear me? It's very clear what we just said. This is just about making a statement, like standing up and acting like, how dare you suggest that we did? That's what happened. These people are infuriatingly stupid. And it, this, these are the people we're supposed to believe are in charge. They have no idea what's going on. I'm absolutely saying that what the Secretary of Defense is doing right now is illegal. We know it. I, I would characterize it as a crime in progress. It is a crime. They've admitted to this case. Now, look, you could argue it's a crime of ignorance. I don't believe that. But maybe he was a victim of believing that the vaccines were what they said they were. And then it turned out they weren't. And now he's trapped. E either way you look at it, I don't believe that's the case. But either way, it is against the law. That's why they're being sued. Would the gentleman yield? Uh, I'm going to yield to Mr. Tiffany, who's asked. Yeah, I want to make sure this is, I'm clear on this. Are you saying they've received the experimental use vaccine? The yep. emergency use authorization vaccine is all they've received. Not a single member of the military has received the FDA-approved version. 
Well, it's good you're dispelling this notion that's out there that they're getting My God. The, um, the FDA-approved vaccine. There, there are two notions I want to dispel, and I would give the general lady time to respond to this. The, the notion that the vaccine stops the spread of COVID. Does, would the general lady... Which, again, by the way, completely undermines the absurd concept of why a mandate's needed at all. But who cares about the facts? I'd like to clarify your comments on that. I, I, does the gentleman yield? I do. The, the point I'm making is that there's activity that we, that service members could engage in that we would not find to be egregious. For example, the adultery. other... You adultery. Get, I mean, I'm not in favor of it. I think it's... Right. A, and this is where it gets kind of the overlap with, you know, the the, the main the main point of all of this and the, the, the dishonorable discharge and so on. But the crux of the point is right there. He, and I'm not saying it just because Massey said it. We've already proven this on the show. But just think about how incredible it is. I mean, you didn't see very much pushback, did you? If that was a completely a complete lie... You'd see all these huge reports and all this happening. You know, CNN would break down how Massey lied. For None of that happened. You know why? Because he's right. Because it's very clear that this happened. The FDA is now being sued. Or excuse me, this, the DOD. And it's not just that. It's about the mandates, the, the natural immunity part of it. But now it's also because of that. Now, here is what the Moderna vaccine website. You can see the same thing for the Pfizer version. Here's what it says. Spike backs and Moderna. That's the whole point. Spike backs is the name of the approved version. Now, to be clear, how they're trying to conflate it, and basically say, well, it's just a label, right? So it's just that they now have to market it for a, you know, they're going to sell it like any normal drug, and so they need to market it with a name. Okay. That, that's, that's, that is partly what's happening, but on top of all of it, one, it's legally distinct according to their own documentation, and there are differences in the actual composition of it. And one is approved under an emergency guidance, which means they don't have all the information, whether or not you think it's the same. And the other one's approved under, see, you know, whatever you could argue. All the point is they're different. Here's what it said in 2022. It's not this doesn't say this anymore. January 31st, 2022, the FDA announced the second approval of a COVID-19 injection. This is now spike backs after they had just done community. The vaccine has been known as Moderna COVID vaccine and will now be marketed as spike backs. For the prevention of COVID-19 in individuals 18 years of older. Now, the point is, if it doesn't say spike backs on the bottle, whatever differences you think that entails, it's not the FDA-approved version. Legally speaking, whether we're not even talking about composition, they cannot sell you something or give you something that does not say spike backs legally because of where they currently stand. But that is what's happening right now. They're the ones telling you right now, that, as we just showed you even the tweet that we're talking about. No, they're saying, no, they, that wasn't changed, but they are no longer authorized for emergency use. Now, if they have emergency authorized the bivalent shot, which is what I believe they're talking about, that's not just, that's not, ju uh, that's not legal because we have approved versions. But then what they're doing now is telling you they're giving you the bivalent and that is the approved version. You starting to see the point? This is completely illegal, dishonest, everything about it. Now it says spike backs is a monovalent COVID-19 vaccine, we're talking about the bivalent right now, that is approved for use in a two-dose primary series, blah, blah, blah. Same thing. Now, here's what it says today. On April 18th, 2023, the FDA amended the EUA of Moderna bivalent to specify the vaccine schedule for most individuals. This action includes authorizing the current bivalent vaccine, that's the one we're talking about, to be used for all doses administered to everybody six months or older. Okay, now what you'll find is interesting is the word approved is not even mentioned here anymore. I'm searching for it, it's not there.
How does that even make sense? So nothing's approved anymore. We just want to step back into emergency authorization as you're ending the emergency. How does that even logically make sense? But on top of all of it, I hope you see where this is going. How is that being, how are we being told right now that what you're getting when this is the only one available is an approved version? That's, that's not community. The bivalent is not even discussed. Community was the monovalent version. Okay, so going forward on this, then, oh, and I, I forgot I want to include this. Um, Miriam, the bee lady, who we've talked, we've had her on the show before, she did an, a really great breakdown of this in Tenpenny report. Ten, uh, uh, oh, shoot, um, is it Cheryl Tenpenny? The doctor, which I recommend you check out her work. It, she's running this website, and she posted both parts of this. I think she mentions me in the first part here. Just kind of what we, we met, we talked on Twitter and I made the point that it's just, it's just convoluted. It's, it's met, I think it's actually designed to be almost impossible to understand unless you like, we went through it and just kind of break down the different versions and how, what they're arguing, but it just still doesn't even make much sense. But either way, here's part one, here's part two, and you can read it for yourself. It's kind of outlining this general topic in a much deeper way. You can read it. I recommend you, you take a look at it. Now, I, now go after this point right here, thinking about what this says, that on April 18th forward, they're not even talking about approval anymore. They're saying that this is a bivalent that is, uh, has been amended under the EUA. That's the last thing posted on the spike backs. This is from seven days ago. So how then, when I call CBS and all the rest of them, how are they telling you that it's the same thing? There is no way to misunderstand that this is not correct. So either we're being lied to deliberately by these people at CVS, Walgreens, or they don't know what they're talking about either. Now, that should scare you, no matter which way you're looking at this. So let's take a listen to what Walgreens had to say. Oh, actually, here, I forgot. I, I have to upload it. You can see this here. I always put the link, the image behind it so you can see this. Now, I'm going to try to upload these to the website so you can download them if you'd like. I might actually try to post them to Twitter as well. So here's what Walgreens had to say. Walgreens at the southeast corner of Downs Boulevard and Highway 96 in Franklin. Now, how can I help you today? Pharmacist. Please remain on the line to speak with a member of our staff. As always, I clipped a little inner, inner, in-between parts out. It's it just so it's for time. But nothing, no contact is removed. Uh, thanks for calling Walgreens. It's Hi, I just had a quick question. Um, I'm going to be coming in. I guess, well, if, if it's available possibly today to get to get my booster. I just mm -hmm. wanted to ask if... Which, by the way, is not true. <laughs> Do not take that. I, I have never touched these things or anything for... I mean, I, shoot, I don't think... I think the last time I even had a flu shot was when I was forced to when I was a kid. Like, I don't... I, that's just my personal opinion. But just so it's clear, no way would I ever come close to this stuff. I'm just looking up some stuff from the FDA, and I want to make sure you guys are giving the community approved shot, not the... Um, you know, emergency authorized one. Do you know which one you're giving out? Give me one moment. All right, so they're only giving it to um, your age if you're if it's like an immune compromise issue, and then you'll just have yes. to fill out an attestation form for that. Okay, that's fine. That, that's that's yeah. the position that I'm in. Well, but but what I'm asking is whether or not you're giving the community name brand approved version. Because I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to find, some locations say that they're not, and some say, I'm just the one I'm trying to find, basically. It's weird that she kind of chose to avoid that question. Maybe she just didn't hear what I said, but it was very clear what I asked, and she went away and asked and was like, oh, you know, but, you know, this is what you're allowed to do. It's like, well, wait a minute, you didn't even address my question. So maybe some of these people are aware and just don't want to engage with it. That's certainly possible. So I just want to confirm that with you. 
Let me see. Community. Oh, and that's when um, each, every single one of these guys, you're, I can't even believe this. I talked to both the technicians, which, by the way, apparently now there's a pharmacist, and maybe it's always been this way, and the technicians, and every time they put, they kick me off on the technicians. And then I asked for the pharmacist because they, well, the pharmacist would know, and it's like nobody wants to let me talk to the pharmacist. Very weird. But either way, none of them seemed to know what these names were. How do you possibly explain that? If we're being told these are all the approved versions and none of the technicians or the pharmacists are even aware of what community or spikebacks are, doesn't that scare you? So I just want to confirm that with you. Let me see. Community. Community. You said, what is it called again? <laughs> well, it's the, the name brand of the, of the Pfizer shot. It's called Comernity versus the, the B2N2, B2, whatever the other name is. You know, the okay. emergency authorized one. That's, I want to make sure that it's the name brand approved name version. Brand. Okay. Hey, this is Tiffany. I'm the certified technician. Did you have some questions about the vaccine? Yeah, I just I'm, I'm I'm possibly coming in today. I just wanted to make sure that the one you guys are giving is the FDA approved name brand Comirnaty and not the the previous one. I just try to clear. There is no previous one. one. They pulled it from shelves. So I have the Pfizer bivalent that is approved right now for immunocompromised or. So what she's saying is they pulled the emergency authorized monovalent. So she's still not understanding what I'm asking, or not tr- or trying to avoid it. I don't know. Sixty five and older. Yeah, that's that's the that's the boat that I'm in right now. But what I can you can you tell me that the bottle says Comernity? I know it's it's what that the bottle actually says Comernity on it, the name brand. It says Pfizer on it. It says Pfizer bivalent. There you go. Right now, not that you are surprised by that. We already know. I just showed you that the bivalent has been amended to be allowed under emergency authorization. That's it. But we all know they're telling you it's all approved, and you'll hear it directly from them as well. There's no, there's no written community name on the vial because that means it's not the FDA approved one. I just spoke to the, I just spoke to somebody about that. Okay, Walgreens only follows FDA and CDC guidelines. I don't think that they would give us anything that's not approved to dispense. But aha, and there's your blind trust. Oh well, they said so. That's the truth. Got it. So you're not thinking, right? You're not doing your own research as the person actually giving these things to go. Wait a minute. The law says this, and here's what I'm doing. No, she just goes. But the CDC says so. Therefore, you must. All right. I can't believe that we have people that are at this level today with everything going on that they, you know, like we point out the joke about K- KJP when she was like, well, how do you know it's the Delta variant? She's like, cause the CDC said so. And he goes, right, right. I got that. But how do you know, how are they proving that? Because they told us like she couldn't even comprehend what he's talking about just because the CDC said it. How do you know for sure? Well, because the implicit point is that we're not supposed to question the CDC. Exactly. Um, you can call cool. around, I guess, maybe to like CVS and see what their bottles say, but mine's just, it's Pfizer. Yeah. Well, God, this is so hard for me because I need to do this. Like I'm, I'm way, bo- so bottom line is I've just spoke to somebody tell that in, in, in the FDA is basically saying if it's not labeled as community, it's not the approved version. So that's, I, you're a pharmacist. You would know that, right? I just need I'm a certified technician. Um, and I give all the vaccines here. But this is the only vial since the beginning of the bivalent that has been dispensed to us exactly. through the state, through the government. So this is the only thing that's available to receive. Emergency use authorization. That's it. She just said it right there. No, I'm aware of that. That My point is the ones that have been being given are the emergency authorized versions. And now, now the emergency authorization has ended. And I, I'd like to take the, the approved version. Do you have a pharmacist I could possibly speak with? I'm not in a rush. 
I do. Um, but, I mean, she's feeding me the answers and things right now as well, but my, my bottle just doesn't say that. It just says Pfizer. That's all I have to offer. No, I, I appreciate that, and thank you for actually checking because I know you're busy. But my, if it doesn't say Comirnaty, it's right here on the website. It's not the approved version. I understand so, what you're saying. I just don't have that version to offer you. That's- there you go. There's no misunderstanding that. I okay, don't no, have that, it. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not trying to give you a hard time. My point would be, though, that I'm going to go try to ask somewhere that actually has the approved version. And that's, that's fine. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah, we, we don't have it here, but you may be able to call around and find it, but we don't have it here. Boom. Okay, that's all I'm looking for. Thank you. I appreciate it's also, it. It's also interesting how hard it is to work out that statement. It's, it's, you know, I can't tell whether they just don't know or they're trying not to say that. I don't know. But so it's not that they've only ever had one vial. It's that they, they only had one right up until the bivalent time. And then they switched that one out for the bivalent emergency authorized. So they've never had and approved anything in this location. That's as simple as it gets. My God. I mean, this is how ridiculous this all gets. Well, let's, okay, now let's listen to this. So she said, okay, check CVS. Okay, let's check CVS. Let's see what CVS has to say. And I I called two of them because I get get sent to the other one. Here's the first one. For calling CVS Pharmacy located at 101 Farrier Lane, corner of Hillsborough Road, Franklin, Tennessee. In a few words, please tell me what you are calling about. Pharmacist. One moment while I transfer you to the pharmacy for assistance. Pharmacy, can I help you? Hi, yes. I just have a couple quick questions for you. Um, I'm, okay. I'm going to be coming in to get my, my booster. I'm, I'm immune compromised, and I need to get my booster. And I called Walgreens, and they seem a little confused. on the. I just want to make sure that you guys have the, the FDA-approved new, the, ver- the community on the bottle version. We, no, no, no. We don't have any COVID boosters right now. We're completely out. That's interesting. Oh, damn it. Okay, well, do you know when you're going to get them? I don't. We thought we'd already had them by now, but they haven't sent us any, so we're not sure. Damn it. Okay, well, I can't. So I just spoke to Walgreens, and they're not giving the FDA-approved one. They still have the one that says Pfizer on the bottle. Do you know when you'll get those? You might want to try. I'm not sure, but I think possibly the Liberty Pike location has some. Ours had expired. We sent ours back, and they just haven't resent any, but they may have some. Aha, okay, so the point is they've had these long enough to the point to where they've expired and just got rid of them. And so these, these are, as we've, as we've shown this whole process, these included are not the approved versions. Okay. And the Liberty Pike CVS. Well, so it, before I called them, since the CV, you're talking about the CVS location, right? Yeah, hold on just a second. Do you okay. think the CVS on Liberty has the new COVID? And I'm pretty sure even right now they're interpreting what I'm saying as the bivalent, right? That's, I mean, that's what the, the new thing. That's not – I don't think I, – I, I genuinely think a lot of people don't even realize that they're being manipulated. do have them. We, we've been told they do have them. Do you happen to have the number I could grab them real quick? So, yeah, okay. hold on just a second. It is 791 1164. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. And so you're, right. so you're saying that you have the new ones, and you, you guys, if you so if you do get them back in, because you're closer to me, do you, do you guys will have the newer ones, or you'll still be having Correct. Them, or, yeah, but we thought, like I said, we, we haven't had any in probably over a month, but they have okay. some there, we were told. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank okay. you. All right. Thank you. Right. So, it's, in my opinion, it's very clear that she's talking about bivalent and not the approved, but when, in, in, when we get to this next one, you'll see the same point, that it's very clear to me this one really does make it all the more clear. And what she says in this is pretty, pretty interesting. Calling CPS Pharmacy, a health hub location at 
1154 Liberty Pike. In a few words, please tell me what you are calling about. Pharmacist. CVS Pharmacist speaking. How can I help you? Hi. Uh, I think I might hit the wrong button, but I, I just had a quick question about, about I, I need to come and get my booster. And I, I believe this is the pharmacist. When I said the wrong button, I, I hit something that was at directly saying, like, speak to the pharmacist about, you know, whatever. And that's what happened. That's why I think I... I think this is the pharmacist. was referred to you from the other CVS because I guess they don't have anything. Um, so first, I just want to make sure you have shots in, in store. We have only Moderna vaccine. We do not have a Pfizer. Okay. Well, I, well the one I was calling them for, for, since this is my booster, and I know things have changed since I got my last one, I just want to make sure that this is the Comirnaty version that actually says Comirnaty on the bottle versus Pfizer on the bottle. Can you double-check that for me? Uh, I said we do not have a Pfizer. We have Moderna, oh, no. and that is a bivalent. Yeah, no, I apologize. I, I'm, I'm dealing with both of them because I really just wanted to find the new one. So I guess in this case it would be the, the spike backs, not not yeah. Moderna on the bottle, but it actually says spike backs on the bottle. What's it called? Spike backs is the name of the approved version. and. Not a single person that I spoke to at any of these locations knew either of these names. How do you possibly explain that? Other than the fact that they, I mean, look, even, that's even, even if they've never gotten them, aren't these people, these are supposed to know what these things are. Aren't they supposed to be in tune to what the, like, how do they possibly not know these things? I just, it kind of blew me away. If it doesn't say it on the bottle, I'm told from FDA people that it doesn't actually mean it's the approved. Okay, version. hang on a moment. I switch it to the technician who can help. Hang on a moment. Okay, thank you. The Thank you for holding. How can I help you? Hi, uh, I was just speaking to your pharmacist, I believe, and he referred me to you. I'm just trying to confirm. Okay. Um, I, I, want, I need to come in and get my booster. And so I, I, the other CVS sent me okay. to you guys because they're out. But I just want to make sure that the, the Moderna shot you guys are giving before I come in for that is the spike backs. The, where it actually says spike backs on the bottle. Because when I'm looking at the FDA, they're saying that if it doesn't say that, it's not the approved version. And that's the only one I want to take at this point. Uh, we carry the bivalent. Right. right, but does it say spike back on the bottle, or does it say Moderna? I would, I would just need you to check that if you have a second. I'd really appreciate it. I, I've never heard of spike backs. Oh, my God. This is the technician who's literally been giving these things out at the direction of the government, and she doesn't even know the name of the approved thing she claims she's giving to people. I mean, does that not give chills? to That, that is alarming. They do not know what they're doing. That's, All of ours are just a Moderna name? bivalent. Right. Well, Spikeback is the approved name of Moderna. I would imagine you guys would know that. Let me get you on the phone with the, the pharmacist, Jimmy. Hold on, because I've never heard of that. CBS. Or, or maybe that's not the pharmacist I first spoke to. In any case. This pharmacy not only has flu shots for your family, but 14 other vaccinations that can help protect against COVID-19, pneumonia, shingles, and more. 14 other things they're pushing. You can even get multiple vaccines at the same time. Oh, can you? Well, look at that. Isn't that interesting? Like, I, how they're still pushing that. Are you surprised? You shouldn't be, because we know this. We've talked about this many times. It's stated still right now on their own documentation that it's not safe. That They don't know. There is no information on the co-administration of the Pfizer injections, bivalent or others, with any other vaccines. And yet they are still pushing this as take them at the same time. Take the flu shot. Take them all together because they say it's safe. Because the CDC says it's safe. 
They do, in fact. The CDC does say that, but they're lying to you. I just, I just can't get past that. I've made that point 100,000 times. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. That's why I, I heard that when I was on wait on hold. I'm like, oh, my God, they're still saying that. Can I help you? Hi. Yes, um, I just got referred to you guys from the other CVS because they're out of their, of their shots. And I need to- now, this is the pharmacist. To get my booster. Um, right. I spoke to a couple of the people. What I'm just trying to find out from you guys is since things have kind of changed, according to the FDA, the approved version is supposed to say spike back on the bottle. And I just want to make sure that's the one you're giving before I come in and get it, because that's the only one I want to take at this point. Well, it, we haven't received anything that says spike backs on it, because that's the same exact vaccine as Moderna bivalent. That's not true. Not even remotely, by the way. Bivalent is something very different in general than the monovalent spike vax, which was approved. So think about how uninformed they are. This is the pharmacist. But either way, what she's saying is not only that they're the same, but that they've never gotten ever the spike vax bottle. So they've never gotten the approved version. Never. You know this because we've told you this. We've proven this. But right now, the current conversation is that they are approved. They're being given. And that's why it's. You know, that's why, I mean, I've what the, the emergency use authorization point. There's a lot of points that stem from there, but they're telling you that that's the approved version and it's safe and effective. They're lying to you. It now has a brand name put to it because they're going to start making people buy it commercially. So that's the new brand name that they've put on it. It's the same exact Correct. thing. What, what I mean, though, is if it doesn't say spike vax on the bottle. I don't have that. that. One... They haven't okay, started so shipping spike vax. So, no, you're not going to get that. Yep. Ah, dang it, man. Okay, I, I appreciate your time. I'm just yeah. So that that puts me in a hard spot because that means technically what you're giving is emergency authorized and not the approved version. Okay. You know anywhere? <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Think about that response. I, I mean, either she thinks I'm wrong and doesn't want to engage, or I doesn't don't care. My God. That, that might have the one that says spike back in the bottle? That's all I'm looking No, for. because they haven't released it yet. Exactly. Okay. Shoot. Well, thank you for your they time. They probably won't release that until after May 11th. Well, that's an interesting point, right? Because May 11th is the arbitrary date that, that Biden talked about, but then it ended early because of legislation, and the other ones are – so she's apparently still – I mean, this is how out of – this no these people are. And they why, start why charging people for it. What, what's May 11th? Is there, why, why is it set for that date and not soon? Um, because that's the date that all the emergency authorizations end. Well, that's also not true. Because we just literally showed you the FDA saying, well, no, we're going to amend them and continue going forward. The emergency authorizations didn't end. The emergency declaration 319 ended. Very different. But, but you know, the moral of the story, don't go ask a pharmacist what's going on because they don't seem to have any idea about anything. And... So that would be the date that they'd need to make the brand name product and send it out. Okay. Well, because that's when they can charge you more for it. Yeah, yeah, of course, right? That's not correct. I'm confused, though, because I feel like other people, even at this location, have told me that the ones you guys are giving are the approved version. Am I just misunderstanding something? Right. They keep saying that. Well, they are FDA approved underneath the emergency use authorization. Incorrect. I mean, think about how clumsy that is. What do you mean underneath them they are approved? You're talking about a different bivalent shot. You're, and the, the reality is you just told me you've never gotten spike backs. So you're just conflating these things and pretending that they're approved because that's what you were told. I mean, do you, I mean, I don't think this is even debatable with what we just showed you. 
But only so, the ones that say Fifax on the bottle, that's right here on the FDA website. The other ones are not the same thing. Le legally distinct is what it says right here on the website. Okay, dope. <laughs> okay, cool story, man. Anything else? That's mind-blowing to me. Now, the real point is they've been convinced, whether that's what she thinks or not, at some level, some of them, that, well, it's the same thing. Anybody saying otherwise is just a conspiracy theorist. Well, legally distinct is clearly legally binding. <laughs> so you just don't care about the law anymore because, well, vaccines are better because conspiracy theory. Like they've broken people with all this, like more so than ever before. It's right on the surface. They're telling you they're different. They're even legally. But we also know that they're actually different composition wise. And they just push. Yeah, she doesn't even care to engage with that statement. I don't have that available. Legally distinct is what it says right here on the website. Okie doke. I don't have that available. Wow. Damn it. Okay. Well, I just, I'm Sorry. Just confused, that's all. I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm getting mixed information from the pharmacy. Uh, they're going to stick a label that says spike backs over all the exact same labels that they put on the emergency use authorization. What? Oh, wow. Are you, I'm sure of it. So she's saying they're just going to stick new labels on the same old thing they've been giving. Right, and somebody points out a comment about inform where's informed consent? Do you realize these are the people that are supposed to be giving you infor information so you can consent, which implies the full picture? They don't even know what to be saying, so there can't be informed consent. It doesn't even exist if these people don't even know what they're talking about. And that, that's, that's not just them. It's both the CDC, the FDA, and the government. They're the ones creating the situation of misinformation. But she's, she just claimed they're just going to put a new sticker on it. Now, she's just her own. That's one person. That's her opinion. But just what does that tell you? That they don't care. And she'll keep giving that, clearly. Okay. No. That's I mean, that's my opinion, yes. But it's going to be the exact same thing. They're not going to redo okay. a, a factory that they've built just to right. make it say spike backs. All right. Well, I'm going to do some more research, and I'll, I may be coming in today. Thank you. Wow. Right. Okay. So in her opinion, it's, it doesn't even matter. They're just going to tell you it's different, put a new sticker on it, and keep giving you the same thing. Even though they're legally distinct, though. Because we don't care, though. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Well, here is an article from Heavy.com. Comirnaty versus Pfizer vaccine. Pfizer comments on legally distinct wording. Just to show you again, this very clearly, they even had to address this. Many people online are pointing out the small print found in the FDA documents. Legally distinct. Like, it's just, how do you even debate the term? <laughs> it's not debatable. It's legally different, period. There's no way to, oh, well, there's a nuance to this. No, there's not. It's legally, you can pretend it's not different in composition-wise. I'll, I'll show you again, but the articles, are, you can watch them if you want, about how I prove on their own documentation that there are very clear ingredient differences. And they even address it at certain points and then just kind of dismiss why, well, it's such a small change, doesn't matter. Oh, it does, though. You can't pretend it's the same thing, even if there's a small difference, but legally distinct, whether or not composition is still binding. It says, Pfizer says, in terms of its ingredients and how it's made, it's being approved for those 16 and older is no different from the other one. They're lying. 100%. They know that, but we've already caught them lying about numerous things. And by the way, Pfizer's own track record shows you they've, got, they've been caught lying about a whole lot of different things. As always, I'll include it for you to check out because it's important to understand that you can't take them at their word. 96 different criminal records since the year 2000 for almost $11 billion. Pfizer. One of them? False claims. 
they've paid out one point, almost one point, one point one billion dollars. Twenty times they've been caught lying, false claims. But yeah, let's trust them now, right? Says the representatives also told Heavy that the manufacturing process is the same. Well, that's different. That's just the plant we're talking about. The products with the EUA la- authorized label will still be used until their expiration date. That's how they played this game. Well, no, we approved it, but we still have to get rid of all the emergency. Well, even right then, what was our point? Well, now you're tricking people into thinking it's approved. You're changing laws based on the approval, but you're still prote- you're still knowingly giving them the emergency authorization version, even though they're legally distinct. Nobody cared in the corporate discussion, but they never switched. They never just started. They, they, they've gone well through. You even just heard one of them tell you, well, we, ra- we ran out of the expired ones. They never sent anything. Why not? Apparently, they didn't even get the bivalent version. There's clearly confusion here. The products with the EUA authorized label will still be used. Same formulation and can be used interchangeably to provide COVID vaccination series. Way down here, they get into it. But, 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 but it says, quote, the licensed vaccine has the same formulation as the EUA authorized vaccine. And the products can be used interchangeably to provide the vaccine series without providing safety concerns. The products are legally distinct with certain differences that do not impact safety. Well, what, shouldn't we be allowed to decide that? Seeing as how you've been caught lying a few times, you know, just maybe. Either way, the same point stands with legally distinct, but I'm just showing you that they were forced to address this, and that's clearly what it says in the article. And if you really do want to go through these, here's an article from October 2021. CDC admits community unavailable. This is after they pretended like it was already being given. So they've already been caught doing this numerous times. This one discusses the community revealed to have changes from the original. And the links are all here for you, all of it. Where was I? I was going to see if I could just grab one quick one. But the point is under the community discussion, which I believe is on, oh, right here. You can read their documentation for yourself. And it's, it's on, it, the, the, oh, and then here it is. I forgot what this one was actually. The Pfizer call. What is that? Taiwan Dash Micros cover up exposing misinformation. Interesting. I have to go back and look at what this was about. I, I, I put a tag in there as Pfizer call. So I, you know, but either way, the point was all this information you can read for yourself and their own documentation shows clear, clear alterations. Here's one where I go into same kind of point, same almost same image. Community can be dangerous, right? This says numerous studies show the changes that they made to it, as benign as they want to pretend, can actually be dangerous and cause lasting effects. As well, all of the documentation is all right here for you to look at for yourself. Nature, Springer, peer-reviewed studies, but, you know, keep dismissing it because they told you to. Finally, this one's the first one actually in August, the unjustified, dishonest, and dangerous FDA approval of the Pfizer injection, clearing up confusion. So please, if you want to go through and understand the information, it's all there. It's not debatable. They did change things, and it's legally distinct. And we're being lied to about all of it right now in real time. Now, on top of all of that, let's just make sure we understand that regardless of that point, that the bivalent version, which is apparently the only one they're all giving, is dangerous and killing people. It's dangerous for everybody. Any age, any position, nobody should be taking this thing. January 16th. Now, this one is you know not as, I'll go into the net harm point next, but this one is just a newer one from January 2023, which I believe we've already pointed to, for the bivalent mRNA version, higher rates of predominant adverse reactions have been reported. So think about how many adverse reactions we're seeing right now. They're telling you it's worse with the bivalent. 
That's peer-reviewed science. Because of approval without an additional clinical study to date, no evidence is available on adverse reactions and ability to work following these shots. So the point is, they're telling you that, well, they, they are, and by the way, approval, that's not, this, even, this, even these people that are, they're falling for this or writing it because they want to get published. The only approval has been the monovalent and it's been, never been given as far as we can tell. Not even in the military, which we heard Massey talk about. But what they're saying is because they've done whatever they've done, which is the EUA, without additional studies, which we know using BA1 data to basically extrapolate this out to BA4, 5, XBB, whatever else comes next, with no safety data, no humans, barely my studies, and put, giving it to pregnant women and everybody else. It's just, it's unprecedented. No evidence is available. So they looked into it as co-administration of COVID-19 and influenza vaccines might influence immunogenicity and side effects, individuals who received a simultaneous influenza vaccine were excluded. So it's that common, look, this is common knowledge. It is well understood that things given together can cause things to act differently. So this study made a conscious choice to say, well, if you've gotten influenza also, we're going to exclude you because that could cause things in your body. The people that specifically got them at the same time. And yet, even though they know enough in that regard to exclude them from the study, we still have people in the corporate conversation telling you, go ahead and do it, though. Even though we've never tested it, we don't know if it's safe, but we're going to lie to you and say, do it anyway. You can answer for yourself why you think that's happening, but even this study was aware that's something you shouldn't do. Data were collected through a questionnaire, just so you know how it was done. Peer-reviewed, but still observational. Individuals who received the bivalent vaccine showed no statistically significant differences to those who received the monovalent vaccine regarding, and they, they go over gender, median age, smoking, but then one they include, which I found very telling. Let me read the whole thing again. Individuals who received the bivalent showed no statistically significant difference to those who received the monovalent vaccine regarding time between infection and the fourth dose. So read the study. There's not, they didn't only choose people who got infected after being vaccinated. It, it, basically, one of the differences, one of the points that was no different if they got bivalent or anything else was the fact that they later got infected. What do you know? Because they don't stop transmission. And the facts are that it actually increases your risk of getting sick from everything, but also in predominant or predominantly what we're calling COVID. My God, I mean, just, yes, that's the point, because this is getting people sick. And even the study can kind of like backwardly or maybe inadvertently point that out. It's just it's incredible. All infections, all infections except one occurred after the third vaccine dose. The point is their immune compromise situation, lymphocytopenia, everything else that's happening. These people are more and more and more susceptible as they continue to get more injections. The rate of adverse reactions for the second booster dose was significantly higher. That's an important word in the study. Significantly higher among participants receiving bivalent. It is more dangerous. Bivalent vaccinated participants further reported higher rates of adverse reactions in all subcategories. Every single category, they saw more problems. There were more frequent intake of adenita medication. So first, they just had in every category a significant increase in adverse reactions. Everybody had a, f- a frequent intake of more as-needed medication. New- they had a numerically higher rate of people who couldn't work because of the, and these are the, the save things, right? Things are supposed to help you. Couldn't work, had to take more medication, had more side effects, and longer average duration of inability to work. Or technically, these were work restrictions while at work, 
And then on top of that, people that just couldn't go to work in general in the bivalent vaccinated group compared to monovalent. My God. I think that was it right there. And then net harm. We've shown you this many times. British Medical Journal, leading medical journal out there. One of them, you know, like the one, even though we've seen all sorts of things, Lancet gets, these are at least perceived to be the leading publications. Lancet, Science Direct, Science.org, right? And yet it gets dismissed. COVID vaccine boosters for young adults. Benefit assessment, risk benefit. That's the whole point of what they've been screaming at you. Benefits outweigh the risk. Okay. So wouldn't it matter to them that they can have a peer-reviewed study that is a huge study that finds without question that the injection they're telling you outweigh benefits outweigh the risk, in fact, are the exact opposite. That the risks dramatically outweigh the benefits, if there are any. But of course, nobody cared about this in the corporate conversation. Fauci didn't say anything. Government didn't say anything. Biden didn't say anything. The CDC, the FDA, nobody says anything about this. How do you explain that without a, without a very clear conspiracy? Now, the point to cut to the chase again, as it says, to prevent a single hospitalization over an entire six-month period, they estimate, based on the data, that 31,207, or between 31,000 and 42,836 adults, all of them, 18 or older, need to get three individual mRNA shots. So between 30 and 40,000 kids need to get three shots in order to stop one hospitalization. Just that in and of itself is obscene and it seems to be just a profit motive. But then you compare it with the other side of it, which is that the booster mandates in young adults are expected to cause a net harm. No way to misunderstand that. They are more dangerous than the benefits do not outweigh the risks. And the point was, they per, and this is a per COVID-19 hospitalization prevented. So every one hospitalization they stop, they expect 18.5 serious adverse events. Death, hospitalization, permanent disability. That's what those are. 18.5 possible death hospitalizations or permanent disability to stop one hospitalization. Peer-reviewed science, gigantic study, but nobody cared because they're corrupt. And this is a great breakdown of uh, uh, which part was it? This is Scott put this out on the Substack, I believe. Oh, that's right. This was the one that was. Where's the study? Is that it right there? Yeah. Maybe this is the one I was looking for. Let me see. Oh, it's the same one. Okay. Well, there was one that I thought he'd be included as well. But this is a great, great post to kind of sum up. This is the video the comp- compiling our, our uh, daily wrap-up episode. Peer-reviewed science shows COVID injections harm outweighs potential benefits. It's not hard to see. Now, here's another important one. Todd, uh, oh, I followed him. Todd Zywicki points out the bivalent booster. This is April 12th. And this, is, and this is, oh, you know what? I forgot I wanted to go through this. There's I'm just there's a lot going on today, a lot to talk about. April 12th, and you can read it for yourself. He says the bivalent booster peaks at 30%. 30%. That's the other side of it. So it's more dangerous, le- more side effects. On top of that, it's actually less effective if that's even something that's happening here. So it's it, And then that 30% is where it peaks and then fades to zero at four months. Now, you could argue that's because the injection's failing, or you could begin to realize that this is your body failing. These injections have broken your immune system, as numerous studies have found. One of the many that's important to understand, the immune, innate immune suppression by the SARS-CoV-2 injections, as we've shown many times, that it promotes sustained, it makes, continues to make spike protein. 
It impairs DNA repair mechanisms. Impairs DNA repair mechanisms. It says it results in impaired innate immunity. It causes you to have increased risk of cancers and diseases. Everything we know we're seeing. Peer-reviewed, science direct. No one cares. You know, I'm talking about a corporate conversation. So his point is 30% at most and then it goes immediately to zero. You are hurting yourself. And this is the only thing they're giving now. He says, note that all the other studies here find vaccine efficacy hits zero at four months, then turns negative. And that's also what we pointed out to you. All these I forget to bring up. There's a tweet here. The study shows that after three months, the vaccine, and this is during Omicron. This is the other one, right? This is not the bivalent. That that, even before this, went to 76 negative, 76% negative efficacy after 90 days. Within one day, it was at 55% relative risk reduction, which is meaningless. That's not absolute. It's meaningless. It's basically 0.08 something. It's meaningless. But the point is, all the rest of them say the same thing. It's it even worse. It goes down to 30%, and then it goes four months, it goes negative. The new paper shows the same for the first four months. Can probably assume it follows the same trend to negative as prior studies. How is it possible that all this peer-reviewed science is in no way influencing the people that were screaming trust the science? How does that make sense? Here is his other post from the same person. A thread to collect the multiple studies that report negative vaccine efficacy versus Omicron. The pattern is consistent. Vaccine efficacy starts off low, turns negative around five to six months. Boosters follow the same trajectory. Odd, nobody cares about that. But in Australia, you have a class action lawsuit targeting Australian government. There says, quote, there has been a cover-up. Guys, everybody sees this right now. People that are being quiet about it are probably just compromised with their own choices or their own discussions or whatever else. People that don't want to admit they were wrong. Everybody sees this right now. It is not hard to see. You have to be willfully ignorant to not acknowledge with what the world is seeing right now. This is everywhere. Now, on top of all of that, the thing that it's causing, as we saw, ever you know, Erwan and plenty of other, you know, assuming that's what it could have been, but the obvious increase of athletes collapsing and heart attacks and myocarditis, you know, the thing they tell you it can cause. And I just pointed this out. And we got Bayer coming out, aspirin, saying heart attack risk can more than double when your home team plays. Really? Heart attack risk can be more than double. So it's your fault, as I said, right? Because it's your fault that you had a heart attack at 25 while being perfectly healthy. Because sports. You know, what else can double or triple your heart attack risk? And it's not a correlative point, but proven by peer-reviewed science, the mRNA injections. But let's just not even talk about that, though, right? I can't believe that. Well, I showed you this before, just so we can continue to see this and share this. I hope people will understand. I had that. See, I'm telling you, man, I had that retweeted. <laughs> I've done it. I keep it retweeted. And it's funny that it's just not retweeted. I feel like these things are being suppressed. I absolutely feel like Twitter is suppressing all sorts of information. But the point is that you can prove right now that they have not tested these alongside any other shots, and yet they're telling you to take multiple shots simultaneously. How is that not criminal? But here, here's something else that will kind of blow your mind. I actually had to make sure this wasn't fake. This is a real hospital, a real children's hospital that put out a tweet on April 24th. This is what it says. My gut tells me that I can't, I can't know what they're thinking here. But my gut tells me that they're, they're framing it like this because the underlying point in their minds is that they're overwhelmed by COVID right now. But m- most people think that's not even happening, especially the people that trusted the science and went along with the narrative. Their, their story is, remember when COVID was happening? Wasn't that crazy? They're acting like they're passing already. Like, because the injections, we're all safe now. That's, people really think that that are walking around. I think it's a minority. But the point is, 
How else will you explain this? This is a post from the Children's Hospital in the Beast in British Columbia. It says, not feeling great? Your appointment can wait. If you or your child are coming to one of our clinics, you know, a hospital, but are feeling sick, please call and rebook your appointment for when you are well. Thanks for helping our patients and staff safe and healthy. Okay, so where? So what do you suggest? So your kid is sick to the point to where you call the hospital. And they're going, no, 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 don't bring him in here because he's sick. Okay, then what exactly is your job? I don't understand how this even remotely makes sense. And you read the comments, people are you see, like, what? Redefining emergency, one post at a time. I mean, I, I honestly can't even believe they thought this would make sense. Somebody else down here goes, you know, can you explain to me what, what your job is then? Like, I just think this is mind-blowing. And here's the kid. Like, so sick that he's passed out on the bed. But, you know, wait until he's not sick and then come in. Now, look, I don't even know how you could make sense of this without the underlying argument that somehow COVID is the only thing that matters anymore. And so we're overwhelmed with COVID. So don't come in with, with whatever else you have because, we, well, you're going to get us all sick. So I guess hospitals no longer treat people anymore. They just pretend to fight COVID. I, I don't even know. Like, I, I, I'm still wondering if I'm being tricked here. Like, I can't, I don't understand this. I just, I, I, I will probably at some point reach out to the hospital, but I haven't had time. Now, here's another just unnerving reality. And this is, by the way, still happening. We saw transplants get refused because people that don't want to take these dangerous things, right? We've seen all sorts of things. This one will probably make you feel sick. And this is a real story. Did they inject pregnant women in Manitoba with the vaccines? Yes. They, in fact, they made it so mandatory that a friend of mine who refused to take the vax was told by her doctor that he would not attend her delivery. And um, she and her husband made a decision that they would deliver the baby at home. It was her fourth. It was an uncomplicated pregnancy. But the labor started four weeks before her due date, so they became concerned that um, they might be dealing with a preemie, and they decided she should deliver in the hospital. And um, when she arrived in the ambulance bay in labor, no one from the obstetrics and gynecology department at that hospital where she was at would come downstairs and treat her because they said she was unvaxxed and they didn't want anything to do with her. So you have a woman who is literally in labor. And these are people that took an oath to do no harm and in their backward logic they argue somehow that by doing anything you're putting people in harm's way like that's how they rationalize this or they're just spiteful terrible human beings probably both i don't even understand how you can make sense of that it, so it, this is the equivalent of arguing that you don't help people who are sick because you might get sick well isn't that your job that's the same point of that bc tweet apparently they've they've gotten completely lost in what their whole premise is so you let a pregnant woman sit in the, apparently, potentially lose the baby because you don't want to deal with somebody? How do you know she has that natural immunity? Did you even ask? They don't care because it's all about doing what you're supposed to do. We are living through an authoritarian reality that's been there that we haven't even realized. This many people were willing, and I still don't think it's the majority, most of them were tricked and pushed and forced and coerced and lied to, but a lot of people showed their true colors. That If you don't do what you're told, you're a bad person. That's the whole Prussian-based school system we're coming out of. So she sat in the ambulance bay for 30 minutes and finally delivered, having a paramedic attend her, while her husband sat outside in the parking lot trying to follow on a cell phone. The pressure on pregnant women was extreme. Right, so there's your point. 
That's that's not very. Oh, we didn't force anybody. Yeah, you did. That's forcing people right there. You are very clearly putting them in a position where it's like, well, you can let your baby die or you can get the injection. We're not forcing you, though. It's your call. Like that, that game is just childish. And we all know that's stupid. Yes, you're obviously coercing people based on extremes like that. These people were willing to let that woman sit in there and, and suffer because of their own chosen political stance. Never before has this ever happened. And totally unethical. You, they were told they must have this vaccine or I will not attend your, your delivery. You must have this vaccine or else your husband won't be able to be with you when the baby's born. Now, we've, saw, we've seen much crazier, and I mean much crazier, equally crazy. Babies that are taken and not given back, right? All sorts of things. I mean, it's, it, this, people lost their minds and showed who they really are. Now, here's the other tweet that I also share. That one's retweeted. The other one, this is how can the COVID jab be recommended as safe to pregnant and breastfeeding women if the most current official documents don't say that they're safe, right? Seems pretty obvious. Same thing here. I've shown many times. Oh, well, look at that. <laughs> I wonder why that's gone. Guys, we live in some very weird times. So the FDA apparently deleted the entire page. You know how crazy that is? That is that this page. <laughs> this is the look, check this out. It's got to be archived. It, there are some very serious cover up happening right now. I mean, this is wild. So this is this is the this is the page about the fact sheet for the, the emergency authorized version, the, sh- the shot they've been giving this whole time. So apparently now that they pretend it's no longer we got rid of the emergency authorization, we'll just delete it. That's not how this is supposed to work. This is a historical record. My God. Well, oh, it looks like I can't. Is it still loading? Oh, it's multiple pages. No, I don't know how that's working. Well, let me go further. Let me try this. I just want to show you what it said on the page they deleted, as if it's not important anymore, if they have it. Good. Here we go. This one, I believe, will let me look at it. But you can see on the documentation, CDC says, safe for pregnant people. Except the fact that it says the safety profile of the vaccine is not known in pregnant or breastfeeding women. No data are available regarding the Pfizer biotech bivalent during pregnancy. So how can you say it's safe if you don't have any data? That's called a lie. Here we go. Look at this. I can't believe we keep catching this stuff in real time. This is incredible. Okay. Here we go. This is as of Oh, this is an old one. I went back a while. Still, the point was, the one I showed you was as of 2023. This is the old version, but it says the same thing. No data are available. Here, I think I have the date highlighted in this. Yeah, well, oh, September 2022. But this went on until the last time I checked. And now it's gone. <laughs> it just It's just so disconcerting how obviously corrupt these people are. It's incredible. Now, on that same note about people in authority who pretend they know what's going on or don't care, I thought this was pretty concerning. These are the kind of people that are out there pushing, like the people out there, like the Pierce Morgans, that scream that you're a dangerous human being until they partially admit that they, well, I wasn't wrong, I just trusted the wrong people. No, you're wrong and you're still wrong. The point is these people are lying and spreading dangerous misinformation. And by the way, that's their First Amendment, right? It is. But they're still being benefited by the people that are pushing the narrative. And they're censoring anybody else that goes against that. Here's Tom Rance. I've already shown you doing great work on this. I just reached out to him actually for an interview. 
talking about HB 1169, about Missouri, and the mRNA in cattle and pork and food. All the bill is asking about is just a label. That's it. If it meets genetic overlap, then there should be a label. And everybody voted against that because that makes sense, right? Clearly, there's an agenda here. But his point is, here's what censorship looks like. The pick below was sent to his close friend. They do not want people to know. The, 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 basically, this is a firewall. Now, this could be something done. There's a lot of things that could cause this that wouldn't necessarily be censorship, but something tells me it probably is. But it says mRNA, says Dan Satterfield, who is a meteorologist, who has his BS in physics and so on and blah, 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 says mRNA is in anything living. That's just not a true statement, by the way. He's thinking of RNA, by the way. But including every cell in your body. Library cards are free, by the way. Oh, he thinks he's so smart. I said, that's why it's important to actually read and not just tout the virtues of the outdated, near non-existent library card while you're using the internet. My point, it's actually mod RNA, which is genetically modified, not even mRNA. It's in all the documentation you apparently haven't read. And he responds, woo-woo land. Very intelligent human being. Well, I said, thank you for revealing just how truly uninformed you are, willfully so it would seem, where I literally post the Pfizer documentation that literally shows you that it's all mod RNA. Which isn't even that hard to believe, as you could argue that's just simply a shortened version of mRNA, longer version of mRNA. The bottom line is it's not, either way you spin it, natural. But apparently he doesn't care. That's people down here going, nice engagement. Anyway, (laughs) so I just wanted to point that out, that these are people that are supposed to be you know, that are telling you, acting like they know what they're talking about, and they're so outdated, they don't even understand what's going on. And they'll and they'll tell you you're crazy. And then when you prove it, nothing. Because that's what cowards do. And I want to point this out. Oh, this is why I asked him to interview. Tom Rent spoke up and said, nice on that, Ryan, T-Lab. Lab-created synthetic mRNA is most certainly not never-living creature. I've used my card. This guy might want to use his, his library card, right? This, that's pretty damn sad. People like Dan Satterfield, feel free to tell them what you think, are out there making people look crazy who know what they're talking about. And people like former, by the way, Tory member of parliament, Andrew Bridgden, who stood up and said exactly what's going on. And we proved that. He proved that. Used the documentation. And now he's been permanently removed from the party. Why? Well, because they're still pretending like he personally compared this to the Holocaust. It's not what happened. Bridgden wrote... As one consultant cardiologist said to me, this is the biggest crime against humanity since the Holocaust. They then said, in a tweet, the Board of Deputies of British Jews said it was pleased at the expulsion, adding, quote, suggesting that COVID vaccines are the biggest crime against humanity since the Holocaust is not an opinion we should should be counter-nuanced in any specific political party. It should be counter-nuanced. The point, or, wait, that's not what it says. What is that? A person's face or facial expression, continenced. But the point is, that's not what he did. He's referencing somebody else, who, by the way, maybe he didn't know, is Jewish. So how does that work out? So they know this. The point is, a Jewish person said, this is the biggest crime since the Holocaust. And the deputy of British Jew said, no, dare you say that. Well, they're talking to Bridgeton. You see, because if they said a Jew said that, well, they, that wouldn't work, people, because they, well, doesn't he have a right to say that? Isn't that your point? Now, the real point is anybody has a right to say that. Anybody. Anybody who wants to make a point, who feels they understand what the history was, can say, well, in my opinion, this is worse than that. 
The fact that that's even off the table shows you what a politicized discussion this is. Nothing is off the table. You're allowed to talk about whatever you want. The point, though, is that he didn't say that. He is referencing a Jewish person who argued it's worse, and they lie about it to force him out because what he was really doing was showing you the truth about how dangerous these things are. That's how that works. Another point I wanted to make, I think is interesting. I can point to this out a while back. I've had this on the side for a minute. Simple point was, the lie Fauci and them spun about how we know who's actually being hurt by COVID or whatever's happening. He said, this has been an ongoing problem as Dr. Fauci himself actually finally acknowledged toward the end of the pandemic, noting that, quote, since all hospital admissions are tested for COVID-19, many people are hospitalized with COVID as opposed to because of COVID or told they have COVID when they don't, because that's a false positive PCR problem that everyone, even the CDC is admitted to, you know, differing variations of percentages, but everybody admits to it. So if you test everyone that comes through, you're going to get a guaranteed percentage of people that you ha- tell have COVID that don't. And then when they die from a heart attack or, you know, something completely unrelated, going because they have a broken back or a head injury and you told them they got COVID, that goes down as a COVID-19 hospitalization. They have admitted that. It says the real reason for hospitalization might be a broken leg or appendicitis or something like that. That's Dr. Fauci saying that. Here is the clip. on antigen tests, but I'm actually the only one who took a PCR test. And so I'm the only one I would assume included in the national case count right now. Are we as a country too focused on cases when in reality, use of rapid tests means that we're probably, you know, we, we don't have an accurate assessment of cases and we should be focusing on hospitalization rates and death rates. That's a very good point, and we are really moving in that direction. It becomes even more relevant when you're dealing, and we hope, as you mentioned early on, one of the the positive, encouraging things is that it appears that Omicron, from data both in South Africa, the UK, and accumulating data here in the United States, indicates that it very well might not be as severe, and many people... I'm going to make another point, though. I can't stand this game they play. It's happening again with this Ar- Arturus, or whatever the new one is, where they never eventually say it's not that dangerous. They just go, it could be dangerous. This looks like it's extra transmissible and possibly very dangerous. Okay, well, at what point do we find out whether or not it is? The point is they never want to say it because it's not. It's, it's, it's far less dangerous and trans- if it's even there. And so they just always float that it could be. We'll find out. We'll eventually know. Okay, well, let's go back to the very beginning. Or the one after that. Or the one after that. Well, every one of them is the same story. Could be more dangerous. Could be. We don't know. Anything's possible. So it's a game. It is obviously manipulative because they just, wouldn't they be motivated if if their whole point was to keep you safe and keep you calm? Wouldn't their motivation be like, don't worry, guys. This is not that dangerous. So why do they do the opposite? Because they want you scared. It's pretty simple. It's indicates that it very well might not be as severe and many people. Oh, and the point also is that, okay, and this is something Stephen Kurtz just made. Explain to me why, if you're claiming that it's not more dangerous, which is Omicron or whatever else, which is what they're actually saying, how do you then explain how COVID numbers have gone up? Right? Oh, it's because they're blaming the injection side effects on COVID. We should know that by now. But the point is those things don't make sense together. But their narrative has long sense, if ever made sense. You're just supposed to trust and go forward. Now, you know what, hold on me. I, I don't want to waste time on Fauci here. Merge into possibly a less severe 
virus, which in number were infected, because that's the forewarner of what might happen with hospitals. Less likely to send someone to the hospital. Hospitalization among children is much, much lower. Ah, He's so his narrative. What he says is so painfully incorrect and false. But the point is, you you can watch the whole thing for yourself. I should have had it lined up. I think I did before it refreshed. But in any case, there's this quote right there. That's what he says in that interview. And it's, it's very clear that they test everybody that comes in. So that means most of them probably weren't even COVID. And you're showing you the illusion through all of this. Here is Norman Fenton. Claims the unvaccinated were at higher risk of hospitalization and death were based on deliberately murky record keeping. You all know this because you've watched this show since the beginning. But it's just more information, which you can read for yourself, that makes it undeniably clear that they conflated the information. They used the 2114 day window and pretended like things weren't part of what they were. He says most vax patients in the UK in the winter of 21 to 2022 were wrongly classified as unvaccinated. You knew this from the beginning because we've been pointing it out to you, but I'm so glad to see more people making this clear in false. It says in false claim that it was mainly unvaxxed in the ICUs when in reality, they were all people that had shots in their bodies. You can read through it for yourself. Here's another post. He says, if you see a study claiming much higher mortality rates and the never vaccinated versus the ever vaccinated, you need to be sure it's not just a statistical illusion due to survivor bias. Here says this is a uh, roommate or Dan says unvaccinated equals no vaccination or vaccinated less than 21 days, less than 21 days ago. It's right in their own documentation from the Office of National Statistics. We've shown you this. Or 21 days. The point is that is a game you can play to use stuff like this. Here is the Alberta statistics we show every time. One of the only places that ever admitted this, and that's why they deleted it, reposted it, but we have it on the way back machine, which is that cases, hospitalizations, and death, you see predominantly the vast majority happen within the first 21 days. In general, guys, the bulk of everything we're seeing after injections happens in the first 21 days. All the cases, deaths, and hospitalizations, we're talking 80%. So if you just casually pretend like anything that happens in that window counts as unvaccinated, well, everything looks like an unvaccinated problem. Isn't that interesting how that works? That's how you lie with statistics. Now, just so we know, here's the FDA coming out and going, yeah, just so you know, vaccines don't have to prevent infection or transmission. (laughs) Well, yeah, they do. And classic understanding of them, that's what we're told. We've either always been lied to or you're just changing everything like you were with herd immunity, the definition of vaccine and everything else. It says it's important to note the FDA's authorization and licensure standards for vaccines do not require demonstration of the prevention of infection or transmission. Okay, well, then why did they swear up and down up until, you know, it got, I guess, fake exposed, even though we've been saying it's in 2020, that it didn't, they didn't know, oh, bombshell. Well, we've been telling you that from the beginning. But the point is, why did the media and all of them push the lie if that's apparently the common knowledge? Because we've always been lied to. This whole thing is based on lies. Now, on top of all of that, guess what? The Moderna CEO is now telling you where they're going to quadruple the price of the injection because nobody wants good. <laughs> scare, the more, higher the price, the more you'll scare people away from it. I hope nobody takes it again because it's dangerous. But here's Bernie Sanders acting like he cares. Announced that the federal government put money into Moderna. You became the stock boxes soared. You became a multi-billionaire overnight. So it's hard for me not to believe that the federal government played a major role in the development of this drug. But here is the main point. I don't want to. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? See, this is the kind of fake engagement. What do, you, what do you mean hard to believe? It is a verifiable fact. It is called Operation Warp Speed. This is how stupid they think you are. They're wrong. We're proving that. 
But there's no question, guys. This is a government DOD operation. It's on their documentation. It's just so silly that we even debate that. Talk about what happened three years ago. We're here today. You're a multi-billionaire. Other people, top executives on your company are multi-billionaires, all developed as a result of the vaccine. And now we have a situation where you are proposing to quadruple the price of the new of the vaccine once the government stockpile runs out. That will mean that not only, and we'll talk about later on the patient assistance program, but in terms of government, in terms of Medicare, Medicaid, other government agencies, taxpayers are going to have to spend substantially more money. Oh, and well, that, see, that's the downside, right? From, a, from an individual perspective and a non, you know, like I just, I, from my perspective, it, I don't, a government spend doing anything and taxing you for anything other than, can, you know, if, I mean, it's just, that's a whole conversation. But my, I think the federal government and all of this stuff, which is going to upset people, Medicare, Medicaid, all this stuff arguably makes you le- we, unsafe, weaker. Of course, you could argue that there are people that need it and so on. Like it's a whole mire because there's so people are so politically ingested. But my the point I always make, let's just say the point for the Medicare for all conversation. Why exactly are we all pointing out that these people just tricked you, lied to you? We don't know what they're putting in things, but yet we want them to be to be in control of everybody's health care. Like that seems really stupid to me. I got to be honest. But overall, and that's not to say that if in an honest world that that might not be the case or the right thing to do with where we are, it doesn't make much sense to me. Right. But my, my point, though, is that on the negative side of it, in the case of where we, in the, the situation we're in, is that you are going to be charged tax wise because they're going to force this on people or suggest it through people through things like Medicaid, Medicare or whatever. And then you'll pay for it out of your taxes. So it's just another way to get the money out of this. But then let's not forget, they've already quietly shoved this all into the in the animal injections, like specifically dogs and cats. And they have a whole other racket going from that because nobody even knows they're taking those. Just something to think about. My question to you is, given the fact that you have made billions of dollars, that your company has made huge profits on behalf of the taxpayers of this country, will you reconsider your decision to quadruple the price of the vaccine? So, Chairman Sanders, what we have to do is to deal with the complexity I described, and I'm happy to go into more detail through this hearing. This is not the same product. We used to have 10 dose in each vial. Now we're going to have every vial will have a different dose. This is not the same. I understand it, but quadrupling the price is huge. And I will hope, I would hope very much. He's talking about dosing, but let's be clear. He basically just said that they're not the same thing. I I think there's more to that than we realize. You will reconsider that decision. It's going to cost the taxpayers of this country billions of dollars. Is that something you can do? (laughs) The volume we had during the pandemic so gave us economies of scale we won't have anymore. That is what is different. So what all this, in my opinion, is meant to do, like, I love Bernie's, like, is that something you'll consider? <laughs> like, let me sit you down, young man. Will you do what is right for everybody else? No. How about no? I'm a, I'm a corporation. I'm going to make money. Is that which you well know, man. Like, it's just such a stupid, childish engagement. Like, we're going to pretend like this ever has an effect on anything political. You're just going to go, well, can you? Will you do it for me? Will you do it for old Bernie? It's, like, it's just so stupid. I, I, I personally don't even think that's real. But the point of what I think this will lead to is the argument that, well, we need to continue to government subsidize this. Otherwise, oh, it's going to cost too much and no one's going to be able to buy. Well, guess what? Nobody wants them. But that, that, that doesn't matter. The, the fake argument that it'll be inequitable. Nobody will be able to afford it. So we have to then subsidize it. Well, we won't do that unless we give them indemnity. We won't even work with you unless you remove us from liability. 
and there you go. That's how the Act of 1986 worked. That's how all of this works. It's a game to play. Like, unless we give them indemnification, well, they won't even make them. And we're all going to suffer. No, that's the best case scenario. But people disagree. But I don't believe Bernie cares about any of this. I think it's silly as hell. But overall, it's a justification to continue the same situation, in my opinion. As somebody points out in the chat, he's a socialist millionaire. Now, I, I actually disagree that that is somehow contradictory. The whole point about any government, socialism or anything else, is that it centralizes power at the top. And that includes socialist governments of the past. The point is, it's, it, this, the game is always played. Now, you could argue in any government that an honest person who cares about the population could channel it to be good for people. And I've made that point about an authoritarian. If you had a king that only did everything for everybody, well, that would be a perfect thing for everybody because he only cares. But the point is that that never happens and the next one doesn't or however it works. The bottom line is that socialism and anything else is the same way, guys. It's all government. And government will always collect at the top. And people that are powerful, even socialist governments in the past, will eventually become wealthy from it. <laughs> because it's, you, it's at your expense. I, I, I don't like any government equally. This game people play where like the right doesn't like one kind of government, the left doesn't like another kind of government, and all they ultimately do is keep the same governments in place. That's how the two-party paradigm works, if we can just finally see that. But going back onto the COVID point, here is the point. Oh, it's Arc Arcturus is the the new the new variant that we're seeing. Well, I want to go back to an old conversation. How exactly we're pretending that they're identifying these things, right? Think about it. The whole point in the beginning was that they had to go through this whole process to adapt the PCR test to be able to find new things, right? But then we've gone from this to that to this to that, 14 different variants in 10 seconds and all around the world, and yet somehow they're just telling you which ones they're finding. Well, we proved that was a lie then. We proved to you, even when they were saying Omicron or Delta, that they only had a limited amount of locations in the country that could definitively prove that it was a different variant. All they were saying was they just did the PCR test and if they had certain markers, they would just decide that it was that variant, but they didn't know for sure. We proved this. So now we're just like on the 100th variant next after anything, and they're just going, well, we tested it here, we found it in there. What they're doing is they're testing PCR tests and they're going with what they're told is the current variant. That is what we proved, and these corporate outlets just don't care. Because what are they doing like everybody else? Regurgitating what the experts tell them is the truth. And those experts are blindly listening to what the CDC says, which actively misrepresents the situation. It's pretty simple. The point here is that we don't know this is, in fact, something different. I would argue it could be a PCR false positive. It could be something completely different in general. It could be a complete lie. Or it could be something new. The bottom line is it says experts say the new strain is highly contagious and can cause serious illness. See my point? That'll be the way it says that for the rest of your lifetime. Oh, we don't know. It might be. <laughs> well, is it? Did you research it? It's 40 years ago. Did you know? Do you know now? No, we don't know. It could be more dangerous. That means it's not, guys. That means they don't want to tell you that it's not that dangerous. And contagious just means transmissible. And that's what many argued from the beginning, that it would, like, historically become more transmissible and less dangerous. And that's why historically you can pretty much prove that every injection that was given was already on the decline of something going down and even gave it a spike. And then it went back down again. And they go, hey, we did it. Vaccines work like crazy. Now it says they say the best way to protect yourself continues to get vaccinated. Wear a face mask in crowds and distancing. It's odd that they leave out weight, exercise, vitamin D, you know, all the things that very clearly, directly, and scientifically prove and have an effect, and then tell you to do all the things that are hurting you that I can prove. That's crazy how that works, isn't it? 
Well, Ben Swan's also pointing out that Moderna is now working on mRNA vaccines for Lyme disease. You know, another completely engineered bioweapon that's been proven, discussed by Tick's Plum Island conversation. This is the same thing that we've done over and over. But they're going to work on a new injection, probably because Lyme disease will be a new administered effort. Virus, it says viruses like Lyme disease will increase due to climate change, they said. And vaccines will be key to fighting them. Climate change. Lyme disease. Yeah, sure, why not? It says, I'll get over to the next pandemic the same way I did the last one, by not listening to any of them and carrying on with my life. <laughs> well done. My God. Well, Chief Nerd points out, and this is what I was saying before, researchers have designed a vaccine printer that can produce vaccine, COVID-19 mRNA vaccines on the go. A printer. What does that tell you? It's never about actually knowing what's there. It is a genetic sequence on a computer. This is what we've proven from the beginning of Moderna. On their own website, it said they got a sequence from China at a point when China admitted on MSNBC that they did not have an isolated virus. And why has the data not been shared? No, they didn't isolate the virus. That's the issue. CDC of China to MSNBC said at the point they gave that, they had not isolated it, right? So you can pretend it was isolated afterward. I dispute that. But the point is that if Moderna two days later had an injection, and that's the same mRNA-12773, I believe, that they are still giving, or technically now it's the bivalent, but right up until recently, how does it make sense that they ever needed an isolate? They don't. Because they never did. They used a code. And by the way, don't forget, this was Trump's Operation Warp Speed. The same Trump that was screaming, bad guy, China, Wuhan flu, and yet blindly used a Chinese sequence without vetting it to be the very basis of the injection he still stands by. Totally makes sense, right, guys? Well, now they're giving you printers to be on the go and just print out new things. Because, hey, we got a new variant. Whoa, whoa, bing, bang, boom. Print out the new ones. No safety studies needed. That's what they keep telling you. Because that's where we're going. Published on April 24th in Nature Biotechnology, uh, the MIT scientists said their current vaccine printer prototype can produce 100 thumbnail-sized batches, patches, in 48 hours. Oh, and so these are most likely then using those weird gates overlap patches that put those little spikes in. You know, that's, this is nanotechnology. This is the same thing we've been talking about. And then UNICEF comes out and says, routine immunizations have dropped in over 100 countries. Good. That's my opinion. You can disagree. I think it's good, not because maybe, you know, historically some things haven't done some good. I don't know. I'm questioning all of it today. But it means that in 100 countries, people are going, okay, wait a minute. I don't know what's going on. I've seen things that make me concerned. I don't trust these people. That's the best possible stance. UNICEF, WHO, Gavi, Gates Foundation are, guess what, guys? All calling for a new effort to reach every child with essential vaccines. See, this is the same game, guys. If this is about choice, what are you doing here? It's not, see, what they'll try to pretend is that it's inequitable. It's not fair. They don't have access to, yes, they do. They all do, and they're all saying no. And all you're doing is going, we need to get them in the children's hands. So you're saying, we don't care that you said no, that we're going to give it to them anyway. And we're going to try to coerce you and force you or, or incentivize you. But the point is, it was never about asking. The question was not on the table. It was, you're taking these things. No is not an option. And now that they've lost these people, they're going to push to force these children to get more things. And now we're seeing another scare tactic come out, which I'm going to go into deeper, I think, in the future. But I haven't seen if this is truly going to be the next thing, but it's starting to build. What is the Marburg virus? WHO confirms outbreak of the deadly virus. And now this is a very interesting dynamic. Because we already talked about this. 
And it is another example of something that emerged from government manipulation in a lab. Despite their pushing back and acting like it's not the truth and it wasn't the lab leak, it was different. All they're doing is splitting hairs, and I'll show you what I mean. Researcher calls first Marburg virus outbreak a lab leak, and here's why experts push back. Okay, it says, just really quickly cutting to the chase, Justin Kinney, PhD, he tweeted this out. Fun fact, Marburg virus is named after Marburg, Germany, which is true, where the virus does not naturally occur. Because the first documented outbreak was caused by a lab leak at the uh, Beringwerk industrial plant there. Now, the story, as I've told you before, which I'll, I'll probably do a focus on in the future, this was, a, this was multiple monkey shipments that ended up in London where they waited. This is, this is historically proven, where they waited in cages. Nobody got sick in London. Then these cages went to multiple locations, Right? And each one of them got sick. Now, are we supposed to pretend that somehow each one of them made the same mistake, which is supposed to be rarely happening, where they made a mistake and got infected by the monkeys in the lab, which is what they're saying happened. And then they got sick and it went out from there. And it was, how is that, by the way, still not a lab leak? It is. But then why did London, why did nobody in London get sick where it waited, where people were moving these things around? To me, that sounds like an executed plan. That's just my opinion. You have something that makes it through London a huge hub, and then goes to multiple locations where each one of those locations gets sick. How else do you pretend that makes sense? This is what the story is. Now, again, the, the, the likelihood of each location simultaneously making mistakes that led to the same thing and outbroke at the same time, I mean, that's like almost mathematically impossible. Depending on whether they just happened to get virally trans, something happened when they were in shipments and they just got everyone sick at the same time. I mean, then why didn't the people delivering get sick? Why didn't the London people get sick? It just doesn't add up. And that's why I often bring up the Omicron discussion. Let's see if that, I still have that. Or was it? Oh, it was uh, Botswana. Right, I brought this up so many times. And I'm still blown away that this is one still posted, but also that even Fauci, you just heard him reference South Africa. They all pretend like Omicron started in South Africa. It's not true. They know that. This is the statement on the new COVID-19 variant from Botswana, November 26th, you know, before we were talking about Omicron. Now it says clearly the new virus was detected. They're talking about Omicron. You can look it up. It was detected on four foreign nationals who entered Botswana. On the 7th of November, on a diplomatic mission, which, again, means they had diplomatic immunity. We've No one's ever followed up on who they were. I've tried. I don't know how I can find out. No one knows who they were, where they came from, what their mission was. And yet, they all four came in under diplomatic immunity, and all four of them tested positive, And from there, spread to South Africa. And forward, they just go, it started in South Africa. Okay, then why did they forget about Botswana? Okay, so is this the same thing we're staring at? Was this another executed release of something for an agenda, just like we see here? Well, here's what other experts would tell you. Isabella uh, Urkel says, uh, whereas it says, responded to the tweet calling what Kenny posted fake news. That's original. The virus was not a lab leak in Marburg, but it infected laboratory workers through sick monkeys from Uganda. They were important as experimental animal models. Okay, that's the, okay, my point is the same. So your implication is that these monkeys all got sick and somehow simultaneously infected multiple locations at the same time, despite nobody moving them and nobody London getting sick. Nobody thinks that would make sense. 
Now, I, I, I will, people need to read into this more because I believe this might build. Oh, and here's another interesting point. This is why I brought this up today, because it, if this makes me think this is going to be the next agenda, Virax Biolabs Group Limited has entered into an agreement for the distribution of Marburg PCR tests. Fantastic. So we're still using the same inappropriate testing for viruses. Yep, apparently so. The same testing that is rife with cycle threshold manipulation, rife with false positives, false negatives, completely the wrong tool for this exact thing. As Kerry Mullis, the inventor, said himself, but nobody cares because this is how they lie to you using a test. We'll see what happens. Well, here is Concerned Citizen pointing out one, uh, two last points. And I'm going to take a break and I'm going to be coming back. World Crime Organization, WHO, or W08. Oh, oh, I guess he's just calling it the World Crime Organization. I thought he was being uh, smart with the acronym. I guess not. WHO's Tedro says one in 10 infections will result in long COVID. Well, we know how this works. An estimated one in 10 infections results in post COVID 19 condition. Nope. Suggesting that hundreds of millions of people will need longer term care. And, and that's just an easy way to keep this going. Now, you could argue he believes that. I frankly don't know. I don't believe it personally. But the point, as I posted down here, is that there has now been two high level. And as far as I can tell, the, the highest level, the leading posts of the entire conversation from two high level peer reviewed studies that long COVID is largely psychosomatic. Each one of them has the same point. As this one says, this is prevalence characteristics post-COVID. It says the persistent symptoms and disability that characterize PCC or long COVID are associated with factors other than SARS-CoV-2 infection, including psychological factors. So it doesn't matter what you think it is. It's, they're saying it's associated with something other than being infected with what, you're telling, what we're pretending is what you're dealing with. And the other one is right here from November 2021. Same thing. Associated of self-reported COVID-19 infection. What does it say? This results of a cross-sectional analysis of a large population-based French cohort suggests that physical symptoms persisting 10 to 12 months after COVID pandemic first wave may be associated more with the belief in having experienced COVID than with actually having COVID. And when you look in the study, it finds that people that actually have, well, again, just tested positive, whatever that means. None of them had long COVID, but people that have never officially been told they have COVID by a test are the ones that believe that they have it. You know, the point is, it's, it seems largely psychosomatic. And that is a factor that it has with every illness you could talk about. But they don't care about these things. And here he is telling you that one in 10 people will have this. Do you realize this is still something that has not even been defined? You can look up the most current research in regard to, like, you'll find stuff like this that's trying to decide what it is. But the, the most recent one I saw, I think it was from Nature, it's, a, it's saying here are the leading three causes of what we think is causing long COVID. They don't know. And yet he's coming out going, you will have long COVID. This is like saying, go ahead and take those shots together. We know they're safe. No, you don't. Take it if you're pregnant. We know it's safe. No, you don't. You'll get long COVID. You don't know that. You are stating things that you provably don't know. And why the world doesn't see what I think the world does see it. It's crazy to me. These are my opinion, as he says here, translation, one in 10 vaccinations will result in long-term side effects that we brand long COVID. And even Jimmy Dore talked about this. The idea that he, his own vaccination side effects were told by a doctor that that's the same exact thing profile of what we're calling long COVID. And that that's probably what they are. Last two points. All of this aside, they're changing the narrative. 
as you've already seen. As I pointed out the other day, unvaccinated, terminally ill Canada woman denied transplant because she didn't have injections, but she did have proof of natural immunity, which and by every single peer-reviewed study is better, longer-lasting, more durable, more robust than what they claim is happening from the injection, let alone the more dangerous bivalent. And yet they said, no, you can't have your life-saving treatment because we're bad people. And I said, yep, that's actually still happening. This is not only wildly unscientific, it's vicious, cruel, and spiteful. And Mike, again, makes the right point. Nobody's being forced. That's how you're forcing people. My point, though, is this is literally what Trudeau just said. I never forced anybody. They're actually saying these things right now. Misinformation and disinformation is carrying people to believe things that are untrue. And vaccinations is a perfect example of it. Like any modern bit of medical advancements, there are potential side effects in vaccinations. Talk about downplaying. And there, you know, this guy's such a villain. Probably gotten very sick from vaccinations on the billions of people who've been vaccinated against COVID over the past few years. God, what a, that's just it's so it's so Never. insulting to downplay the obvious overwhelming side effects. Like think about saying that with the yellow card system or the Bayer system and how clearly it shows you an overwhelming, long, unprecedented amount. And they just go, we don't know, though. OK, fine. Well, you could so even just saying you don't know does not then mean nobody's been hurt. But yet that's how they play the game. That's why everybody sees through this. Are more people who obviously have died due to COVID died from not getting vaccinated? Nope, not true. And the idea that people can fly in the face of science, well, individuals are allowed to make their own choices. There may be all sorts of different reasons why someone is hesitant to get vaccinated. But I make a distinction, and I have always have, between someone choosing for personal reasons to choose not to get vaccinated and someone deliberately using misinformation to mislead and scare other people with so-called facts that aren't facts at all. Okay, so apparently your point is that you get to decide whether or not somebody means to misinform. Does that make sense? Right? So it's, it's okay. You're allowed to make up your own opinion. But if I decide you're doing it in a malicious sense, well, then I'm going to do something about it. That's the same game with the misgendering and all that. Well, yeah, if it's an accident, but if you do it intentionally, how in the world do you pretend to know somebody's intentions? Oh, because we know Putin does this and we know they think that because you guys are children pushing forward your own ideology as absolute fact. And I think you're scared right now because people see through you that lead them to make a choice that endangers their lives and the lives of other citizens. So like getting an injection that's going to kill you. As Prime Minister, through the greatest public health crisis that we've faced in a hundred years in this country. Because of the injections. Since the Spanish flu? Nope. Far less than the flu, hands down. My responsibility was to keep as many Canadians alive as possible. And all of the scientists and the medical experts and the researchers, not just in Canada, but around the world, understood that vaccination was going to be the way through this. And therefore, while not forcing anyone to get vaccinated, I chose 
to make sure that all the incentives and all the protections were there to encourage Canadians to get vaccinated. And that's exactly what they did. We got vaccinated to a higher level than just about any other of our peer countries. And that's why we had a less deadly pandemic than most other countries. He just is literally rewriting, rewriting history in real time. I was trying to find that Ioannidis study, which I don't know why this one keeps popping up. It's the newer one. Let me do this. Of course, you did. They just, it's just so funny. Maybe this is the one. Now it's older. Oh, well, well, I'm going to leave it there. I wanted to include it since we were just getting done. I'm going to go prep the next show. See, here's an example of how Google can still give you better results than Brave, which is very frustrating to me. Here's the study we're talking about, I believe. Yep, here it is. Just I want it's important to include this for everybody. So this was and this it, it has been peer reviewed. This is on the preprint server, but I just could oh here, let me just do this and I'll give you the real one or the, the one that's on the appropriate server or whatever you call it. Uh, where is that? <laughs> I'm telling you. I don't know what Brave is. It doesn't, you know, maybe there's left resources. I don't know, but I still recommend you use anything but Google. But, well, here's the one that's on NIH. This is the better one to use anyway. So here's what it says. Infection fatality rate. Uh, where is it? Right here. The meta uh, regression analysis also suggested global infection fatality rate was 0.03 and 0.07 respectively. And this was pre-vaccination. Current analysis suggests that a much lower pre-vaccination infection fatality rate in not only populations than previously suggested. And they're telling you the numbers right there. If you are, if you are under 19, it is 0.0003% fatality risk. Right? If you are... Where is it? Anyway, this is the main point right there. Infection fatality rate, global number is 0.03 and 0.07, pre-vaccination. It was never more dangerous than the flu, and they're just still pushing the lie, including this liar right here. Now, in this year, Steve Kirsch's point right here, 39% increase in COVID in Ontario in 2022 versus 2021, but variants are less deadly and nearly all people are vaccinated. Explain that one. I think we know what's going on. I think we all know. Well, thank you for tuning in to this first part. I'm going to take a minute to get organized for my next section of this. I don't know how long it'll take me, but uh, I believe I'm even going to head to the other studio and go back so I can help take care of the pup. But I will come back on shortly and do some other focuses, and it will be on the same post. It'll be on the same posted T-Lab website page and other videos beneath it. So thank you for tuning in, guys, and I will see you in the next one coming shortly. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.
welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, April 27th, 2023, part two. We're back today to talk about East Palestine and what I've discussed as the transgender PSYOP, which of course is not what many people will take it as, and some will understand where I'm going with it. But of course, it's the nuanced, balanced, open-minded, objective perspective that there is an obvious agenda around this topic and how it's being used against people politically, including the trans community, and how it is being applied in very concerning ways and being misrepresented as attacking people that are in drag, as opposed to the sexualization of children. It's a very, very concerning topic. I'm also going to talk about East Palestine and the... I mean, this is one of those topics that I just can't, I mean, really everything that we discussed today and the previous episode, basically what we're dealing with today is provable, verifiable evidence, peer-reviewed science, and then just narrative. I I mean, that's ultimately where this is. That's East Palestine, the vaccine, any of this stuff. It's just basically, well, we say something different and the people that support them yell that at you and there's no debate. What's happening in East Palestine, as we'll show yet again today, is is insultingly obvious. Everybody going there is getting sick. The town is still completely sick. People are being confirmed by testing from the doctors that they have cancerous vinyl chloride in their in their blood, in their urine as, as of yesterday. And still the EPA is acting like nothing's wrong. Nope. Our tests say you're fine. This is where we are in the world today, or rather this country specifically as an American speaking about American problems. It is Everybody against the government. They are 100%. Do you think there's not Democrats and Republicans alike in East Palestine? Sure, it probably slants one direction. I think it's Republican. But I can guarantee you there are people that live there that aren't only being hurt because they challenge the vaccine or because the bottom line is the government doesn't care about your political standing. They don't care that you're being hurt. They don't care that Flint, Michigan still doesn't have water, clearly or most of the country, when you understand the true problem, not just the focused on point. Maybe that's what Flint was all about, to get you to focus on one place and act like that's the only problem. When they were realizing we were just starting to understand that it was our entire water infrastructure, and they didn't want to pull that card until they could execute it for the Great Reset, right? So wait a minute, just a thought. But now, I, there's a couple of things. I Just looking at time and how long it took me to get the first part of this going today, and for those that don't know, we did an episode uh, to start today, that was uh, here. I'll just show the the actual page that we covered. Basically, the uh, COVID-19 focus entirely. We talk about the illusion of the EUA approval, the community versus spike and spike backs versus the Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna versions that are still being used. The illusion that these things are available, community and so on. And, it, I, and I personally called multiple locations and found out that they weren't. And according to everybody that I spoke with. Oh, shoot. Hold on. Ah, of course. <laughs> I just didn't want to stretch this window out. This is what we're going to talk about. Just so you guys can see it. Now, I haven't done this before. So this was the first episode. Now, I'm going to put that at the top when I'm done. But you can see here are the three videos. And I renamed it just so it's focused on the show. But it's the community Illusion, the EUA Approval Deception, the DOD Vaccine Origins. Oh, looks like I left that in there accidentally but then this is of course the focus today epa ignores or the second part ignores east palestine still testing positive for cancerous chemicals and the transgender psyop now i was going to try to include some of the things 
who knows if I get done with this and I'm feeling frisky, maybe I'll do another part. The plan was to do as money as possible, but both my pup and so on in the late time of the hour today, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but I was going to also talk about the Tucker Carlson discussion and the, you know, the Democrats aren't going to be doing debates and so on and get into all that. And to be quite honest, out of everything we're talking about and pretty much everything going on, they're pretty much the two least important things happening. So as much as it's entertaining and people are really invested in whether Tucker is going to change the world, there's so much more important stuff going on. And so that, that that's why there's a lot, even though I was going to get into it, it doesn't look like it's going to happen today. Uh, both of them are, are more than it appears. Of course, you know, you got at the same time, Don Lemon getting fired close enough and the narrative is well don's bad and he got fired because he's terrible but tucker was telling the truth and that's why he's going look they're both corporate media manipulators guys and we need to realize that we need to understand how truly this is happening i mean come on it's it's just it's so funny how we play this game anyway i'm not going to get into it because but the point is on the other side of it the debates well the whole focal point even on twitter and everywhere else, it looks like the democrats aren't gonna have debates well, it looks like we're getting the same indication from the right side, too, by the way. It's weird how that doesn't get talked about. Neither have come to pass yet, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. But it's just funny how the two-party paradigm always melts logic. That's how this works. So I wanted to start with this just because I was carryover from last the last show. I thought it was interesting. We talked about the biolabs in Sudan and how that was working out. And the, I'm, this is not something I've confirmed, and it doesn't. people are going back and forth about this. But leading reports arguing the seized biolabs in the Sudan contained dangerous viruses was funded by Fauci, Bill Gates, DUDC, CDC, and so on. But it appears that they're actually just being, uh, uh, that there is some financial overlap. And it's and I'm going to dive into this probably deeper, but it's interesting nonetheless to see that this wouldn't surprise me, but we should make sure we vet this to make sure that is the case. But just like with the Ukraine, which is the point I made before, that, that this is this seems like a, a internet, like, international in the sense of the u.s government doing this all over the world but also international in the sense that pretty much every government i can see is involved in some direction or some degree with the vaccines and with the great reset and so on but it's just fun. every single piece of this seems to continue to fit together but if you want to watch that make sure you go back and this will be the top when i'm done these per- parts right here but we're going to start today with east palestine I, I mean, again, I mean, this is something that needs to be insulting. Like with this, there there should be people in prison right now for how they still lie about this. There's not even a debate to be had. To act like we just don't know is as stupid as pretending like we don't know or we're not sure of what's going on with the injection. Despite the peer-reviewed science, the observational information, the experts speaking up, but we just don't know for sure. Yeah, we do. We really do. And we also know this for sure. And you know me that I don't say that lightly. East Palestine residents test positive for cancer-linked toxin following train derailment. Now, when I say for sure, what I mean is that there is a problem here that we're being lied to about. It's certainly possible that this person lied about this, or the doctor faked this, or this, any question everything. But the evidence on the ground is clear that there's something else going on, and the EPA is conflicting with exactly what other people are finding and what the residents on the ground are saying. Something is being misled here. Now, I think I'm just going to skip this video. Let me let me play this real quick and just see the first part of it. I'm going to read the article next, which I think is more important. It has been nearly three months since a Norfolk Southern train derailed in Ohio, spilling hazardous chemicals that burned for days. Our next guest lives only 900 feet from... Isn't it funny how even that is a misrepresentation? Didn't, no, it, it, it wasn't a crash that burned for days. It was a deliberate choice to make this a problem that we've never seen before. You could argue that's by accident, but 
Oh, did you see that? Great job, Fox News. They just just, just redirected me to some new page. <laughs> God, I mean, it, 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 you know the point I'm going to make. They're all this is all garbage. Fox, Tucker, the CNN, this whole damn thing, guys. We need to realize how we keep getting played. Hey, somebody again from the inside is going to change and show us the truth. <laughs> how well has that worked out in the past? Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Let's go back. Here we go. Oh, I unmute the tab again. There we go. Fun times. Burned for days. Our next guest. But it didn't burn for days. It was a controlled release or uncontrolled burn. I'm stating what the next part's going to stay. It was only 900 feet from the wreck and controlled burn site. And after feeling sick for months, she finally went to a medical lab where she tested positive for benzene and the cancer-linked toxin vinyl chloride. I think that's the good point. I don't want to look. They're just going to repeat what we're going to read next. But this is undeniable that this is what they're being told for. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't that ridiculous? I'm not doing that. I'm not even, I just paused the video and they're like, okay, you're done then. We'll just redirect you where we want you to go because you paused the video. These people are such garbage, man. Anyway, so this part is what we'll get to. Oh, that was strange. Did you see that? Normally that's supposed to stick around when you, I have a new highlighter here that I've been toying around with. Let's see if it comes back. Wow. Okay. Well, that's crazy. Oh, it did come back. Okay, good. So this is a good, this I was going to say, this is a good, uh, this new one I'm using seems better, but it's much harder on the computer. It's anyway, just, you know, it, when it's open like this, it causes usually, anyway, the point is when you close the app, it's still supposed to keep it up, which it does with everything else. Box doesn't, I guess. But when it's open like this, it kind of drains the computer power. Anyway, you don't need to know all that. The point is April 12th is when this is being reported. But see, what's funny is this is reported from Fox. April 26th as a video. It le- good that they're following up at the very least, but it seems like this should have been much more prominent in the conversation. Watch it redirect again. Much more prominent in the conversation as, you know, after the 17th. But it's here we are on the April 26th. April 12th, 12th, I mean, when this is when this was reported. Anyway, East Palestine residents blast train derailment lies after testing positive for canceling toxin. This is not the same story we told you before either. People living in East Palestine, Ohio, say they are suffering vision impairment, shortness of breath, sore throats, and other symptoms after testing positive for cancer-causing toxins more than two months after the train derailment. Now, again, my point in saying this, this was yesterday that these people were talking via interview and saying, yes, I'm still sick. Just so we're aware, this is happening as of yesterday, which it shouldn't be that hard to wrap your mind around. If they've got cancer-causing, if they're being tested for vital chloride in their urine and their blood, there's a huge problem here. That is not something to to disregard. Because the whole point was that it dissipates quickly and it's not a problem. But if it's in your blood, these people are guaranteed to have long-term problems. Even the doctor who gave the results was like, I'm so sorry. It says it right in the article. So shortness of breath, sore throats, and all this stuff is happening right now, and they're still telling them nothing's going on. This April 27th, this happened on February 3rd. She says, quote, I'm now on an inhaler that I've never had in my life. Shelby Walker. Walker lives adjacent to the derailment site. Parts of the train lie right now, feet away from where her kids' toys are in the backyard. Quote, it looks like a war zone out there. When my yard, think of this. She said, when her yard floods, it bubbles. She says, I know my yard is not safe. Just so you didn't hear, so you heard that correctly. 
Her yard, when it floods, bubbles on the ground. This is like a toxic waste site, guys. This is insulting and sad and horrifying. These people are literally living in a horrific government-allowed toxic site. Now you can look, look, now just so we're clear, I'm going to end on the point in this where about the, about the land grab, which is very real in my opinion. They are absolutely going to take advantage of this, but that doesn't mean that they have to be mutually exclusive here. There's a whole group out of there in the conversation that are seemingly just arguing that vinyl chloride is not dangerous and it wasn't even on the train. And all of these things are verifiably, provably not true. I mean, we can go over, I've gone over it a hundred different ways. Vinyl chloride was definitely on the train. And even regardless, it's not just polyvinyl chloride that causes dioxin specifically tcdd it is vinyl chloride specifically i went over all of this but what i'm what what concerns me here is that people you know anyway the point about that is just that people seem to focus on what they think is happening and just omit everything else the reality is it seems pretty clear people are suffering unless you think every single individual east palestine resident is just lying collectively certainly possible anything's possible but all of that said, it seems clear they're dealing with something and something is hurting people. And there's clearly independent tests. Now, I think four or five different independent locations that aren't connected to any government body that are telling you that they're testing for all sorts of things that are still there, including dioxin specifically. And so that point being sa- stated and that being the reality, we also need to worry that they're going to take advantage of that or even go further and ask whether or not this was done to take advantage of the land. That's certainly possible. All of that is a very valid question to ask. And, you know, and as it now comes to pass, as you'll see at the end of the article, this seems the residents are even begging for them to buy their land. How much you want to bet it's not going to be at full value, even though that they should be more than full value, right? My God, her yard bubbles when the water floods. I just can't get past that. Just think about that. Now, on February 6th, authorities ordered a controlled release of the toxic chemicals to prevent the train cars from exploding. That's Fox again, still. If you're so look, this is April twelfth. Are you? Or do you think Fox News is unaware of the reality of the actual burn of all of the experts? Anybody other than Norfolk Southern EPA who are telling you there's no that wasn't even remotely a controlled burn. In fact, it's by definition uncontrolled because there was no oxygen control. That's what makes it a controlled burn. This was just burning. They let the fire and it burned. There was no control there. Other than, you know, arguing they put it in a certain little trench and it kept in the trench, but without anything on the ground. It went right into the ground. Literally the least controlled burn you could think of. So ask yourself, why are February 6th? I'm getting, oh, that was the 3rd and the 6th. Excuse me. I'm just remembering the dates. The point is saying on the 6th, they ordered that. Are we pretending Fox is unaware that they it was not controlled? So either they don't care for any number of reasons and are just reporting what the EPA said. Or they know that's not the case, and they wrote this anyway. Why, why do you think that is? It's because there are certain levels of controlled narrative. Like with, like even with Tucker, as much as you used to pretend that he said he never got told what to do. Yeah, he did, though. It wasn't necessarily like you can and can't do this, but they know where they're working. I, uh, oh, man. Allison Morrow has made this, has outlined this so clear with us numerous times that it's it's about the way that you operate and there are lines you bump up against and things they do. It's not just outright saying don't or don't do this or do that, but that does happen too. But ultimately, there are things that they just know they can't get into. And if they do, they'll get nudged back certain ways or they'll do certain things. And that's how it works. It's a corporation. If you really think that they'd be, they would completely influence other levels, but just somehow let Tucker talk about what he wants, that's ridiculous. It's not how it is now. Maybe now, 
I'm, I'm not, I will always hold out hope. Maybe Tucker will break away and make a new thing and just become the future. <laughs> I don't believe that. I certainly don't think it'll happen. But if it does, I will keep an open mind. I'm not going to immediately assume he's going to lie. That's because that would be ridiculous. But my gut tells me that. That would be my opinion. That's why you have to always kind of push back on our own confirmation bias. It's kind of like wishing that Trump and the country would fail because you hate Trump. Shouldn't we all have hoped that he would be exactly what they said he was going to be? Yes. Anybody honest would be like, well, I hope he is. I hope he's this amazing person that's going to save us all from the bad guys. But then the reality is clear, right? So my point is they keep towing this line. Just notice that when it comes to corporate media, Fox, CNN, all of them. Two days later, authorities said air and water tests showed it was safe. So two days on February 8th, they said, no worries. You're safe. Everybody come back to the town. But this announcement surprised. And now this is yet another independent expert on the ground. Andrew Welton, a professor of civil engineering and environmental and ecological engineering at Purdue University. We have Texas A&M, Purdue University. We have, I think, it's just, I'm going to forget all of the top of my head, but at least four or five independent groups now that have been here and telling you that they're finding the opposite of what the EPA is saying. And yet still, somehow we're going, I don't know. Let's, let's debate this on Twitter. There's no debate to be had. You have a lying government agency who's been lying and been shown to be lying since 9-11 and before. The groups they work with are always the ones caught lying and covering up. And then everybody else finding exactly what aligns with what the people are dealing with. Think about how ridiculous that is. Quote, many statements by government agencies were being made about safety, he says. This is his quote from Purdue. Quote, the air is safe, the APA said. The water is safe. Your homes are safe. But they weren't actually sharing a lot of data, Welton said. And that raised a lot of red flags, do you think? Welton is, the lead, is leading a team of 20 facility or faculty, staff, and students to independently test the water and soil in East Palestine. They have visited the site four times during February and March and collected, collected more than 300 samples. It says, when we went there, we were shocked at the scale of contamination that was still flowing around the creeks that wasn't all contained. So we're also being told, by the way, that they have this contained, right? That they have this boxed off and all that. This is just flowing freely through the, for the creeks and all over the place. And this, his point is he's shocked that that's the case. Now, why would he be shocked? If, if, well, if the, if, because it's the opposite of what the EPA is saying is happening. That's why. That's how simple this is. He testified before the U.S. Senate, accusing government agencies of failing to test for carcinogenic, carcinogenic, carcinogenic chemicals. The point is that even these people, these people are even openly telling this to the, to the U.S. Senate, to the government. So why is nothing happening? Like you'd think if it was this obvious and they could just go, oh, well, the EPA is saying one thing and you got all these people doing it. Let's do a definitive open. Th no, nothing. They say these things and nothing happens. Like when they testified about the Clinton Foundation, all the evidence and then nothing happens. It's like it's a show to make you think something's going on. I mean, otherwise, how do you explain this? If they're not testing for what you know is possible, why wouldn't you call this out? Why wouldn't you see this exact conversation day in and day out on every mainstream channel? Because we know we are being lied to. Quote, there are unaddressed acute health risks in the community that were not being tested for, says the expert from Purdue. That just happened again. That is so, oh, there, it came back. See, what, what you just saw right there is my new app working well. <laughs> I love it. So Fox just arbitrarily refreshed the page, which I do, it's not just, there's no convenience there. That is an effort for them to keep their content updated so you can't save an old version on your, on your browser. 
So when they change things every 10 seconds and don't tell you what, it just updates automatically. That's my opinion, but I think it's pretty clear. Anyway, he's saying there were unaddressed health issues. Linda Murphy, who has lived in East Palestine for 25 years, tested positive for vinyl chloride. She lives 2.8 miles from the crash site. How, you know, that's, that's almost two miles outside of the area they said was the danger area. The nurse handed me the results and she looked at me and she just said, I'm really sorry. You know why? Because the nurse knows what that really means. That's not something that will just go away. That is a long-term cancer-causing problem if it's in your body. We went over this in the beginning. Now realize, by the way, this is not the same story we pointed at before. Linda Murphy is testing positive vinyl chloride here, March 22, 22nd. This one is from April 3rd. We're talking about Shelby Walker testing positive for vinyl chloride in her urine. Now, Shelby Walker is also, I believe, being discussed in this article, but this is not just one person. We now have Linda Murphy and Walker and plenty of others who are literally in April testing positive for vinyl chloride in their urine. Now, think about what that means, by the way. Your urine is being passed. That means vinyl chloride is still present in the environment for you to continue to pass it in your urine. I mean, guys, I can't be the only one recognizing this. Now, I'm not saying that I'm in independent media. I know there's plenty of people pointing this out. But where are all the people, decision makers? And the fact that nobody's doing anything needs to show you this is so much bigger than two-party politics or whatever we believe this runs this country. They don't care. The nurse handed me the results and said, I'm really sorry. She says, quote, I hope Norfolk gets their pockets out and builds us a cancer center. So that's what they're now asking for. Build us a cancer center. Is that somehow going to make it better? I mean, she, I'm sure she doesn't think that. She's just probably just going, well, I'm screwed anyway. You might as well pay for my cancer center, which I doubt will actually happen. Walker was one of the first residents in town to receive a vinyl chloride test. Walker said she and her husband both tested positive for vinyl chloride. That's three people now. But her doctor, doctors are still researching the full scope of what the test results mean. Walker said she still feels sick more than two months after the toxic train wreck, suffering a recent bout of temporary blindness. My God. <laughs> I mean, it just feels like you're living in a bizarro world, man. Like nobody wants us to, nobody wants to believe that we live in a world that works like this or a government that we're, or a country that they, people, people, she's literally going blind and they're, they're still debating whether it's even happening. Quote, I went like three days and I couldn't hardly see anything. I had to call off work. It was horrible. This was just been recently, probably within the last three to four weeks. Welton said he became sick. This is Welton now. We're referencing, oh, the, the one, the Purdue tester. Welton said he became sick after testing the chemicals on site. Oh, that's a familiar story, right? Suffering headaches in two days. He had two days of headaches. You know, who else did that? Oh, that's right. Seven of the 15 CDC investigators also fell ill in March after looking at what was there. And they all go, maybe it was fatigue. Literally not making that up. Oh, I think they tagged the CNN report right here. How this is how insulting. They just they, they nobody should have even made this argument. Fifteen people from the CDC show up two months after this happened. Seven of them get sick, nausea, vomiting, headaches. And they go, well, maybe they were just tired. Not clear what caused the investigator's symptoms, CNN, CNN considered, whether chemical exposure or something else like fatigue. They actually wrote that down. 
Now, sure, it could have been anything. Right. I mean, it could it could have been radiation poisoning for all. Well, who knows? Right. We could just guess into the wind. But instead of going, maybe it's something. So when's the last time seven people of the 30 man team or a 15 man team all simultaneously got the exact same symptoms, none of which are even aligned with fatigue? Yeah, I got I ran a mile and then, you know, or that, that actually might work. But I, I was super fatigued and I got nauseous and headaches and vomited all simultaneously. Like it just seems wildly insulting. At least 20 Norfolk Southern derailments since 2015 have involved chemical spills. I actually didn't know that. Another Norfolk Southern train derailed Saturday in Jasper, Alabama, hospitalizing two crew members. I'm going to show you a few of them I've been seeing. Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw told lawmakers in a hearing last month that the company will provide long-term financial support to the community. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, okay, so like the way they keep framing this is if they're, they should be praised for this. Not that this article is doing that, but this is how they keep framing this. Oh, they're doing such a great job. It's long-term financial support is meaningless when at every turn they're lying about what's happening to you. They're denying that you're sick. And in, in reality, barely helping anybody. The money they've given is broken down to pennies in regard to what's actually happened. And they say including support for potential long-term, long-term health issues and property value impacts. So they're clearly acknowledging that there are obviously long-term problems that people are asking about, as well as issues about the property. Now it says, quote, as far as testing and guidance goes, we're just not getting the answers. Now we're going on month two. The answer's still not there. Funny how when the EPA talks to the media or Norfolk or whoever else, they say, well, we're engaging with the media and engaging with population. We're giving everything they need and we're giving them testing and we're giving them money. Anybody you talk to on the ground is going, I have no idea what's going on. Since the day this started to right now, we are not getting answers. Literally every part of what they're saying is happening is being contradicted by everybody on the ground. I shouldn't say literally, you know, of course, <laughs> that their EPA is present. No one denies that. The point is that most the important factors of this narrative, it's important not to be hyperbolic. The important parts of this, whether they're sick, whether there's a problem, every part of it is being completely contradicted by their symptoms, their testing, everything. She said the EPA has given her inconsistent information. Well, that's obvious. Not just inconsistent, they're lying to you. Quote, we have a flyer from the EPA. This is actually very telling right here, guys. This tells you everything. They got a flyer from the EPA that says that results from the sampling to date this is the soil sampling, he says, have not shown any cause for concern. This is Murphy from Purdue University. He then adds, what was interesting was when this was given to us, they then told us they didn't even have soil samples back yet. Digest that. So they're telling the people in the town and even writing it out on a flyer. We've gotten soil samples. There is nothing to be concerned about, right? Then they turn around to the Purdue people and say, we haven't even gotten samples back yet. Right, because they're lying to people. Well, it's for the best interest. We don't want them getting over upset or whatever nonsense, like with the COVID vaccines. Well, we just don't want people to be scared. No, you are lying to people for obvious reasons. Nothing's wrong, but we haven't even gotten the tests back. Rock and roll. A spokesperson for the EPA, of course, didn't address Murphy's claim that she received contradictory information, but reiterated to Fox Business that preliminary samples were not concerning and that the public will be informed if anything changes. 
Quote, there should be testing for years, long-term monitoring in terms of drinking water wells and the creeks. There are some longer-term issues that, there, that need to be addressed that officials haven't put on the radar. Walker and Murphy say they are looking to move if the rail company buys their property. That's a problem for me. I mean, I'm not going to begrudge them from taking advantage of whatever they think they can take advantage of because of where they are, but realize how concerning that is. Now, one, the point is that there's things they haven't even looked for yet. They know our issues. And now these people are suffering, and whether it's because this was all done to be able to steal all this land in a very important part of the agricultural part of the country, or it's just a byproduct that they're taking advantage and benefiting from their own mistake, either way, guys, both are possible. I hope they come and get us out of here soon, she says. I hope they offer to buy us out because we can't stay here much longer. We just can't. It's affecting our health. It's there. We have the proof that it's there, and they need to step up. I, I find it hard to believe that's going to happen. My gut will tell me, it tells me that they're going to wait. It's probably already time enough when nobody seems to be paying attention to East Palestine anymore. They're going to probably wait until barely anybody even knows it's like Flint, Michigan. They're going to pretend it's not happening. And then Norfolk's going to come in and offer them pro pro half of what it's worth. And say, well, take what you're going to get. And they're going to go, well, that's not fair. And nobody's going to be listening. That's how this works. Now, I'm not trying to be pessimistic here. I just think historically, this is what happens. Look at Flint. If you can really take a step back and realize that Flint, Michigan, to this day, still literally does not have the water that they said they were going to give to them, they don't have clean water. They still drink different water because of the lead-laden water at their faucet. Think about how ridiculous that is. Everybody cared when it was a political talking point. And then they just drifted to the next topic and they still, how much you want to bet East Palestine will be suffering from this for the rest of their lives because nobody's truly going to do anything about it. And on top of that, nobody's going to, because nobody did anything about it, no one's going to focus on the general background dioxin problem that this country seems to be overwhelmed with or PFAS or benzene or any number of very provably dangerous things they keep putting in front of you. Benzene is in all sorts of skin products and children's products, despite the fact that it's no question super dangerous. People are even writing articles now. How did that even end up in our stuff? Because they don't care about you. It's as simple as that. Now, again, people testing positive in their urine. And don't forget that this goes back. This was March 17th on The Guardian. Levels of carcinogenic chemicals near Ohio derailment site far above safe limit. That right there contradicted what the EPA was saying. And I guess nobody seemed to care. This is Stephen Dozinger saying, first test results for dioxins at the site of Norfolk Ohio train disaster show the deadly chemical at levels 14 times higher than what other states consider legal. Remember that? I mean, this is the reality. The EPA refuses to test for dioxins. And everyone seems to know this. Now, this is another interesting point where we've we already showed this, where folks are reporting that labs have stopped testing for dioxins. Now, I haven't confirmed what she specifically said. I tried. I was calling multiple locations, and it was super cryptic. It's, there's clearly something going on. But there is a follow-up to get into. I'll show you in one second about this exact topic. But before we get into that, the last two points here is, despite all that we just showed you, Norfolk Southern is coming out saying, we've reached a milestone cleaning up the site in East Palestine safely, thoroughly, and with urgency. EPA approved testing confirms impacted soil has been removed, and so everything's fine. And guess what? We're good. We're safe and thorough and urgent. And Norfolk Southern is the best. That's the sentiment here. That we're, that, that, as if no problem. And my point was, did you hear that? Just ignore all your symptoms, East Palestine, and illness, because they're just, they just hit a safety milestone. 
thoroughly and with urgency. So you must all just be imagining the bloody noses and rashes on your face and everything is safe. Thanks, EPA. It's just like, what an insulting post in general. When you're lying about people and gaslighting them and they're still being hurt and so many getting worse and you just come out and go, yay, look at what we just did. What do you mean what you just did? You mean partially and incorrectly cleaning up your disaster? Why do you think you should deserve any kind of benefit for that? How sad. And Andrew Welton points out, and so I was just referencing, the U.S. EPA now announcing expansion to water sampling for what seems to be a count for more plume area fallout. Well, what do you know? Okay, let me make sure I do this real quick. Now, ask. let me ask you this. If on April 27th, this far away from when this happened, suddenly they go, oh, wait, we're going to start testing even farther away. What does that tell you? One, that everybody in that area has been at risk this whole time and they either knew and didn't care or only just and or or they didn't know and they're incompetent. Meanwhile, everyone's safe only in this area. You're all good despite everyone getting sick and only now are they doing that. The point is we have been screaming about this problem so far away, miles and miles and miles away where we have sickness and all sorts of things we've shown and only now are they changing what they're doing. Not publicly mentioned, Chemicals released from the spill, he writes, were found upstream to the east of the site at wicked high levels in creek water. Sounds like he's from Boston, not just to the west. Here's EPA Great Lakes. Water sampling is expanding in East Palestine to include two additional priority zones. Like, so as you've been screaming, everybody's safe, don't worry, this whole time, and now you start testing other areas, what does that tell people? Like, sure, people can make mistakes, but how about until, instead of saying you're all safe and nothing's wrong, how about you just say, we don't know yet. You know why they don't do that? Because people get upset. They'd rather lie to you and then hide things instead of admitting that they don't know or don't want to tell you the truth. My, it's, just, it's just staggering to me. Now, the point of this, again, was the testing. That they're reporting that the labs have actually told them they're not allowed to get them. Now, I wasn't able to confirm this, but somebody did. Now, just to, just to be clear, I'm not a big fan of status quo in general for numerous reasons, not least of which was the horrific stance that was taken during the COVID-19 and attacking people that were covering it and then calling people to be censored during COVID. And then when they got censored, crying foul, showing you how clearly the whole thing spins around and it's not about partisanship, but some people care about that. But the point here is regardless of the opinion I may have about a certain outlet, good work is good work. Right. And that's how we should all look at it. But nonetheless, I wanted to point these two things out. This one is about leaked audio. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's leaked necessarily. Well, I guess it depends on who took this and we can read through that. The point is CDC urging doctors not to test East Palestine, at least according to one of the nurses for vinyl chloride. Multiple residents in East Palestine have shown vinyl chloride in their urine. Norfolk Southern claimed it vented and burned. And where was the, the main point here? I, I think I had this highlighted. Despite this, the CDC has urged doctors and medical providers in East Palestine not to test the sick, struggling residents for cancer-causing carcinogen. Leaked audio obtained by status quo revealed. There's nothing to test for. There's certainly a time frame. They're telling us it has to be done. Here, I'll just play it for you. So this is a, sec- a secret recording inside of one of these... Uh, uh, testing facilities. Here's what they have to say. There's nothing to test for. There, it, there's a certain time frame they're telling us it has to be done. 
But, but, but even if they're if I'm paying for it out of pocket, even though there's a certain time frame, why can't I still get the test just at a good? You know what? I'm going to have you talk to one of them. Okay. Okay. Wow. Right. So just in case it was too low, I mean, the point is very clear. They're saying, but there's a time frame. So the time frame is passed, right? So just like with COVID-19, these nurses are saying, here's what we're being told by people above us. That the only risk was in the very beginning, and that time has passed. So there's no need for this. He's going, well, I don't care. I'm paying for it. Give me a test. Wait, wait, wait. Let me go talk to my nurse. Okay. Why is that even happening? Why is there a resistance? What Your job is not to dictate. You know, my, If I want to pay for this test, do the damn test. Now, just to be clear, this point was about dioxins, right, specifically. But either way, this very clearly shows the same problem. So people are obviously testing positive vinyl chloride in their urine, so clearly there's a problem and we know that there is clearly a higher level than they're being told. It's still there. There's still a problem. So they're going, but we were told there isn't a problem, so we shouldn't test. So this is just roundabout conversation. It's they, the point is pay, we're paying do the test and the CDC is giving direction that you shouldn't. I mean, think about how crazy that is. And now they're getting resistance from this. Why don't these nurses stop and go, but wait a minute, why is this even happening? It's very, I think they're so afraid of being called conspiracy theorists that they just go along with what they're told. Or really, they're going to lose their jobs and get attacked and get canceled and all of that. Here's the next one. We actually just were talking to the doctors and I. So they have to go by whatever Mercy's telling them. Unfortunately, we're not getting answers either. Well, see, um, so we're not getting answers either. Like, so how, why don't these people realize this is political? This is me being honest. Um, the, the, I called up at Mercy Health up in Boardman. They told me that it's the CDAC guideline that I cannot be tested for it through Mercy Health because of their guideline. Okay, so, so if it comes out of my pocket and you're my healthcare provider, uh, then you guys are my healthcare provider. Why can't I pay out of pocket, even though that I understand there's a timeline for this, but I'm still being exposed because I'm 200 yards away from it? Why can't I have that test done if I pay for it out of pocket? Right. So they have not got the okay from higher up. See, we're just an office through them. I know they were. You guys, you know, right? We're not. We're not getting all the answers either. All we have been told is that Mercy, why? You know, the whole Mercy system. And you're right. It is everywhere. Mercy is everywhere. Why? Yes. Why are we getting answers? I don't know. I can't well, answer I, that. Here's, here's what I was told the same by this lady. CDC. Here's where the CDC also gave you guys that guideline not. So they all they said was that the CDC doesn't recommend it and that it now from just speaking with our doctors that are here today, they said that, you know, it has to go through who your provider is. So whoever your provider is, we could send them a message and see if I mean, but we can't do the testing here. We don't have. The no, I, I understand that. But can I get a prescription from my doctor from here to get that done? And I'll pay for it out of pocket. And, and that's that's what we just discussed. We would have to. Who do you see here? Amy. Amy. So um, she's not here today. So I didn't get to get her, you know, okay. her um, opinion or, you know, whatever, whatever she's I know it costs $600 about. to get it's, this done. It's very expensive. And I, yes. I don't care whether to pay it because the, the CDC is saying that there's a time frame mm -hmm. and the, I, I feel that they're holding us back from us because 
that we're going to test positive in our urine, and it, there's no time frame. I, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm, on, I'm not feeling the messenger no, at all. I know. We don't, we don't, we don't. See, I think the problem is that, you know, it's not his fault. You know, he doesn't, he's framing it. He's just being honest with them. The problem is the moment that you let these kind of people know that you are a conspiracy theorist as they see it, right? Oh, I see. He thinks the CDC is secretly trying to do everything changes. So the bottom line is it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. The point is they're being very clear. We don't control what happens. The CDC is dictating what you're allowed to ask for. You, even though you want to pay for it, the CDC higher ups are telling us we just can't do it. If you have ever seen a cover up in your lifetime, this is what it looks like. This is the most obvious thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I'm beginning to think this is more obvious than the COVID-19 discussion. I mean, my God, they're, they're, they're physically like the CDC at the top down is saying, don't let them test for the thing that's happening. We won't even let the EPA test for the accident. They still haven't even done that despite everybody bringing it up. I mean, I think this is the same point we're making with the fluoride trial that Derek Rose has been nailing to the ground, that they know what the report has found. And it's been four revisions. And every time the NTP comes back and says, we are ready for this to be released. And they just go, wait, we know the revision. Now they don't even do that. They just go put it on pause indefinitely. Rachel Levine, in fact, did that. They said, just pause it. Why? Because they know what it shows, that fluoride is dangerous, that it is causing problems for people's health, and they've been lying to us about it still to this day. And the report says that. In fact, the leaked report showed exactly that. It causes all sorts of IQ problems, and so they just pause the report. That's the level of corruption that we seemingly always had, but that we can see today. all the information this is all new to everybody you know so um but But see but see that's not it it kills me it's maybe new to everybody that there's something we're dealing with but testing for people who want a test because they're paying for it that's not new at all what's new is the cdc somehow sticking its fingers into the relationship between a doctor and a patient and saying we you're not allowed to test that specific thing because we said so because the time for you're just going to waste your money and time. Okay, well, it's not your choice. It's the ner- it's the hospital and the patient. It's obviously not about because the time has passed. It, it, otherwise, they would just do it anyway. I just don't see how some facilities smaller than Mercy Health is testing for it. Well, you got to, like, especially, like, here, we're not, like, a full-on lab. So, especially here, we can draw for blood. But, like, even when the doctors try to go in here and search up those tests, they don't come up in our system. If I, what if I went to the Mercy Health in LA downtown or Portland? They still want to do it, right? So they, I don't, we have all the same system. So I'm just telling you what our providers okay. just told me. When they go to search those up, we can't even find them in the computer. Jesus, right? Top-down control, right? Ron Boy says that makes a great point, right? But you know, free COVID tests and vaccines at every corner store, right? No big deal. Just take them anywhere. No consent needed. But we're gonna freak out about a very benign test for something we just don't want you to see, right? Because they care, right? It's just so painfully obvious. Those tests. Because I do have the codes for, I also have the codes for them. Right. Um, I did, you know, I did my research. Yeah, we've it. had quite a few. Trust me, we've we've had quite yeah, a few of you. And we can't. So the point is, she's admitting right there that uh, they've had a lot of people like me calling and or people from the town. So this is not some small one person thing. That's the great point she just made. It let out right there. They've got the whole town knocking their door down. And they're saying, nope, can't do it. 
computer. Now, will your provider write you a script and let you go take it somewhere else? That that's what we have to ask your provider. So I can I can send a message to Amy. Can you send an Amy message to Amy? But like you said, you have to understand that that's probably going to be out of pocket. We, I, I, we fully, have, I fully yeah, I will take that. We out have of no Jeez. no way no insurance. No, right, right. Thanks, Norfolk Southern. Thanks for paying for all the treatment. Thanks for paying for everything to make sure everyone's healthy. Remember that lie we just went over? Nope, sorry, we won't pay that one though. <laughs> So they're not doing everything that everybody wants. Of course not. I just need, I just need that prescription saying that I need to be tested for vinyl chloride. And, and that's what we can ask you. Okay. okay. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, like I said, I just need a prescription. I'll go find out where I get tested because yeah. I contacted and, and I had this problem like last time when I called up there and, and got the thing. The, they said it was CDC guidelines that you guys are not testing. And so I called the CDC yesterday, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to a lady, and she tells me, I said, can I talk to, um, because of the FAIR Act, you know, I, I, let me talk to somebody from CDC, because you, you can sit there and tell me that they, a reason they can't. They have to give me that information. You know, she did to me. She hung up on me. Oh. Wow. Now, obviously, we can't confirm that, but you know everything else he's been discussed so can just consider that possibility that to the level that he this guy reaches out to the cdc and he claims they just hung up on him when he's pressuring about that point what else do we need to see here now it says presumably the time frame um i think that was the gist of it oh here's another one God, i wish i don't know why this one's not working you know what it is? i think the sub stack has a weird like it highlights and then disappears anyway you guys need to hear all this the chemist went on to call cdc's recommendation to be flawed and uninformed at best negligent and cynical at worst in other conversation that uh Coza recorded mercy hospital dr jeffrey cohen who agreed with him residents should be getting tested for vinyl chloride told him that somebody said supposedly that politics is mixing in there and they don't want to be tested for these kinds of things because they're involved in a lawsuit oops Right, that's how this works. I, let me read this one. I think this is one I had highlighted before in regard to this second statement, flawed and informed. It says, well, not a smoking gun. The results strongly support the notion that these Palestinian residents have been subject to subject to sub-chronic uh, exposure to VC and VC de- uh, degradants from the soil, water, soil, and you know, as well as dioxins. Guys, I've even seen says Ku point this out. Like, I don't know why this gets a secondary conversation. It's obviously one of the most primary, even above vinyl chloride, as far as I'm concerned. Clearly, the urine test indicates continued exposure since February. That's my point, guys. It's near urine. It's continued exposure. These people are going to have cancer long-term problems. It would be helpful if urine TDGA was periodically tested to understand the trends of this exposure. And the point is, they, the chemist went on to say that it was flawed and uninformed. Then down here, we have the doctor telling you there's politics involved. So I'll tell you one other story about this. See, I contacted LabCorp. Okay. See, we're doing things behind the scenes here. And I said to LabCorp, we contacted a regular representative. Then I talked to the head of the uh, division for the, uh, he was the head of Ohio LabCorp. And I said, you know, we need, these people want to be tested. They want to be tested for something here. What am I going to test them for? There's vinyl chloride. There's this. Well, we don't have a test for this. We don't have a test for that. We don't have a test for that. And I said, well, what do you have to test for? Well, he said you can test for benzene. I don't know what that's going to get you, but you can. And you can test for vinyl chloride. They do have that. But, or ethylene chloride. Ethyl, or you want for vinyl chloride. I want, right? yes. Yeah. So you can do that. So I said, well, can we do that? How do we do this and this and that? Oh, I don't know. I'll have the president of the uh, chemicals division call you. Well, the president of the chemicals division can never call me. And then there was something about somebody said supposedly – 
that the, uh, the politics are mixing in there that they don't want to be testing for these kind of things because they're involved in the well, lawsuit. I, this is what I was telling her. I got down. Okay, that's a doctor speaking. Like, I mean, obviously he does not know he's on the record. But the point is, he's telling you that they are pressuring for politics to stop people for testing from for what they're finding. How else do you take? How do you understand that? This is an active cover up from the top, the highest level, in real time. On the EPA sitting there saying that they opened up too much at a time, uh, cleaning up these railroad tracks, and now they want to come in and do it on the north side in smaller increments because they're releasing too much chemicals in the air. Yeah. Then I also have you on there saying when they came into our home, they're testing at point one VOCs. Okay, that's not sufficient when they're in the billions. You know right, what I mean? Right, so- exactly. I mean, so this guy's clearly done his research. The point is they're testing just like what plenty of experts have said for VOCs at levels that aren't appropriate. I mean, they're actively trying to hide this. So, so they're saying that it's safe. Yeah. We have to Do you have no to Yes. Them? Okay. They're ready to check in. Oh, okay. So, the, so they're saying that, um, you know, the, the, the test at 0.1 VOCs is not sufficient. I got the, the guy from the federal EPA saying this to me. He, we had a unity. Right, right, I understand. They're saying that it's unsafe. The point he's making here is that the, he, the, the EPA itself is telling him that it's unsafe. And then it, and then when it's confronted with the fact that it's showing that, that here, this is what I'm dealing with. It, nobody seems to care. So there's really no question here. They know they're hurting people. They know people are still being hurt by this. And every level from the CDC to the EPA and the HHS, most likely involved with this. I mean, I'm only saying that because of the fact they shut down the fluoride conversation. It's the same kind of direction. But what we can prove, EPA, CDC, on the record, Norfolk Southern, actively hiding information. Now, it shows shows here that the, the reporting... The test reporting limit at 0.50, but it was 0.61. You know, it's it's very clear what's going on. And most of the stuff that down here was the same stuff we just read from Fox, that people are suffering with hot coughs, headaches, shortness of breath, fatigue. I mean, just, you know, it, it, tell me if you think I'm wrong. I've never seen something this blatant. I shouldn't say never. COVID-19 is the full same thing. But here is a video uh, in, from with Aaron Brockovich. It says she's saying, and I'll just read it to you. You can watch it for yourself. She's saying when you're transporting hazardous chemicals, what aren't what that weren't on a manifest? Right now, remember this point. I think is very important. I keep making this point from the very beginning. The weird information blackout until Tucker started covering it the same day we did because I haven't even heard about it until somebody put it in front of me. In fact, well, technically, I heard about it a few days before, but it was things there was I was busy and I wasn't aware of what was happening just yet. And I, and I, I jumped in to cover it the same day that Tucker and others did. But that was 10 days after this was really even being discussed. Nobody was even pointing at this. And on top of that, they had the Ask Rail app. Remember, I've been, I went over this in depth. I proved that Norfolk Southern specifically instituted this before this happened. And the, the app was supposed to give them instantaneous access as first responders to what was on the train. Still, nobody seemed to know what was going on. Even 10 days later, there were still disputes about what was on the train, right? So the point is, why was that happening? Why were there things on this that weren't on the manifest? Why were there things that we don't know? Because I feel that there was something else happening here. National security, who knows? But I, I don't know. The point, I'm just theorizing. The end of the day is, something's going on. She says that or the, the tweet says that are more dangerous than you're going to than you're going to let anyone know what a better way to get rid of it than blow it up. 
And she talks about the controlled burn and all the st- most of the stuff we already talked about. But it's clear that people are beginning to see this, but we're being directed into, you know, pushed in another direction. There's so, there's so much going on at this point. People are getting distracted. Now, another point I want to get into on this that I think is pretty concerning. Toxic Free Future is writing about a new investigation following Ohio train derailment uncovers the largest polluters of vinyl chloride in the United States and the far-reaching toxic impacts of PVC plastics. Polyvinyl chloride. You know, the pipes, the, 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 the PVC pipes that we use, right? The point is, it seems that there's this effort to act like we're changing everything and we're going to remove the lead piping that we've been using still all this time. Uh, until right now, right? Because that makes sense, even though we've known it's dangerous for how long now? Because clearly they care about you, right? Well, I just had to wait for the Great Reset to justify the, re- the rebuilding. But the point is discussing PVC pipe. So just trading one problem for another. Because you can prove that, one, it is clearly dangerous. That if you're using it for water and so on, that you do have things that come off of it, including dioxins and all sorts of other problems. And you can also prove that they know that. And yet here we are. Five companies collectively produce more than 10 billion pounds of vinyl chloride in the U.S. Now, this is one of the reasons you have things like the Arctic discussion with the Inuit communities that are 500 kilometers in any direction away from any form of dioxin, yet are still having dioxins in their breast milk at high levels. It's because of the air coming from the United States. Let me see if I can grab that. There it is. And read this for yourself. I went over this on a recent show. From the year 2000, long-range air transport of dioxin, which again shows you they've known this risk for a long time. And yet now they act like, what's dioxin? What, what are we not testing for? We're not even sure. Trust me, they know what this is. And the North American sources, right, from North American sources to vulnerable receptors in the Nunavut Arctic Canada. The point, is, if you can read through this for yourself, is these women are having high levels of dioxin, dangerous levels, in their breast milk, despite being 500 kilometers from any dioxin-producing point. And then even further away is the United States, and the air transport sends this up to them. But yet we're debating whether it can go three miles away from East Palestine, right? They know better. It's ridiculous. And since I point that out, I might as well point out the other CNN article just to give you some time frame on how long they've known about this. This is from 1995. Dioxins may be creating larger problems down the road. The bottom line, it's saying, from reading what you found, the doses of dioxins in hamburgers, chicken, and pizza are already higher than what EPA says is safe. Yep, in 1995. And he says, right, that was a surprise to us too. And what he says is, the a- every day is, a- is average Americans and the fast food that we eat. It's saying we estimate after the calculations, Big Mac, Pizza Hut, and so on, that they give you Kentucky Fried Chicken eight to 150 times more dioxins than the EPA feels would be a reasonable level. In 1995, your average fast food, but yet we just, nobody got, just got buried. Nobody seems to care. And the point was, that I wanted to show you on this one. Where is it? Right, uh, right there. They're telling you, as dioxins becomes airborne, like with a you know uncontrolled burn, it travels thousands of miles away. They know all of this. They just don't care. They're banking on you not knowing it. That's the reality. Now, my point in this is that that's why that goes all the way there, and they know that. They don't care. 
And now they're talking about using this for the country's water supply. Now, I'm just going to well, I'm going to read through. You can read through this for yourself. It's just it's a overview of the risk of what's been going on. Um, and somebody's asking if Odyssey. No, Odyssey looks like it's working, but Odyssey's pretty finicky. Someone's saying Odyssey went down. But on top of all that, guys, there seems to be these, you know, and trust me, this is not some normal thing. Even if the numbers they tell us about 1,700 a year are, nor, are, are what is, is true, which it seems that shouldn't be acceptable. That's ridiculous. That means they don't care. If that's, that's many, many that's, I forget what the breakdown was. What is that? More than 100 a month, right? That's crazy. That's absolutely lunacy. But even with that number, what we've been seeing, and, the, and that, that includes like small derailments, right? We've been seeing high-level major derailments with chemical spills at unprecedented levels, truly. Now, these are just a few of them, understand. I've been, I can't even, there's so many I keep seeing, people keep putting them in front. A major train derailment occurred in Ferryville, Wisconsin. Train cars have entered the Mississippi River. Oh, I think that's the one I just added at the end, too. It's from April 27th. Yeah, that's this one here. It's going to end with the more recent ones. I didn't know. I thought, I thought this one was older. Either way, spotted floating downstream. Now, I haven't even had the time to dive into this. My point would be is I'm going to point out the Richmond thing, which we just recently covered. I bet you every single one of these locations or every single one of these chemical spills or every single one of these fires are all equally problematic. And that just shows you the ubiquitous nature of the problem they're just running from, apparently. But my point is, it's just floating in the river. Who knows what's going on there? And how do we even know we can trust? We know we can't trust what they're telling you. And again, what do you mean the contents are unknown? How is that even possible with what we keep getting told? <laughs> Probably just another cover-up, guys. Hazmat teams are responding to the scene to assess any potential hazard. Update number two, there are unconfirmed reports the derailed cars that ended up in the river were carrying lithium-ion batteries and paint. That's not a good thing. Guess we'll just have to wait and see, huh? Well, this one is from April 15th. Half-mile radius. Shelter in place has been issued following a large chemical plant fire. <laughs> Look at that. This is Georgia. Brunswick, Georgia. There's been a large chemical plant fire, which I can guarantee you is causing all sorts of cancer-causing byproducts, probably dioxins, and who knows what else. Emergency officials have issued a shelter-in-place order for half a mile radius as numerous firefighters and agencies battle the flames. Adhesives, glues, even food products. I mean, I can, I'm, will guarantee you that there are going to be things in there, chlorinated products that will cause dioxins or any number of other problems. It's not just about dioxins. That's just one that is a huge and high-level problem that's ubiquitous. And maybe that's what all these are about, hiding these things in the background. Train-carrying hazardous materials derails, derails in Maine. This one doesn't seem to be an immediate problem, but who knows? But it's a serious one. The one we just recently covered in April 13th was Richmond, Indiana. And this is a serious one. As I said in the title, this could be worse than, than Ohio. Uh, Brock West broke this down in a clip recently for, for Rumble. For some reason, Odyssey is not letting him upload them. I don't know what's going on there. We'll get that back in a minute. But check it out for yourself. It's an important little breakdown. You know, this is very concerning. Now, what we go over is that this is a big deal. It's, I mean, as you could, this was a plant or a, 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 a recycling plant that had been 
unused for a while, but there's been a changing of hands. The the local government's involved, the individual involved with this, and it's it's I, I went, it's it's a mire. This whole the whole thing of just lies and changing and 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 pointing fingers. The bottom line is it is covered in plastic. And I can guarantee you, it even showed you what they it verifiably have, that this is a dioxin nightmare. They, the whole thing is burning and burned for days. and Or at least it, they, it could have burned for days. I think it actually ended up like one day. But either way, it's a wild and obvious problem. And what I thought was pretty embarrassing is this is what they, they were getting told. EPA experts, right? Plastic fire, plastic factory. West Virginia been on fire for five days. Well, this one, and just so we're clear, this is not the same point. But this is the, the EPA, a plastics factory. So I can promise you there are dioxins being produced. And what do they tell you? It's been on fire for five days. They say no one knows the health impacts. Oh, you mean the EPA, who very clearly knows, as we can prove in numerous points, that there is clearly a problem, or that this can cause dioxins, or that can spread, or the fact that they know all sorts of overlapping issues? But no, apparently, no one knows. We're baffled, guys. We're baffled about the brain problems. We're baffled about the heart attacks. We're baffled. Who knows? Does anybody know? What is a dioxin? Who even knows? Like, this is just stupid. Yes, the EPA knows what the health impacts are going to be. They could give you all sorts of examples of what plastic burning can cause. But uh, we don't know. Probably nothing, though. Go back to sleep. Now, this one is a post from Slow News Day. Stephen uh, Dozinger points out, Industrial Inferno at a plastic factory in Indiana. That's the one we were talking about. Thousands evacuate while the EPA is claiming no harmful toxins have been detected. No joke, guys. That was a lie when they said it in Ohio after the train derailment. We know better. That's how obvious this is. Carrie Payne points out the EPA also said the safe air was safe after 9-11. Remember that? We do. EPA misleads on air quality after 9-11 attacks. But I guess they just get to keep lying to you because that's, the, that's their job, apparently. But as Steve says, according to the EPA, breathing in dioxins or burning plastic is perfectly healthy. Nothing to see here. You're all good. My God, what a broken situation. Now, just if you want to follow up on this, here's the Cornerstone Trading Group, which is the group that was uh, responsible for the location in Indiana. And this is versus the Richmond Unsafe Building Commission. And what they, this is in 2019. So the main point is they knew this was a problem. They knew this was dangerous. And in two, from 2019 forward, just let it go. And then it just burns down. Probably an insurance scam for all I know. Who knows? But you can read through this and realize that they knew it. They're discussing it. It's just, obvious now here's another one by the way in moscow this is april 21st uh this is near moscow a plastic and rubber recycling workshop caught fire the air the area of the fire was 1.5 thousand square meters nothing to see here large-scale fire broke out in a plastic and rubber recycling plant (laughs) i guarantee you this is causing a problem here's another one April 21st, New Jersey town residents must be ready to leave ASAP as EPA cleans up mysterious chemical barrels. (laughs) How much you want to bet they've been there for a decade? So why now? There's something going on, guys. 400 rusting abandoned drums. Yep. Oh, my God. Look at that. For decades. (laughs) I didn't even, I just, this was one I found right right before I went live. Uh, Let's see. 
any case, the point is, guys, I don't know if these are all connected, but it's very obvious that there's something going on. And, and why nobody seems to focus on the real issue is up for you to decide. Now, let's get into the drag, the, the transgender discussion. Sort of a disjointed transition here because I, did, I these were technically on separate shows, but I wanted to make sure we talked about this today. Now, really, the point we should make here as we you know, get a, end the, the East Palestine part of this is just how obvious it is that the government is involved in outright deception. You know, not just, you know, well, we think we can lie for, the, for you know, to do, you know, for, for positive reasons, but th- this is hiding damage. The government, the EPA, the Biden administration are actively keeping things from your view. Get this in the right spot. That overlaps with everything we're going to talk about. Whether it's transgender conversation, the point is if we know that they're willing to lie to you, one, to, to cover their asses, but two, just to, to achieve an agenda, then what's bigger at this point than all of the identity politics and the way they're, and what they're using that to achieve? So just we need to recognize how willfully dishonest these people are. And that goes from left to right. It's your government that's trying to divide you so they can keep dividing us, so they can keep lying, keep achieving their ends. Now, where I want to start with this, and this is just this disconcerting and irritating video of Kevin Bacon. I I don't know if this is his wife or that's that other actress. I don't even know. But the point is they're giving this weird, creepy dance. And the point is drag bands are bad karma. Well, good because there's no such thing as a drag ban just so we're clear what it is is a adult cabaret around children ban now do we did we know if kevin bacon is unaware of that does he care who knows the point is either they're completely so that they're so willing to just trust whatever news outlet or pundit told them this is what this is probably cnn or whatever else that they just they whoa they're they're fighting drag bands or no that's not what's happening Nowhere other than narrative is that on the record, what they're doing is adult cabaret and sexualization of children and stopping young kids from being able to take sex, you know, body altering drugs before they're aware of what's going on. That applies with literally everything else under the sun, except one of the most un, uh, what's the word? One of the things that are the not trans, least transient, but you know, so you can stop smoking cigarettes. You can stop drinking alcohol. You take the, you, you take gender affirming cares, they call it, which is absurd. You alter your body's hormones. You take these things, you cut yourself. There's no coming back from that. Not truly. And I'm going to get into that point to a degree. We've even played the clip of the individual speaking on the record saying that they're regret these choices. Now you could argue that's the exception to the rule. Certainly could be true, but doesn't that matter? Doesn't it matter that you could end up po- politically driving a child to make these choices because they think they're the right choices, but it's really just a fad and they get pressured from people to think there's certain things. Maybe they're just effeminate, right? The point is, no, 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 no. You're probably this. Here, take these, try that. That's what's happening right now. We all see that. And even they're telling you that because they're being, that if they're not given their correct things that apparently adults are deciding for them, then you're killing them. The blood is on your hands. Well, what blood are we talking about here? Right, so you're talking about a child who was born a certain way. And then you could argue that they have the the right to decide that or how they could change this or they can believe that. That's an opinion. It all comes down to opinion. But not giving them something that we've never had, you know, altering drugs is not blood on your hands. The opposite, in fact. 
the idea that somehow you're ruining their life by not allowing them to become what they want to become at a point when they barely understand what their life is going to be like is, is childishly naive. So when he says drag bands are bad karma, he's either lying for an agenda or lost in the illusion of propaganda because that's not what's happening. But he says right now, drag performers and the LGBTQIA+, which that apparently is the new thing. I mean, I just can't get past how stupid this is. So first of all, lesbians are basically being attacked by the trans community. So that's getting kicked off the whole thing. It's probably going to be GBDQ tomorrow. But then you got bi, which again, quite literally undermines the entire point. Bi implies there are two different genders. And you will try either one. But apparently we don't want to break the whole, anything matters and it's okay and you can be what you want, but you can't decide. Like, it's just so silly. Then it becomes trans, then I don't even know what QIA or plus stand for. It's completely lost on anybody else other than these complete political push. But it says, they need your help. Well, okay, this is the point, this illusion that somehow the trans community that have already gone through the process are under attack. No one's doing that other than the average amount of people that are attacking people because they hate people. That's true. There's always going to be people that hate black people, hate Asian people, hate trans people, going to be politicians and average people alike. That's never going to go away. But there always will be people that are with disgusting beliefs. But that is not what we're talking about. They're pointing at the children and acting like these children not getting what we've decided they're supposed to have is somehow an attack on our community. No, no, that's not what's happening. They are not even a part of your community just yet. You can argue that they believe something, but the point is we're, you're talking about trans individuals and how they're somehow being targeted and assassinated and attacked. Where's that happening? I mean, that's an honest question. Other than the equivalence of just any number of people in any group being attacked by people that don't like them. To argue that trans rights are human rights. Okay, this is again an illusion. Human rights are human rights, and everybody has them. Nobody's taking away human rights from anybody here. So this is all just about trying to frame giving children the right to alter and mutilate their bodies at a giant, a point when they, we won't even let them drive a car, smoke a cigarette, drink alcohol, join the military. But why? Because they don't have the ability to make that choice. But apparently they do this one. That we're going to let them do that. That's the argument. And well, I, I think I just lost my third. Anyway, the point he's saying, stop the six degrees of Kevin Bacon campaign supporting or shop that supporting the ACLU drag defense fund. You see, so this is such an illusion that they're now creating funds to defend drag queens, even though nobody's attacking drag queens. What they're attacking is sexualization around young children. It just can't get any more simple. And here's the point. Right here. No, and this is, uh, I believe this is from uh, uh, Rebel. Yeah, Rebel News. Drea, I believe. No one is protesting drag queen. Well, I mean, that's not true. Again, to be clear, there are plenty of Republicans or any people of any walk of life that just hate gay people or hate trans people and are using this to hide behind and act like that. That does happen. It's sort of the way they go, wink, wink. Ryan really means Jews when he says Zionist. No, I don't. <laughs> the point is, but that does exist. There are people out there that will hide behind that and say Zionist when they mean something else. That's not what I'm doing. Sure, question it though. You don't know. <laughs> you question everything. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't assume anything like that. But that's what they do. So when I come out and say, the adult cabaret situation around young children. They go, oh, he hates trans people. Well, no, you know that's not true. I am open-minded to anybody's percept, you know, personal choices with their own body, but you can't force me to do something. You can't force me to call you what you want me to call you. You cannot pretend it's okay to be around young children with sexualized content just because you're trans. That's the reality. 
Now, I always have made it clear I've got my personal opinions, both religious and otherwise. But that shouldn't really matter in the context of you have a right to do what you want with your own body. But she says, going forward, the point is the majority of people are not protesting drag queens. They are protesting the sexual indoctrination of children and the normalization of child grooming tactics. All of that is really, truly happening. You just publicly out yourself on the wrong side of history with this dumb dance and many in the LGBTQ plus community would agree. And that's the point I keep making is right now you have these, you know, it, it appears to be these hardcore Republican side of the pundits and the, the, well, let's paint them both separately who are now framing this as, you know, basically trying to go after the trans community as an entirety while hiding behind the idea that it's about the drag queen or whatever else. And it, truly, you can see that they'll come right out and say, these are all deviants and they're all disgusting. Well, you're a bigot. <laughs> now, maybe you could think I'm wrong, but at the end of the day, people have a right to go out there and be, do whatever they want with their own body. As long as you're not in, doing, you know, sexualizing children or doing anything to cross any lines that, you know, anyway, the point is it always comes down to breaking laws, violence against other people, and in this case, sexualization around children. None of that is acceptable, no matter what category you find yourself in. But my point was to go back to it, is that these people in this community, in our community even, will tell you this is wrong. Just like you can point out there are plenty of people in the black community that will tell you that the BLM is politi political and they're, that they're acting on... They're, there's a lot of that happening, but we all get the... Oh, oh, I forgot to do the other side. The point was the right... You do have a lot of these Republican extremists that are out there making this argument that these are all bad people no matter what. And this is just the, the obvious point that they're all driving toward. It's all grooming for children. I don't agree with that. On the other side, you've got the left community that is very clearly hiding the obvious grooming. Hiding, and that's not all left either. It's the same point. Hiding the grooming of children. Hiding the over-sexualization of children. Hiding the normalization of pedophilia. Hiding the mutilation of children's bodies that are being done because they believe in a political fad. All of that is real. But there is that middle ground on both sides. So I'm really glad she points Oh, and so it fills in the podcast. This image is undeniable. You're showing... The, the, them For people trying to pretend this isn't sexualized, they're the ones most likely hiding the truth. Here you can see a woman doing the splits in basically underwear with a tiny toddler in front of her. Same thing here with some, what, fake dildo on her, apparently, in front of all sorts of children and babies. Same thing here. Look, you got a young girl putting money in her G-string. That's, that's we're, we're, what, so we're not at a strip club? Same thing here. This is just not appropriate, guys. Why do you need to be doing splits and acting like you're in a stripper dance for drag street, for story time? Why do you need to dress up in this exorbitant look for story time. Why, the point is, maybe some people dress like that, but it seems to be the focus, doesn't it? There are a lot of trans people out there that don't dress in outlandish ways. Just like you point out, like the, you know, like in the 90s, there was like the heyday, the, or maybe like the 2000s, where you have a lot, the, 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 the gay community, there's all sorts of people in that community. People that look like the most rugged, manly men you'll find, and then the other side of the spectrum is the one that's super flamboyant, right? But that doesn't represent all of the community. And the point is that if all we ever saw was the wildly flamboyant and in-your-face sexualized people on the gay community and acted like that's everybody there, that's what this is. And then if we only saw those ones speaking with children, we'd be like, why is that happening? The point is there's a lot of people in the community like this that don't aren't wildly dressing up or even dressing up at all, for that matter. So why isn't that discussed? Because I know that there's a political game being played here. And she's right, 100%. But to make this clear... And again, that's why I was painstakingly going over that right there, is 
This point is very real. And I've been making this point for a long time. But it does not represent everybody in that community. But I do believe it represents to some degree whatever's going on here. And to some degree, the push to make that happen and hide the sexualization. As Christine Anderson points out, the next conspiracy theory becomes reality. I've been saying for some time now that the Rainbow Mafia, now again, I believe she's implying the political side of this and not the entire community, but the people pushing that, that political agenda, they're working on normalizing pedophilia and then decriminalizing it, finally bringing it under legislative protection from discrimination as sexual orientation. Now, whether or not you think that's happening, you can prove there are, what's that, what's that, the man, boy, man, love group, you know, whatever these groups are, the acronyms, that there are real groups out there fighting to argue this is just normal, this is just another sexual preference. Now, let me, let me look this, uh, while I'm looking, I'll grab you some of the articles I've written about this in the past, from the New York Times, normalizing this to, you know, Anthony Weiner and plenty of discussions. Okay, so just to get to the chase here, what she's saying is in Minnesota, an amendment was tabled, which aims at striking the following passage from the law prohibiting discrimination based on sexual orientation. Now, we just talked about the U.N. document, which is different, and we'll show you that next. It's the same game that's being played, all hiding it under the guise that it's, well, we don't want to discriminate against sexual orientation. What about the law? Which is like the U.N. or the WHO document. Suddenly they're just going, well, you know, the law doesn't matter where this specific situation's happening. Well, yeah, it really does. They says sexual orientation does not include a physical or sexual attachment to a child by an adult. In other words, pedophilia becomes a sexual orientation that we have to accept, but above all respect. That's what they're being pushed right now. And look, this is right in the documentation, and that's been striked out. It says it right there. How else do you take that? It's insane. It's wrong. It's disgusting. Here's the document, of course, for those that want to make sure, and you should, do your own research. Where was it? Right here. Just so we can see it. It's right there. Now it says, or having or being perceived as having a self-image or identity not traditionally associated with one's biology maleness or fail so very clearly overlapping this with the trans conversation sexual orientation does not include a physical or sexual attachment to a to children by an adult crossing that out right meaning that it does by not having it in there that's disgusting now here is the overlap oh here did i did that not pop up that is so weird you guys saw me type that in what just happened? Did it just not... No, was it right here? Oh, here it is. What? Oh, maybe it's normalization. Why did I open this one? I forget. Anyway. This is a another one that Brock just put together. UN normalizes pedophilia. And you can read through this for yourself. Oh, that's what it was. I was going to open up the... The document here. Let me just grab it. I think it's right here. So here, that is so crazy. I know I've written about, I know that article's in there. Maybe it's this one. Search for that. But here, grab this for you so you can see it. Where was that? 
Here we go. Is it the right one? Oh, wait, that's the wrong. Shoot. Oh, no, that is right. Well, sorry. I don't, I can't, like, it doesn't stand out for some reason. Let me do this. Dang it. Oh, well, I don't want to take any more time. So you got you guys, here's the show so you can break it down for yourself. I forget where it was in the show. These are all always in chronological order. So that's so I can make it somewhat easy for people to find. Oh, well. Look, at, make sure you read it. The point is, guys, that this is a UN document very clearly discussing the same point. I was hoping to find that in here. Now, the, I've written about two different versions of this. One is the, the New York Times trying to... Oh, you know, I should just grab that, to be quite honest. This will probably pop up, unless they've deleted it. There it is. I did a whole a whole piece on this. I can't believe it's not popping up here. Any case, not wasting any more time. This is the this is good enough since you guys can see the actual article. This is from the New York Times. Pedophilia, a disorder, not a crime. Obviously trying to I mean that's not true. At the very least, it's both, but it's obviously a crime and it's not something that you can disregard as a disorder, right? This is not something to the way that this is being framed is you know, it's it's like trying to argue that rape is somehow and you know, oh, it's just a sexual preference. No, it's not. It's a disgusting crime at the end of the day. So the point here is that yes, as they're striking this stuff out, as their their UN's putting out documents that's discussing how there can be a consensual sexual situation with a minor, it's obvious that this is happening, like beyond question. But that does not mean that everybody in this community, other than people doing stuff like this. Are part of that. Now, here are some experts telling you how this is being played, abused, how people are being abused by this system. But th this is an expert. Uh, here is his name right here. Dr. Michael Laidlaw is discussing this, this, this problem in his mind. Now, you can disagree. You can just listen to what he has to say, because I think this is a real problem. And I think this is you could argue that, that, that there are people that, you know, like, well, it's interesting to me is the whole gender dysphoria discussion was was originally how this started. Where it was like, well, people, you know, they have this problem, they need to fix it. And that just kind of drifted away and they go, nope, no, it's just a choice now. Now, even the, the, the uh, like, P, was it P, the, the journal, pediatric, journal pediatrics basically argued, no, it wasn't that, is it, an organization basically argued, well, how do we know if they're trans? Well, you just ask them. So we're not worried that they could be wrong. We're not worried that they could be politically in you know in, in invested because of some political discussion or because they see it on TV and they're being paraded around oh look how cool that is i want to be part of that community you have to know for a fact that to some degree that's happening why don't they care about that here's what he has to say Certified uh, endocrinologist practicing in private practice for the last 16 years. I've been studying uh, and publishing uh, in this area for the last five years, including peer-reviewed journals such as Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism and others. I also have a patient who is a detransitioner. I think it's important to note that studies have shown that desistance or growing out of this condition 
uh, of children by adulthood is very high, some 50 to 98 percent. I want to be sure before I give someone 50 to 98 percent. Now, I'll show you some studies that back up the, the discussion of suicide. But the point is that he's arguing in his research that 50 to 98 percent of people that go through this process either go back on it or regret it. Of children by adulthood is in uh, of children or growing out of this condition uh, of children by adulthood is very high, some 50 to 98 percent. I want to be sure before I give someone a very powerful hormone like insulin that they in fact have diabetes. What about cancer? Right. Think about his point. And see this, they will get, oh, it's so offensive. You can't decide to be, well, yeah, yeah, it seems you can, right? You can't, you are deciding what you want to be. The point though, is that he's saying, well, we want to know they have diabetes before we give them treatment for it, right? But I guess at this point, we don't prove this is the case. We just take them at their word. Like on one side of this, the idea is that you're somehow arguing that it's not their choice, that they're born this way and they have to live their way. But then at the same time, you're arguing, but that's not true. I can decide to change it tomorrow. <laughs> you can see how completely broken this thing is. Everybody seems to, but there's a political push behind this that I've never seen before. I think it's bigger. Maybe transhumanist discussion. There's a lot of overlap to this division, clearly. But we all and everybody that's honest with themselves can see how how at the very least this is a over the top agenda that is sweeping up anybody everywhere that goes out like, you know, the children that make mistakes that don't know and they don't care about any of that. You can't at the same time be able to choose and then also tell us that it's not your choice and you have to be given this treatment or you're going to die. Before we give any powerful agents such as chemotherapeutics or surgeries, we certainly want to have physical evidence uh, of this problem, such as biopsies or imaging. Now, the gender affirmative therapy treatment proposed by WPATH gives very powerful hormones and surgeries. On what basis? Where can we find the gender identity to be certain that these children will not desist by adulthood? Right. Can we use imaging of the brain? Or blood tests, genetic testing, are there other biomarkers? Now, this whole thing will be framed as offensive, right? Like he doesn't understand. He's so stupid and this is a racist or he's a bigot. There's literally nothing about this other than science. He's being scientific. Now that tells you something, doesn't it? Suddenly science is racist. Well, that's actually an argument they've made before. To ensure that we are correct, there is no such thing. The endocrine society put out you missed the point is he's saying there is no way to find out for sure which we all know other than just asking and that's what she says right here that we are correct there is no such thing the endocrine society put out guidelines in 2017 yeah. and they were very careful in the guidelines one to point out that the evidence was of low and very low quality and they also said in the guidelines that they have no idea how you identify which kids are trans and require this treatment. And then the American Academy of Pediatrics the next year just okay. leapt into that void and said, oh, oh, we'll tell you how you know which kids. You ask them. Prior to 2018, I had maybe one trans patient. But then there was another one and another one and another one. It wasn't until later that I started asking questions. Like now, the point is they're going to tell you that's because they were afraid to come out. But all of these statements, which we've all heard, do you know that? Right. What This is where it gets amazing that you have people that are screaming to trust the science or do your research. And yet you're going to take at face value a broad argument that literally anyone now coming out was already trans. They were just afraid to. Well, you don't know that. We know it could very, very possibly be that they've just decided to now because they didn't know it was an option. And all you keep telling them is it's totally an option. You get to choose. Decide for yourself. So they just go, oh, cool. OK, I guess I want to be a woman.
Is it actually because they would have ever thought of that beforehand? Do they need that? Like you're framing it as? And the point is when you bring it up and say, well, we don't know. They go, yeah, you're racist because they just were afraid to come out because of you. So the point is a subjective, broad stroke argument that can't possibly be every single person. And the point is these experts and doctors and government are all going along with it. That's how this works. When every other topic we're talking about. Like, wait, every single kid I send to the gender clinic gets put on puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones. Just, it was happening immediately. Every single one of them, without question, sending them, oh, you think that? Here are your blockers right now. Immediate. <laughs> it's, it's a huge boon. The industry is exploding. Money is a huge part of this, but I think it's something else too. The point is you're just pumping these things into kids at a point when you mean literally you're quibbling about letting them smoke a cigarette, but you're giving them hormone altering drugs that will change their life forever. How can you possibly think that makes sense? Even if you do, even if it's true that they have, you know, that some of these kids may actually have some kind of thing that, you know, however you want to frame it. Even if that's true, this still is obviously backward and not the way this should be done. This affirmative model of care has spread wildly. Oh, and I want to make that point about that word. I, I was meant to say it earlier. Is, you know, the idea of gender-affirming care. <laughs> I mean, the reality here is that that's so incredibly Orwellian. We're talking about, so you're telling us that the, the care you're giving them, despite them being born a certain way, is that you're affirming their gender, even though that gender can change if they just decide to, right? None of this adds up. It's not gender affirming. You are altering. I mean, this, this aside from narrative, this is body mutilation. Just like they will freak out about overseas and Muslim bad guy countries, but this one's okay because our narrative is different. In the last eight years. Now we have objective, unbiased, systematic reviews. These systematic reviews tell us the evidence for youth transition is poor quality and with very low certainty for benefit. Right, and this is the scientific research about who goes through it and what happens to them. Weird how the, none of that matters. In JAMA Pediatrics, there was a study reported from Northwestern University in Chicago. Patients ranged in age from 13 to 24 years. The authors concluded that mastectomy was beneficial and should not be delayed in youth. What led them to that conclusion? The finding that three months after surgery, the 36 patients were happy with their flat chests. They lost 9% of their surgical cases to 9% follow-up. 9%. In three months, it is absurd, meaningless to draw any conclusions after three months. This paper is indicative of the quality of research we have in this field published in our most prestigious journals. We have a serious problem. It's, Support the, same problem. it's the same problem we have in the COVID-19 conversation, right? The same lies being published in the high-level journals about the stuff they want to sell you. The bottom line is this is a problem, obviously. And it's, there are kids being eaten up and spit out by this process and you and the science is showing that they, they, and i'm going to get into some of it next and the point is you can argue all day long that that science is racist or science is bigoted but that's just a you are just stating something where's the evidence on one side you've got a peer-reviewed study that finds very clearly that a high level of people that go through this process commit suicide on the other side, you say, that's because you don't understand. That's because you don't, because you're racist and you're bigoted toward them. Okay, okay, probably in some cases, but prove that's what's happening, right? We can prove on this side the statements where they say, I made the wrong decision. This is not what I, and yet we still get this subjective narrative that gets 
coddled by the corporate conversation and just like every other thing we're talking about it is narrative versus fact that's the where we live today barely and you know and look it's not just left it's not one side guys it's the government left and right in their own unique ways in all these different conversations are all doing the same thing it's, I, I mean, I'm not going to get it to, but we could point out, as I often do, the other side of the coin, all the Republican things they do. But in this case, this is obviously a left-leaning problem. But in this one case, you can show, like I just showed, the right overcompensating and making this every single person is now a deviant, including gay people now. It seems to have broadened out, and they're just going after anybody. That, that's the problem. That's not even remotely everybody in the Republican side or anybody. You know, It's just the two-party illusion conversation, driving division, and making us all hate everybody except the government, apparently. Here's another example of testimony from Michael Ladlow. Same points. Hello, my name is Dr. Michael Laidlaw, and I'm an endocrinologist. Laidlaw, I'm a medical doctor who specializes in... An endocrinologist. That's important with what we're talking about. That's the most... It's the... That's the one we should be listening to. ...gland and hormonal disorders. I'm all for equality. But let me tell you that H.R. 5, the Equality Act, represents the biggest threat to children's health ever conceived of in a bill before Congress. The issue has to do with the gender identity provisions. Allow me to explain why these are so exceedingly dangerous. I became concerned about the issue of childhood gender dysphoria treatment when I learned about what our schools were reading to kindergartners and first graders about transgenderism. I became extraordinarily concerned when I learned how medical doctors were harming children with puberty blocking medications and high-dose hormones of the opposite sex. I became shocked when I realized that these medical treatments were based on little more than a child's self-identification. Right. That's crazy. You might ask, but there must be a blood test or a genetic test or imaging to know for sure that a child has a different gender identity than the sex of their body. Well, and remember, that's the important point to include, that gender dysphoria was how this got started. It's amazing how it can go from a, a disorder that needs to be helped to completely a choice. And it doesn't matter. Like, how? where's the science? Did we learn that? Or did they just shift the narrative? Yeah, I think you know. In fact, there's no way to know. There's no way to know if children will change their mind. Or if these hormonal interventions will one day be regretted once they cause serious and irreversible harm. Yet, dangerous hormones are being given simply based on a child's self-identification, the so-called gender identity, which cannot be seen or proved in any objective way. Children who have gender dysphoria or gender confusion deserve all of the love and care and help in the world, and they shouldn't be bullied or harmed in any way. Regardless of what you believe about children who identify as transgender, no matter what your politics, from a medical standpoint, the issues are quite simple. No child should be given puberty blockers for this condition. These powerful drugs stop normal puberty. They are not FDA approved for this condition. They can lead to sterility and sexual dysfunction. They can also lead to anxiety, depression, and delusions. See, that's one of the things I'm not even getting into today. No one's even talking about the obvious problems with what these things can do. Completely unrelated to the general point of why they're being done. Just the drugs themselves are dangerous. I mean, you know, nobody cares about that. It's just, you know, it's, it's all about the agenda today. They will inhibit normal brain development and bone development. No child should be prescribed cross-sex hormones, meaning hormones of the opposite sex. 
girls are being injected with high-dose testosterone. Boys are receiving high-dose female hormones like estrogen. These medications bring about serious cardiovascular risks, risks such as heart attacks, strokes, and deadly blood clots, and therefore should never be given to children. It should be obvious. Mastectomies of perfectly healthy breasts are happening to girls as young as age 13 and 14 in the United States. How can these girls provide informed consent as they are not fully mature adults? Right. How, how, do you, how do you have consent at all if you're not an 18 an adult? It's funny how just, you know, suddenly COVID vaccines and transgender, that will just make up the rules and you're allowed to do it there, but nowhere else. Why exactly? Because we decided. That's it. This should never happen. When I learned that the NIH had given nearly $6 million to four pediatric gender clinics in the United States and that there was no control group and no randomization as would be expected in a study. Right. That's your tax dollars that they decided of this type. I filed a Freedom of Information Act request with my colleagues to obtain the study records. While I was unable to obtain the unsigned consent forms for human research, I did uncover this absolutely stunning finding. In 2017, the principal investigator, pediatrician Johanna Olson Kennedy of Children's Hospital Los Angeles, lowered the age of cross-sex hormones again, meaning hormones of the opposite sex, from age 13 to age 8. Wow. Tell me, how can a little child consent to this? An 8-year-old, guys. Like, 13 is, is, you know, I mean, it's all crazy to me. But at least you could argue, well, I was 13, I was in high school, and, you know, you think you understand everything at the very least. An eight-year-old is chasing butterflies. An eight-year-old has no understanding of sexualization, and you are forcing these thoughts in their mind. How does that not lead to the sexualization of children? Because you have to understand, implicit in the conversation is sexual identity. Sex, that's what it's talking about. Doesn't matter how you can't split these things apart. What the whole premise is about your sexual identity. So the end of the day is you're talking to young children about their sexual identity. That's the core point. That's incredibly ridiculous to me. That is not appropriate. That is something between the parents and the child until the child is at a point where they can make adult decisions. Just because they want to make up the idea that somehow you're ruining their life because they don't get to choose what, what you decide they are able to choose. Like, this is so completely subjective. And it is hurting people. And again, the, my point has always been that if you have an individual, you're, you're, you're 18, you decide, you know what, I want to be a woman. Well, it's all still there for you. Just because you've argued, the point is it's, it's about a personal choice. I honestly, before all this, had never even heard of a child wanting to literally surgically alter their bodies like there's a huge difference between you know it's always been an option there's always been you know for discussions about things like this we've heard about this for a long time there's a big difference between just deciding you're a different gender and acting as such and then surgically altering your body that is what the change is and that is a horrifying thing that's happening how can they possibly understand the harms how is this permissible legally or ethically I'm very concerned that H.R. 5, the Equality Act, will lead to medical protocols like this one, funded by the NIH, being implemented all across the nation. This bill must be defeated. With this bill, other medical doctors will be forced to decide between their careers and their medical ethics. Just like with the injection. For me, there will be no choice. 
I will tell you very clearly and plainly, if I am forced as a physician to give these dangerous and experimental medications to children, I will not comply. Good for Thank you. you. Good for you, man. And that takes a lot of courage, right? doesn't matter whether you think it's a bigoted racist stance. To make that statement now and be the forefront of the conversation at a time when you know you're going to be attacked and canceled and protested and, you know, viciously, violently gone after like Riley Gaines. And then pr- they'll get praised for doing so, which is what happened, which is disgusting. The point is it takes courage to do that. It takes courage, even if you think he's wrong, to stand passionately behind what you believe in at a time when it's difficult. It's not courageous to go out and stand with the trans community when literally everything everywhere is pushing that direction. It's not, that's easy. Think about that. Now, to show some of this, the, the, the study and the discussion about this, here's BuzzFeed News, which is, this. I'll show you the study next for everyone to free. Oh, Republican. Half of transgender teen boys have attempted suicide, according to a new study. About 50% of transgender teen boys have attempted suicide at some point in their lifetime. And that's just one of the alarming numbers that, about trans youth revealed in this study. By contrast, and what the, the study actually says 14, by the way, but I think this is a, a 14 is probably the average of the two. But it's saying, by contrast, 17.6% of just cisgender, so normal female women, attempt suicide. 17.6. Along with 9.8% of normal men. It's just funny. People probably take issue with normal, whatever. The point is that this is dramatically different. Dramatically. So, you know, so 17% of women, for numerous, for varying reasons, try or commit suicide, right? Or better yet, to compare that to 9.8 of men, whereas 50% of transgender men, or specifically teen boys, which shows you the point, take their lives or try to. I mean, guys, that's a that's five times the suicide risk. But we're going to pretend like that's not a problem. Well, for those already, you know, here's the study itself. For those who want to see the study, pediatrics, the American Academy of Pediatrics, not something you're going to dismiss. Except they're going to, if they don't like it, well, it's, it's probably done by a racist bigot. Just that's easy just to dismiss things you don't like. But nearly 14 percent of adolescents, so in general, have a previous suicide attempt. So that's your baseline, 14%. Female to male adolescents reported the highest rate of attempted suicide, 50.8%. Followed by adolescents who identified not exclusively as male or female. So what are they called? I don't even know. That's the, the whatever, the people that are just like, a, 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 what is it? Se- asexual? That's 41.8%. But male to female? Almost 30 but either way, 14 to 30% is a huge jump. It's times two. So the idea that you can twice, you could double your risk of suicide just by going through this process, that's what the study is finding. But if you're going, if you're becoming a male, you are having five times the risk. Or give her actually, no, it's more like four times the risk. Why doesn't that matter? Explain for me why the average person on one side of this, and that includes people that are trans that haven't gone through the for the process are 14 percent but then once they do you become a if and you're becoming a male you have a 50 percent chance of committing suicide is that because they're being bullied 
Well, that's certainly once an argument that we made, but I don't see any evidence that that is like the point is that is a statement that's made. Now, I could I would be almost willing to guarantee that they probably get bullied more than most. But you don't just get to assert that as if it's fact, just like they do with the Bayer system and all these overlaps. That is a huge issue. These are teen boys we are talking about. And I don't think they seem to care. Maybe that's a whole point. Now, on that same note, this is this is a transgender person who is having a complete emotional meltdown. Rather, I'll just let her explain for herself. And then you ask whether this is the kind of political, emotional, like schizophrenic break that we are seeing because of all of that together. The politics, the push, the agenda, the government, and the fact that this is actually unhealthy. For people that aren't, you know, like, again, I, as much as people may disagree with this, what I think is unhealthy is the people that go through this process because they think it's cool, because they think it's a pro- like, oh, if I'm being really honest, I think it's unhealthy for anybody. That may offend even some people in our community. That's just my opinion, though. I will always maintain that I think that you have a right to make your own choices. And I do think there are people that have made those choices that aren't completely lunatics out there pushing gender politics. I know that, in fact. But I just, I just feel like it's important to be honest, and I do think that's the case. I think this is unhealthy. But at the same point, or to that point, this is exactly what I'm talking about, where you have these people that are, you know, being, it's converging on all sides. And it's possible that this person was only stepping into this because they thought it was the, they thought they had the right to choose this. And here's what she's telling you she's upset about. Imagine being trans and trying to go get your medication. I literally walk up there, the the lady on the phone is like, oh, can I have your last name? And so I give it to her. She's like, oh, okay, I'll meet you out there and I'll give you your prescription, right? Okay, so before she goes forward, just to be clear, this person doesn't look like an outward, like an obvious outwardly trans person, right? Sometimes you could just tell. But I, this person is just you. It's it's an androgynous looking person, right? So either way, how in the world is this person giving her medication supposed to know this? Supposed to know what she's supposed to be called. So I'm waiting, and she comes out, and then she says, "Oh, is this for?" And then she says my dead name, and I'm like, "My name is Rylan," and she just looks at me. And then she puts the medication on the table and shuts the door and locks it behind her. Right. Okay, so let's break this down. So you go into a place where they don't know you. You go and ask for your medication. She comes out and says, reads on the bag. Is this this name? And you say what your name is. They hand you the bag and go back in their office. That has got to be one of the most benign exchanges I've ever heard. The only thing that happened is that you somehow expect people to what? Be psychic? To just uh, to just assume that you're like the whole idea that we're supposed to tiptoe around whether we're supposed to gender before we actually talk to people. That, that, that breaks conversation and language. That's ridiculous. How about we realize that not everybody's saying, hey, man, is out to offend you. And out, how about if they are who too bad? Be a grown-up and realize that not everything that offends you is the end of the world. That's called the real world, guys. People are mean. Things are tough. The reality is not this everybody gets a ribbon for participation world. It is the exact opposite. That's why nice guys do finish last, guys. The reality of the world is that hard work almost always doesn't give you everything. The truth of what we've been taught is all about keeping people like this in line. 
it's just this is she is emotionally there's a I would argue unless this is all being put on just to make TikTok views that this person is emotionally broken and that they are so overwhelmed with this that this makes them lose it because somebody said what their name was without knowing that they're supposed to be called something else. It's just this is this in my opinion this is this is a mental problem. Now the rabbit hole points out and this is the the study here more than half or the the article more than half of moms of boys with gender dysphoria or rather I would argue that what they're talking about is just trans people have their own psychological issues according to a research to resurface report. It's very interesting. And as writes 53% of moms of boys with gender identity disorders so I'm assuming that means boys that become women, I guess, but it says had been diagnosed with depression or, or BP, BBP compared to just 6% of the control group. So six people that don't have boys with ide- gender identity issues, only 6% have depression or other psychological problems. But the boys with gender identity issues it just so happens that 53% of those moms have mental issues. It says, additionally, 44% sought psychiatric help for depression at some point in their life. So 53% of moms with gender identity children have depression, and then 44% of those have psychiatric help because of it. So the point, as he says, it seems Jordan Peterson was right about devouring mothers. The point is that you, there's something we can't miss here. That there is a problem, likely political in nature, that is driving people to, I mean, we have to realize that whether left or right, that the politics of this government are breaking people on the left and the right, mind you, literally causing people to have breakdowns, carry out shootings. People are breaking. And now we've added a genetic chemical into the mix that seems to be actually causing mental problems. But either way, it's an interesting overlap. It could be correlation. Maybe maybe more to it, but I think it's a fascinating overlap to consider. Now I was going to go over. I'm just going to make some points on it. I'm just I'm I'm going to have to get out of here soon. But this is an interesting point to make about Montana's transgender representative Zoe Zephyr was silenced by the state the House's Republican Speaker. Now the interesting part about this is what this breaks down to is the same thing we saw here. So we've got a representative, whether trans or not, who is breaking decorum. Now, you can argue, maybe you believe that's the only way to get this done. But there's a there's just like I'm showing for the podcast is we have the people from Tennessee, right, who essentially first got removed and then brought back. But they were called out for their explosion of disorderly conduct or whatever. And that was also about protecting kids in regard to shootings. But except they say they protect him from the guns, but don't protect him from the knife, right? Apparently. But the point here is people argue, well, they're just protesting because no one's listening to the gun debate. Well, here's the problem. In this dynamic, in this in this process, they do get a they do get a right to speak. And they can stand up and express all of these opinions on the record for everybody to hear. So why didn't they just do that? Because it wasn't about just being able to speak. It was about is about making a political statement. But all that's really doing is stopping anybody. And I'll, look, personally, as you know, I don't think anything truly gets done at this broken process anyway in Congress. But the argument is that, well, they're doing the acting and, you know, the living embodiment of their constituencies and they're passing bills that matter for us, blah, blah, blah. So pretending that's the case, because that's what people, a lot of people think. 
The argument is, well, what they're doing is hindering process, the process that actually achieves something and standing up and making statements with their blowhorns and saying, protect the kids, which all it does is draw attention, which maybe that's what they want. But you could do this anywhere to do it in this process is just about making that political statement. This is propaganda. That's why he came back later with a child sized coffin, which is just disgusting. This, this guy, you're using the dead children to push a political agenda. So the point is why this is the same thing as this to me. Because what happened here is whether transgender or not, she basically made this big trans statement in the house acting like they were, as she said, you've got blood on your hands if they support this bill. Well, okay, well, suddenly, just by having a political disagreement, you're a murderer. You see how crazy this gets? Because now you've got people who are supporters of her who believe these people are murdering people by their political action. Therefore, we need to just do something violently to stop them because they're killing people. This is the same kind of idea of pretending like, well, climate change is going to kill us all right now. So we have to act irrationally because what else? If we don't do it now, we're all going to be dead tomorrow. That's not true. But you see the people that believe that are going to act in irrational fashion. And then when they go out and kill a politician because they voted the wrong way suddenly it becomes the other side's fault the radicalization or the right wing or whatever else you see my point so she instead of standing up and expressing that they're doing the wrong thing in the actual process she makes a big statement and a protest and and stands up and and holds the microphone to all the people chanting and holds up the process and so they they say well you're that you're lacking decorum and what you're doing is with okay so that that is all accurate but then what they do is Say, well, until you apologize, we're going to refute, we're going to not allow you to speak. Okay, well, that's stupid. Okay, because what you're ultimately doing is exactly what she's accusing you of, which I think is probably the point. All you had to do was reprimand her for her. Is it a him or I don't even know. It's a transgender. Uh, it's a it's a man that is a woman now. So this 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 representative Zoe Zephyr, who is a, a biological male, is being not allowed to speak even though that person was voted in because they say you have to apologize first. What are we, in kindergarten? I mean, that's actually what's happening, guys. So you can see how this becomes a ridiculous thing both ways. Now, first of all, the person, the transgender representative is standing up and and, and causing protests and action just like they were in the middle of this state when all they had to do was just stand up and express yourself then. Blood's on your hands in a statement during your process to speak. Why do we pretend like they need to stand up and make a big political statement and, and cause people to flood the chamber and make this whole thing so they can be heard when otherwise they would also be heard? Because it's politics. And then to go, she was deliberately misgendered by a conservative group. Who cares? I can't stand how stupid this argument is. So you're going to make you're going to act like it's somehow un, unparalleled that you're you're murdering babies by calling me the wrong gender. Like it's just stupid. You're a grown-up. The fact that you're making such a big deal about this about being called what another name? I mean it's just it's just you, you can care about it, but to make to 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 create this equivalency like misgendering somebody is like the worst possible thing. It's it is all politics. I don't even think most people in the community believe this. I think this is all a game. Not in the sense that, you know, obviously in a game where children are being mutilated and things are happening, but the point is that this is about creating a situation where people are walking on eggshells. Now, it says they're refusing to let me speak. Well, okay, well, this person was voted in. 
So by doing so, by saying you have to come back and apologize first, it does feel like on both sides there's a political game being played. It's up to me to maintain decorum here on the false floor, says the speaker. And any representative that I don't feel can do that will not be recognized. Okay, well, now, now you're just apparently arguing that, well, you don't have integrity and dignity, so I'm not going to let you speak. Well, that's not how this works. Anybody, transgender or not, is voted in. Well, you, they need to be recognized. If they're, The point is, in that moment where they're up standing and protesting and screaming with a blowhorn, well, that's, yes, good point. That should be something that's chastised. But at the end of the day, the next day, the following week, when you're going, I'm not going to let you speak because I don't feel that you'll be able to, that's an abuse of power. Democrats objected to his decision, but the House Rules Committee and House upheld his decision on the party line votes. Zephyr said she stands by what they said about the consequences of banning essential medical care for transgender youth. So all this is about is a bill rightly banning children from having access to what we just heard about. Okay, so all what we just said is kind of moot to the point that what this person is fighting for is young children to be indoctrinated at a point when they don't understand what's happening to take things that will alter their bodies because they can decide. So to be clear, what this biological male is trying to force in, I 100% disagree with, and everybody should. It's disgusting and it's wrong. If you want an adult to decide to do this, that's their choice. But now we've shifted the conversation about helping people with gender dysphoria to just letting children at eight years old decide how they want to cut their bodies open. That's what we're talking about. And so the point is, they're voting. It's going to go against what this person wants. And so instead of going along with the political process, Zephyr stood up and made a huge deal about it, had a protest and held the microphone of the protester and also threatened and basically said, you have blood on your hands. And that's become as driving violent action, which is what they're arguing, which I don't disagree with. Quote, when there are bills targeting, targeting LGBT community. Oh, isn't it LGBTQA plus whatever? Aren't you, are you, are you bigot? <laughs> I stand to uh, defend my community. How is it defending your community by for, by arguing that children should have access to this at an age when they don't understand? They're not part of your community. You could argue they might be, and that's the best you can do. To argue that this bill is targeting your community is just a misrepresentation of the reality. Zephyr says, and I choose my words with clarity and precision, and I spoke to the real harms these that these bills bring. So her, the point is that Zephyr is literally arguing not that this is a hyperbolic thing or this is a, 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 a symbolic blood. No, no, no. Real harms. This is my point. Explain that for me. Where are the real harms? So this bill is arguing that children should not have that, which is no one should disagree with that. That's my opinion. But then point out where the real harms are. Of course, they want to talk about people bullying and trans being attacked. For That happens. But how does that relate to these children and these hormone blockers? All they could, the best they can argue is that you're somehow stifling their choices. But the point is you're deciding for them that they should be introduced to this at a point when they barely understand what's going on. This is wrong. Period. The issue came to a head on Tuesday when Zephyr, the first transgender woman to hold a position in Montana, referenced the floor session opening prayer when she told lawmakers if they supported the bill, I hope the next time there's an invocation when you bow your heads in prayer, you see the blood on your hands. Think about that. First of all, there's no blood on the hand. There's no, That's a wild over, overreaction. 
But on top of that, that is, again, creating the situation where you have radicalized defenders of this who think these people are murdering transgender children by not allowing this to happen. And you know that's happening. Trans rights or else we keep seeing. Now, yes, I don't think that's everybody, but that is clearly part of this ra uh, radical politicized group that is pushing this, as she called it, the Rainbow Mafia. I agree with that. Later, the Montana Freedom Caucus issued its censure demand in a letter that called for a commitment to civil discourse in the same sentence in which it deliberately misgendered Zephyr. You see, now this comes, the point is your decision that somebody has to say what you think you're called, that's your personal choice. On the other side of this, maybe they don't like you, maybe, they're, maybe they just don't like transgender people, or maybe, like me, in situations like this, there's a political reason to do so. Now, as I've said before, I have no problem, like Chelsea Manning, for example. I've, like I've always said, her, I don't care. I really don't care. It means nothing to me. If it's a grown adult that wants to make that, I'll call you whatever you want. I don't care. But the moment you begin to say that I have to, well, I'm going to make a deliberate point to say you're a biological male because you are. And that's my choice. So in this case, that's my point. So these political, these people in the Freedom Caucus have every right to call you what your, bio your biology is. That's their choice, and it's political. So, but to make it into this, like you're doing it because you're an evil right-wing hater, that's just the political framing. You know, maybe it's true, but my gut tells me that it's far more about making a political statement. It says, quote, it is disheartening that the Montana Freedom Caucus would stoop so low as to misgender me in their letter. So we're talking about starvation in Yemen, vaccinations, murdering people, Nazis in Ukraine. And we're here quibbling about misgendering. Think about that in the context of what's going on in the world. Further demonstrating their disregard for the dignity and humanity of their transgender individuals. Zephyr also spoke emotionally and directly to transgender Mount, uh, Montanans in February in opposing a bill to ban minors from attending drag shows. Okay, so why do you want to allow minors to go to drag shows? That's what we're talking about. Now, you could say drag show or you could just say any, any, which is the point, adult cabaret, whether it's a woman, a man or whatever else, because that is what the bill says. They're just recreating reality here. But yes, that also includes drag shows because it includes minors because drag shows are sexual, period. Now, what we're talking what's that was weird how this suddenly went to drag queen story time to just drag shows, right? How quickly this changes, right? It's very clear what's happening. Quote, I have one request for you. Please stay alive. That's, that was it. Stay alive? Okay, so how exactly does stopping transgender treatment for children put people's lives in danger who are already trans well you see because the insinuation is people are murdering trans people everywhere that's not happening now yes people are being attacked and you know bullied and that happens in every group you could point at probably more so in this group than usual but the idea that they're somehow being murdered everywhere is such a insulting like again with people look at what's happening in east palestine what's happening to people overseas with our tax dollars and they're saying there are you and they're framing this this way it's insulting it should be the legislature has also passed a bill stating a student misgendering or a dead naming a fellow student is not illegal it shouldn't be because it's not if i call you joe and your name's bob is that illegal no because it's not because this is a choice it's called free speech unless it rises to the level of bullying, which makes sense to me. But now you can argue that begins to get subjective. 
And you can argue that it will almost guaranteed to be used in a political way. But bullying is important to include, in my opinion, whether it's transgender or anything else, because bullying, if you ever look, it's, it's a especially today, it is rough. What be, what will be done to these people, especially with social media? Man, it is rough these days to, for young kids. But so the point is, well, yeah, if someone's going to go about and use that to actively bully somebody, it's not really about the, the then age of misgendering. It's about the bullying, right? So that's the point. But it says this body is denying the representative the chance to do her job. So, I, you know, I am for, to, forced to agree with that. So, so it, this is how I keep pointing out the two-party paradigm. Had they just done what they did with this in an appropriate way, reprimand her for what she did, point out that she's wrong or, or the, the biological male that is Zephyr and point out that they're wrong and yet and let him continue to speak because they're, he's voted in. But when they do this and they literally say, I will let the body know that the representative has every opportunity to rectify the situation. Uh, I must have, let me see. Yeah, right there. It's right in the front. I just skipped past it. It's saying that they, they speak, they refuse to allow a transgender lawmaker to speak about bills on the House floor until he apologizes for saying lawmakers would have blood in their hands. But what do you mean apologize? Is, are we in kindergarten? Like, you're really pretending like you're going to kind of have to, how about you just point out that what you did was wrong and explain that and, and, and move forward? This, this is like, I mean, I don't, it's juvenile. It's the best word for it. Why do you get to decide who has to apologize? That's going to get really ridiculous if suddenly House speakers and leaders are suddenly going to say, well, you have to apologize because I didn't like what you just said right there. And if you don't, you're off the kit. That's so stupid. We all must see how stupid that is. And so at the end of the day, they're coming back and saying, well, they're, what they're doing is wrong. And you have to agree with that. Here, April 26th, barred from the House floor for the rest of 2023 session over protests. Now, I think this is the same. I was going to skip past this. The point is, was this is the point I was going to show you where they, apparently there were people protesting and that's how this all got started. But I think I went over the most for the most part of this. Oh, I guess there's some points I'll read in this. It's And that's something that I'm pretty much done here. Montana's GOP-controlled state legislature voted to bar transgender lawmaker Zoe Zephyr from participating on the House floor for the rest of the session. The move comes after Zephyr refused to apologize for telling them last week that they would see blood on their hands, which, again, I argue is a, is a you know, in the context and with how it's being framed and her going up and saying, stay alive. Clearly, that's driving violent action. We just saw a mass shooter. That was a trans person, and there's multiple ones that recently followed that were all with pronouns, their name, and so on. There's clearly a problem here, but you know you can point out the other side of this too. Is people? It's not just a, a only left. It's only one side or the other. It's people are being radicalized by the government. <laughs> Shocker! It's a two party illusion game. But apologize. Just same point. It's just very stupid. Zephyr will be allowed to vote remotely, but can't talk about proposals. Now that doesn't you, voting is one thing, but being able to engage in the process, that's obviously the political, the right of somebody who's been voted in by their constituents. They can't just pretending like any of this is even real. I'm just talking about this. That's my opinion. But anyway, the point is said before Wednesday vote, she was taking a stand for the LGBT community. Again, are you missing the last few? What are you, you bigot? Her constituents and democracy itself. So standing up for young children to have sexual, you know, allow to be sexualized by drag shows and alter their bodies in dangerous ways is somehow defending democracy. Don't you love how they love to use democracy anytime? You know, by, we, we're allowed to starve Yemenese people. It's democracy in action. 
she accused uh, House Speaker Matt uh, Rager, uh, Reg Regeer. That's what would that be? Regie <laughs> of trying to drive a nail in the coffin of democracy by silence. This is so stupid. If you use decorum to silence people who you hold account, who hold you accountable, is that what's happening? Then all you're doing is using decorum as a tool of oppression. Now, there's, that, there's a fair point to be made about how that could be done. But that's why I said before, you're not using decorum as a way of tool of oppression. You had every right to go through the normal process and speak for as long as you wanted in regard to, you know, the, 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 the bill, not, not necessarily on, well, there's different circumstances where you don't have unlimited time. But in some cases you do, and I believe this was one of them, where you can sit there and speak about the bill. You had that opportunity, at the very least sometime. You could have made all those same points, but instead you wanted to br- slow the process, hinder other people from doing what they should for their constituents because you thought what you wanted to do was the most important thing. See how that works? In this case, what, what, the, what Zephyr did was the problem, not the other way around. But the point is a fair point to make. That you could argue that acting like decorum, like, okay, here's a good example. By pretending that we're only allowed to protest in the free speech cage, that is using the decorum or rather just the adherence to things as a, an oppression. When the reality is you have free speech anywhere, not just in that cage. But in this case, obviously there's a, a process. And the argument is that if they don't stand up and do this in the middle of the session, that no one's going to hear them. But that's not true because they do have that opportunity. It's all about making a political statement. Now, obviously, this is just the same thing speaking on this. When the speaker asked me to apologize on behalf of decorum, what he really is asking me to do is be silent when my community is facing bills that get us killed. Again, killed? How does that make sense? How does stopping children from being sexualized and stopping children from being mutilated kill transgender people? Are they actually pretending like by not allowing them to become trans that's killing a trans person? Like, this is just completely asinine. Top to bottom. But it's but my point is, by saying that, you are driving violent action everywhere. And I already made the point for this. Now, I think... I'm just going to... I don't want to dive into this. going to talk about it forever. Oh, these were two points I was going to include. Just simply pointing out that this is a, pro, this is a, a side effect of specifically women becoming men and taking high levels of testosterone. It causes weird problems in your blood. Just, you know, it's one of the other things we don't talk about. Okay, so I'll just do this really. Last point. I thought this was pretty interesting. Caringe Jean-Pierre points out quiet press room after touting lesbian vitality week, visibility week, excuse me. Now, this is really, really, I don't even know how to make sense of this. So this is pretty, like, almost humorous in a way. So KJP just loves to point, I'm the first gay, or rather she uses the word queer, which I think is pretty ridiculous. I'll, I'll play it first and I'll make a point about it. But there's this lesbian visibility week, right? But do we not all see that the lesbian movement is like out openly being attacked by the trans community? Like they're somehow not uh, the, they're the, they're the, the fad of the past, right? You're not the time we're in the, and it's just so weirdly political on the surface of all this. But at the same time, you're supposed to pretend like they're all on the same side, even though that's clearly not even what's happening right now. But I didn't even know that it was apparently lesbian visibility week. And they bring out these people and listen, I'm going to point out to you what they're saying because it's contradictory to what the trans community is actually doing right now. So here. Oh, hold on. I forgot. I didn't grab this one. I don't think. One last thing here. Watch me do this. 
Come on, quit freezing. Okay. So here we are. I'm just going to play the video first. So this week is Lesbian Visibility Week, and as the first openly queer person to hold the position of press secretary. Yeah, you heard that right. Hold the position of press secretary. for. Oh, it's not. Oh, I've, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. Press secretary. Got it. Okay. Isn't that great? So she can't even say her own title correctly. <laughs> it's just classic. Press secretary. Of press secretary for the president of the United States. I see every day how important visibility and representation are. Today, I'm honored to welcome the cast of the L Word and Generation Q. The L Word? Oh, is that, I think that's actually... Two Showtime series that chronicle yeah. the friendship, the love, the challenges, and the triumphs of strong, funny, and resilient queer women. Up here with me are the amazing, talented actresses who play those very roles. Jennifer Beals, Leisha Haley, and... Kat oh, wait, actually, I thought I had... Um... Oh, that's. Oh, that I had the wrong one. Son of a gun. Oh, is this one? Ah, whatever. Well, I'm... oh, wait. Ah, whatever. There was one that I wanted to show you that had the other one speaking. Well, whatever. I'm just going to skip back. The one point I was going to make is that she gets up and makes this big statement about you know, lesbians and, and the true. And the point is that right in this moment, you can very clearly see how the trans community is so like aggressive about being in the spotlight about what's important and what's driving the conversation that they're that the lesbian side of this is actually being attacked. Not again, none of this represents everybody in every community ever, but it's very interesting how they're still always trying to frame this as this overlapping thing. And I just find it ridiculous. Now, why does it even matter that you're the first queer person Shouldn't it be based on whether you're good at the job? Clearly not, because she's terrible at this job. But the point is that this administration, more than anybody, very clearly, not just insinuated, implied, but outright stated that his administration was going to be what they said was representative of America. So that means on the surface that you're using gender or rather identity and ideology as more important than qualifications. Think about that. That's really, really stupid. So now you're telling us that your identities are more important than actually being qualified for the job? Well, yes, they're literally actually saying that. That's stupid and it's wrong. And we can see that as she's mispronouncing words and barely understanding what her job is. But it's just, it's, it's all propaganda. Now, oh, the last point I want to make here, the word queer the definitions haven't changed, except when they, you know, want to pretend it's something new. Like, look, look what it says under Wikipedia: an umbrella term for sexual and gender minorities that are not heterosexual. That's not what it means. It's right here, deviating from what is expected or normal. Strange. Great. So KJP just called them all a bunch of strange women. You're different and weird and strange. Why? So it's interesting that they would use that word. Why not just call them gay? That's what they are, right? <laughs> like it's just it's because they're they're trying to carve out these different identity corners it's such obvious identity politics now what all of this drives to is division violence 
and political strife. And we're watching it play out right now. People are acting out in violence. We're seeing this happen with the right. We're seeing it happen with the left. We're being divided in every possible way, even down to AI, which I'm not going to get into tonight. I had a whole section about that with Tucker and debates and elections and all that, as well as AI and, and CBDCs and all different kinds of co- categories. We'll get into the next show. But the, the, the conversation of AI is all of a sudden shifted. Now you've got all these people in, in major positions coming out and saying, saying, wait a minute, we need to have more people investigating this. The artificial intelligence is, needs to be positive for six months or, you know, we shouldn't let this happen. And then you got the others, the other side coming out and saying, no, this is important for the future and it's for this and for blah, blah. And then you got other articles, you know, in the middle framing it saying, this is the debate between this AI side and that AI side. One side thinks we should and one, they're all on the same side. It is the same stupid dynamic of saying, well, here's the AI we should be using, and here's the AI they want to use. I know. Also, basically, what it amounts to, that we're going to use AI and it's going to change your life, but let's make sure we pick the good guy side. How about we pick none of it? How about we realize that it's all about a, a, a false dialectic to get to drive us into choosing AI <laughs> or choosing the technocratic future or choosing what they want you to choose? Right? It's that old meme that shows people lining up to go in left and right, and then they all go into the same, or rather the cow is lining up left, left side, right side, and they all go to the same butcher, you know, a, a slaughtering plant. It's, a, it's the same game, and it's how this works. I just think we need to be very, very aware of how this is driving the same game, and all it applies to every conversation we're talking about. So we will follow up with the rest of it. A lot more to go on every single day, but I think it's just we need to put this in front of people that need to see it. And I don't mean the entire long videos, but break off the clips. Take the clips Brock makes. Make your own clips. Post them anywhere you want. Put it out there and get it in front of people to show them. Or better yet, just take the peer-reviewed, or rather the, 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 the source material and let them see it. And don't do it in a way that says, you dummy, you've never seen this before. Walk up to them and, and, and align Right. If they think it's all completely true, walk up and go, yeah, you know, like, you know, it's crazy. People aren't wearing the mask anymore. But hey, did you see this crazy study that I th- it's probably totally wrong that says that they're not helping at all? You know, and, and they're going to if they're on, if you're on their side, they're going to go, oh, well, yeah, let me look at this. Oh, that, that's pretty crazy. But if you come out and say you're wrong about math, they're going to just dismiss it right away because people are completely brainwashed by this stuff and we need to help them. You know, and also, by the way. Stand back and ask, maybe we're wrong, which is certainly possible. But all we can do is base our opinion on the facts and what we can prove. (laughs) As you saw today, it is undeniable what's going on, both in the COVID-19 discussion, East Palestine, or anywhere else. I think we're at a very important time. It's an inflection point in history where people are aware more than I've ever seen, at least in my lifetime. We need to capitalize on that. Now, we've got lots more coming your way. More Pirate Storm episodes coming out, which seem to be being aggressively suppressed and throttled on Rumble, going from 80, 100,000 views an episode to like stopping at 3,000. Who knows? I I have no no issue in pointing out that I think Rumble is YouTube 2.0. And I think we're already seeing that. I know the Slow News Day gets censored over there all the time. But all the Republicans want you to think that's the new freedom speech. Just like Twitter, didn't you know? Elon's, Elon's fighting for free speech, man. Unfortunately, part three was going to happen today, but it's too late. And I, I took too long getting ready today. But I hope to do more of these in the future. I want to try to streamline this in a way that I can do this faster. But so much to talk about. I truly love you guys. Thank you for being here. Our community, 
gives me hope for the future. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.